Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. No way. No way. You two are going to deep dive Bash at the Beach 2000 at the subsequent civil trial that came out of Russo's shoot promo. This is the most incredible thing I've heard all day. You two guys are far and away the best wrestling podcast out there. And here's the thing you don't understand. Or maybe you do. I'm going to stick my phone way up my ass throughout this whole deep dive because that's where you two belong. In my ass. Just wanted to share that with you. Can't wait to hear it. It's the Lapsed Fan Wrestling Podcast with Jack Encarnacio and J.P. Sorrow. It's still real to me, damn it! The Lapsed Fan. In all my years in professional wrestling, I've never seen anything like it! Oh my God! Drop kick in a beauty! Well, it's the last fan man, number one in the ring. Forget about the slaughter, we the real king of swing. When the bell goes ding, you can kick like me. Thrown in the corner, make a splash like sting. Even Jerry King can take off the crown. Nodding his head like it's D-Low Brown. When you get low down, when we go even higher. Flip you on your head, but you know cool driver. You be spitting more knowledge than Dragon Spits Fire. Give you more shock than when Edge retires. Dropping more truth than we kind of sniper. Bless you with a coconut, Roddy Piper. Jack and JP be like JYD. Drop the cupcakes and gluten. The brain by beans. The best podcast from start to close. And if y'all benefit, here's a five second pose. And we are very much back. But we have her back because it's time to put that TLF signature deep dive treatment on what has been boss an epic WCW Bash at the Beach 2000. Oh, my goodness, I'll say. Uh, we, do, we do have a death toll. You know, we, we didn't do it prior. Yeah, uh, crack uh, open a Pabst and pour one out. Exactly. It could be for your, a spiked for seltzer. our homies. A hard coffee. It could be just the mm-hmm. traditional standby beer that says so much about you. especially America. Yes. Is what that does. The red, white, and blue can that says America. Weather starting to turn. Dick's out for Pabst. Dick's yep. out for lapsed. Pabst is lapsed, and lapsed is America. Hmm? So fuck off. Correct. <laughs> but it's death toll. Pour one for your homies. Gene Okerlund, Ralphus, Daphne, Brian Adams, Chris Canyon, who deader than he. Right. Mike, not so awesome, and Scott Hall, who does have a, a little cameo in some, you know, in, in the flashback videos. And since he's a recent dead, it's always good to remember. Yes, yes. It's not like we spent 
enough time talking about him. So let's. That's right. Hey, you know what? I forgot about it for a moment until, you know, after even after that, even after that, I'm I'm like looking through and seeing who's dead. It's like, oh wait, there's Scott Hall. Oh, he's dead. Oh shit. Yeah. Forgot. You leave it up to WCW to literally book an angle about Scott Hall's absence. Like, oh, I know. The story is Scott Hall's not here, and right. Uh, He's getting paid. They're using his name. But. You know, I'm thinking we could use his whole thing about Scott not being here, you know? Scott. Scott. <laughs> S-C-A-H-T-T. In case you're wondering. Scott. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah, well, <laughs> save that quote for the end, Kev. We yeah, got a right. lot to get through here. Uh, the show in Daytona Beach, July uh, 9, uh, 2000, of course. And um, in terms of business it did 6572 at the ocean center in daytona beach 4447 of which paid to get in that's a $127,000 gate oh for a at a 0.22 buy rate which is 1.09 million in pay-per-view revenue so if we go back to that Hulk Hogan contract boss we can pretty much pencil out whatever uh what was it 25% of that is or whatever the figure yeah. was and yeah. got to figure out Hogan's hall that is paltry 1.09 million total haul is paltry compared to wow. um, past years. I mean, alone, that, that figure is down 48% in event revenue from the 1999 Bash at the Beach. Wow, no shit. And the 1999 Bash at the Beach was down 66.8% oh. from the peak WCW year of 1998. Bash at the Beach, of course, which started in 1994 in Hulk Hogan's yes. very first match in WCW. Yes really tells the story of WCW in terms of the ebbs sure. and flows of the business. So the first one, of course, Hogan versus Flair, July 94. It was in Orlando, not Daytona Beach. 14,000 in attendance, 9,111 paid. That's $140,000 live gate. That was a 1.02 buy rate, which was a $2.58 million gross pay-per-view revenue, according wow. to the Observer. 2.58 compared to 1.09 in 2000. And watch the steady ebbs and flows here. The next year uh, was a bit of a step down. Of course, Hogan's first match was big. You watched it. I mean, that's saying something. Yeah. You bought it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the July 1995 Bash at the Beach did uh, 9,000 fans, but they were all free because I think this was the one on the beach in uh, in, in Huntington yes. Beach, wasn't it? With, uh, yeah, with, with, with Hogan and, and Vader in the cage. There was no live gate, but of course, there was a pay-per-view hall, which came in at $2.37 million gross pay-per-view revenue. So a little bit of a dip from the year prior, but not significant. Yeah. And this is interesting. We should have probably touched on this more in the Scott Hall episode. I think it bolsters the case we were sort of making or coming to the conclusion that you know, the NWO angle is revolutionary and as electric as it was. It didn't really show uh, empirical business improvement until Hulk Hogan turned heel. And this is interesting. The 1996 Bash at the Beach did less pay-per-view money than the 1995 version. You think about Hogan. Really? You think about Hall and Nash coming in and the mystery of the third man. Did less business. Did less. Um, it did 2.23 million in, in pay-per-view revenue, whereas the 1995 did 2.37. That's not a huge difference, but it should go up. I mean, Hall and Nash in their first WCW match. You give? You kidding me? Yeah, you'd think for sure that would be a pretty pretty big, especially with the the whole how hot the third man angle was. You want to check yourself before you assign too much. That's right. Of the uh, drawing power of the NWO angle to Hall and Nash alone. Uh, that was a seventy-two thousand dollar gate. Uh, the 1997 Bash at the Beach, of course, with Dennis Rodman having his first pro wrestling match, teaming with Hulk Hogan um, against uh, who was it? Uh, Mike Tyson. It was Austin. It was Lex Luger and somebody? Michael Michaels. Uh, that did um, two point seven. Uh, that was. Um, wait a minute. That was Luger. It was. Uh, 
It was Carl Malone. No, that was uh, 1998. Oh. No. Oh, was it? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Oh. It absolutely was. 1997, Bash at the Beach. I'm surprised I forgot this. I bought this show. This is, I think, was the first WCW pay-per-view I bought, actually. Wow. Yeah, it was The Giant. Luger and The oh. Giant against Hogan and Rodman. Um, and that was $2.79 million pay-per-view revenue, so eclipsing the 1994 So they did the the Carl Malone and Luger tag team match the same year as the DDP and Jay Leno tag team match? Yeah, it was the month after. It wasn't Luger. It was DDP and Malone, and then That's what I said. No, no. Oh, it was DDP and Malone? Malone? Yeah. Oh, I thought it was Luger Malone. DDP Malone, and then the next month, DDP Leno. What the fuck? Yeah, well, they were- they were kind of intoxicated by this celebrity thing that was working for them. So yeah, two point yes. seven nine. So eclipsing the nineteen ninety four Bash at the Beach record, uh, that was um, that was good for one hundred fifty thousand at the gate. But it, um, as, so that, that's a twenty seven percent increase from ninety six to ninety seven in pay per view revenue, and then um, explosive growth in ninety eight. We go mm. from two point seven nine in ninety seven to six point seven six million in nineteen ninety eight. Wow. With a bash at the beach. And that, of course, as we just mentioned, was the Malone Rodman thing, which really, really caught fire mainstream. They had like a midcourt tussle in the middle of the playoffs that was essentially an angle in, it, in the body mm. of an NBA game to build this matchup. And of course, Goldberg had lit the world on fire by this point. He just pinned Hogan to win the title. So this was his first title, right. title defense on pay-per-view against Kurt Hennig. There was a lot to say. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Um, that's a 1.5 buy rate. So that must have been a huge payday for Hulk. He must have really liked that. But I mean, boss, I invite you to consider that we went from 6.76 million made in pay-per-view in 1998 to 1.92 the next year. Wow. And then down to 1.09 for 2,000 bash at the beach. Jesus. Barely a million. They go from almost 7 million to barely a million in two years. Oh. That's because of the observer, right? Or whatever. Yeah. Right. Of course. So we open up the 2000 Bash at the Beach with a limousine pulling up. We see fans and palm trees lined up in the background, but they've clearly been instructed not to make any noise. There is no cheering as uh, Ernest Miller, our commissioner. of I mean, were they instructed not to make noise or were they aware that Ernest Miller was in the limo? (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. That could be it. Um, And you you always have to keep in mind when you're watching this show, like, you know, this probably was shot in the afternoon inside that building the debate is happening. The tension is in the air. Oh yeah, for sure. The meetings are happening in the trailer. There is no ease in the air on this, on this afternoon. Uh, brother, I don't understand you. I, where, where are we going, brother? Right. Where's this going, dude? What is the outcome, brother? What's where the, is, what is the outcome, dude? More importantly, what's the scuttlebutt, dude? Brother, I'm not so much worried about I'm, tonight. I'm worried about where we're going from here. I'm worried about where we're going, brother. And I'm worried about who's talking to who, dude. Exactly. And why. Exactly. So that's a very, uh, that's a very achievable mission for Eric Bischoff, <laughs> as delivered by Hulk Hogan on Bash at the Beach 2000 afternoon. Well, who, what, why, to, brother? I, I want a full report on who's talking to who, dude. Who's talking to who? Who's saying what and why? <laughs> the Hulk Hogan story, his third book. That's right. Who's talking who, to who? and why? Yeah. The Hulk Hogan. <laughs> the inside scoop on Hulk Hogan. <laughs> so Ice Train has been recast as Ernest Miller's limo driver, and he opens up the uh, the limo door and. The cat steps out. I do not know what the fuck to make of what happens next. It, it's it's so bad. It's so indicative of like the disconnect between what Russo thinks is funny and what like human beings think is funny. So the, he says to the, he says to the limo driver, "Go get misfits in action." 
and uh, don't get near the ring. Tell them to not get near the ring um, during the cruiserweight match, which features uh, Lieutenant Loco. That'll be the opener of Bash at the Beach. Great. And, and of course, Miller says this so that they do go and interfere and do get involved and suffer no consequences. Right. Uh, Ice Train's name is Smooth, by the way, and Smooth says he'll handle that for him. And again, no pop at all as Miller steps out of the limo, but there's fans everywhere. And then we have this, I don't know, gong sound, Japanese sound. You hear Japanese music. And I don't don't understand what's going on here. Miller acts like it's coming from the heavens. He goes, did you leave the radio on? And then here come the young dragons. Why? Because he thinks it's funny that they act like ninjas in the shadows and jump out and go hi-ya and all that shit. And probably thinks it's not like over the line stereotypes because one of them is Jamie Noble, who isn't Japanese at all or Asian. Oh, at all. so he's so I see. So so that's even worse, actually. It's my guess is what they told themselves. So it's it's of course the young dragons were Jimmy Yang, Jimmy Wang Yang, as he would later be known, yeah. uh, Kaz Hayashi and Jamie Noble, Noble under a hood, of course. And uh, yeah, they say, hey, I do not have time to play today. Miller says to them, we'll do it later on. And then they do this. It's bad enough these people are standing there like fucking statues, clearly told not to make any noise. But when the young dragons, you're you're you're, you're giving you're giving the people behind the scenes way too much credit. How so? I think that they're just standing there because they don't know what the fuck is going on, nor do they care. That's well, what's happening. So they start doing this phantom violence on the cat. It's the worst, campiest violence. You've I ever just seen. don't think that the people behind the scenes would would have that kind of wherewithal to say hey you know we need this quiet i mean they are just like looking at this i think they're just completely dead and dumbfounded as to why they like wrestling i mean this will send them home this this will have them reconsider they're doing like these double arm ringers to the cat who's like you know standing there i mean he's not even acting like he's being attacked he's not even acting right it's supposed to be like this kung fu theater foolish campy violence kabuki Essentially, yeah, essentially. And then Miller kicks them in the nuts, and they go down. That's comedy. And uh, that's how a WCW pay-per-view starts in 2000, boss. Yeah, I'll say. That's what's so galling to me. Call your local cable provider. Oh, your satellite provider, too, according to that amendment. So Tony Shivani pipes up and says, we're ready. The young dragons have time. And uh, the generic music opened with the slow clips of all the principals in the main matches. They do this sort of like... Very generic mailed-in video package. Oh, well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I've told you, I never have really enjoyed WCWs outside of the Sting one for uh, Starcade, which still also, you know, looks very much of the 90s. It, it, this is just awful. It's just so bad. It's like they're just phoning it in doesn't even do do what we're watching justice right there's like literally a thing on the format that says video package here and like oh fuck well we got to plug this up with something it's like they didn't come up with something that deserves to be on the show they just made right. something because there has to be we a have to have a video package to recap for scott hall's contract it says in text and they show him and it shows him again with a clip of uh jarrett and it says for scott hall's contract again it repeats for scott hall's contract hey yo the same package my career is on the line, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's like they, the text only speaks to the Scott Hall stipulation in the Goldberg Kevin Nash match, but the visuals do also tease Hogan and Jarrett. But there's no voiceover or text that calls attention to the Jarrett Hogan part. 
it, it, this package literally makes you think that the Scott Hall contract match is the key draw on the show. I mean, it, it clearly is. I know that. You know that. We all know that. Hey, you know, fuck it. That's what it is. You know, people are, people want to know what's going to happen. So are you saying you're Scott. breaching my contract, brother? Am I not brother, the Hey, look, wrestler? I'm not in, I'm not in breach, man. You know, I'm not, <laughs> this is not my thing. I'm not in breach. You I'm know? on Daytona beach. <laughs> look, look, I'm on the beach, bro. I'm not in breach. I'm on beach <laughs> at the ocean center. All right. So listen, Hulk, that's not, this is something you got to take up with legal, man. I can't, this isn't me. I don't fucking cut the videotapes. Hey, why don't you cut Hogan out of the opening? WCW <laughs> <laughs> and master lock. Welcome you to the summertime. Master tradition. Lock. Oh yeah. Uh, Tony says, uh, this is the summertime tradition that has always been the crossroads for sports <laughs> entertainment. The, the cross, the crossroads of my life. I think it is a crime Ugh. against humanity when Tony Schiavone starts saying sports entertainment on WCW broadcast after Russo that's takes what, the. That's board. what it is, though. I mean, what what else could it be? That's what it is: sports entertainment. Okay. And today is no. Exception. I actually had him come in and, and re-edit that when we owned the footage. Oh, did they insert that in post? You got to say sports entertainment, pal, because I'm not I'm not promoting that wrestling crap that you guys did. Right. And uh, yeah, he also. <laughs> He makes some uh, 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 lofty claims, if I'm not mistaken, about what this show is going to offer. Okay, we'll see. Uh, entertaining, compelling, uh, uh, wrestling. I mean, all these things are false. <laughs> right. Yeah, it would be a night of falsities. There's a pop gun pyro over the ramp and over the ring, and it's so depressing how staid and cookie cutter the WCW sets were in 2000, man. It was a cost-cutting thing, but my God, they had the same screen, this yep. big screen with the trusses on the side with the backdrop curtain, same exact look for Nitro, same exact look for Thunder, same exact look for pay-per-views. It sucked. That was was New the, Blood Rising before or after this? After this. That was August. That was August. Yep. Okay. So uh, first pay-per-view is commissioner for Ernest Miller at all. We did it. I don't remember it at all. You remember the show? No, no, no. That was the one with uh, Scott Steiner shooting. Remember? I might go. Uh, I do. I do. Oh, I do remember that. I do remember. I do remember Kevin Nash saying he was going to throw the script out the window or something like that. Yep. And then uh, the Booker T. Jeff Jarrett rematch was the main event. Booker gives him a bookend off the apron through a table. I remember that. It was in Vancouver. Oh, that's the one with Bret Hart coming out, right? Correct. and, And wasn't Rougeau there, too? Yes, he was. He was involved yeah, yeah. in the like, the Canadian angle. Right, right. Yeah, you remember more than you give yourself credit for. I think I that's also so. the. I guess I try to forget. That's what it is. The pay per view where uh, Vampiro suffered, I think, a career ending, or a, not a career ending, but a career interrupting concussion, taking a top rope powerbomb from Mike Awesome. Did he die? Yes. Great. I should remember that. So, this is his first pay per view as commissioner, Ernest Miller, that is, and they're saying he has problems with the Young Dragons. That's going to play this out over the course of the broadcast. Can cut out with the Young Dragons. Yeah, and you got the exact real the real problem sentiment there. So it's uh, Tony Schiavone, Scott Hudson and Mark Madden on the call. Or as Tony put it on his podcast, three fat guys in Hawaiian shirts. Uh-huh. And <laughs> yes, the curtain drops uh, because there's a silhouette uh, entrance here. And you better believe, boss, it's the filthy animals. It is. And, and Disco Inferno dressed like a Laker. Yes, he's in Lakers gear. He's like and, uh, full Lakers attire. What the fuck? They just thought it was funny that he... Um, it's not. 
He was Dim Shady, the hip hop inferno. Bullshit. So it's Juventud Guerrera stepping out. Juvie, of course, Vince Russo, a huge fan of him. He put him on commentary, even though he barely spoke English. He just thought he was so. Let me hilarious. guess, because because Juvie came up right when 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 Russo came in the first day. Hoovy came up and shook his hand. <laughs> Something like that. That would happen. He was always nice to me, bro. Always a good go along, right. get along that's, guy. See, that's the problem. You're always, you like the people who were always nice to you and you like didn't, couldn't wrangle anybody else. Fuck you. When everybody who made a lot of money in the business was always an asshole to most people. So right. uh, there he is. And you just don't know how to fucking handle it because you're a sensitive prick. Disco with the Lakers jersey, Tigress hanging on Ray Mysterio and a bit of a piggyback ride. That's a saga in and of itself, from what I understand. Sure. Don't ask uh, Mrs. Oscar Gutierrez about Tigress uh, unless you want to have a scene in public. I want to have a scene in public. Yeah. So, Hoovy uh, in this kind of open white Scarface shirt, the juice. Was he, was, he, was, was uh, did, did they change the lyrics uh, uh, in regards to Tigress and, and, and Ray? Was that. Who's that shooting rope out the sky? Uh, yes, actually. Right. That was on the cutting room floor. But Disco's in a Kobe Bryant jersey, interestingly. I know. That's, that's all of it. It's just, it's just fucking, it's weird. It's weird. And then they, they get in the ring and Conan has to speak, but which is bad enough as it is, as you know. I can't stand that. But then Disco has to echo in his own weird way. Right, well, uh, that's a, that'll do it for our Bash at the Beach 2000 coverage. Yeah, I'm good to quit after that. Um, it's comedy. It's comedy it's when he so says, bad. word to your mother. And if you don't think that's funny, you're a mark. Sounding like Ray Romano, <laughs> too, for that matter. <laughs> Always. 100% of the time. That's enough. You're not kidding, Conan. You're not fucking kidding. What's it? Touch the shirt? No, that's too. That's that's. An, what, what, I don't get it. What's, the, what's that do? What's that thing? Well, What's your his, shirt, his shirt is made out of such wonderful material that a uh-huh. woman wants to touch it, but he doesn't want her to touch it too long because uh, uh-huh. that would greasy be greasy hands and him. stuff. Yeah, I guess that's okay. what it is. I yeah. guess. Yeah, he's annoying. Like I don't, I don't <laughs> dig him. Whatever at all, you know. Well, I hope you know that Conan and Disco have a podcast, so so that's something I'm sure you're going to want to listen to. Great. Uh, Conan at the time had um had a big elbow cast on or, or cast on his whole arm really due to an elbow infection. And we got a cast in that ass. So yeah, correct. we're all, right. we're all so doing the common. same thing. Absolutely. Um, so uh, yes, that's enough. Conan says we need to keep it cracking, marinating. Like you just said, um, he said, uh, you guys need to go win the tag titles, Disco and Ray, and we're going to go party and, and, and uh, see people to get filthy on, which is Okay. Um, Word to your mother. Conan would later say that essentially the filthy animals wear clothes on WCW television that they would wear to the club after the show. So this is, they walked into a nightclub looking like this, like, like 13 year olds. basically. So, so, okay. So would they shower afterwards though? Or did they just (laughs) go right from the thing? I mean, I don't understand. So did you change the clothes? Cause 
you know, obviously not if you're saying you go right to the club because right. you wear sweaty clothes, unshowered to the club. And considering how ass backwards it, it is to wear like actual chains and actual eyebrow rings and actual earrings in a fucking fight wrestling match, I, I bet just to just to keep with the consistency, they took all those things off to go to the club, but wore them to fucking wrestle. We're not going to get into that too much. Awful, awful music on the Peacock version for the Misfits in action. They just didn't even try. I mean, the original song was bad enough. I don't, I don't know what copyright it violates. I don't know what it sounds a lot like, but it would just kind of go, Misfits, bloom, 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 bloom in action. And I'd be like, no. Yeah, I'm okay with missing that. Russo would say later, I wish you had time to develop the Misfits in action characters <sighs> longer because this was going somewhere. No, General Huge Erection. Like, I, I cannot tell you how annoying he is vince russo in the idea of like what do you think about what do you think out of the things that you've created what do you think is making money because when if you look at the fucking numbers you're going downhill i know he finds every excuse in the book and it's annoying and it's entitled and all that shit but like you know also how is his wife married to him (laughs) even at this time i don't know they still married i don't know if they are or not but like how can you how can you live with this fucking idiot well, he's found Jesus. It's, it's, I don't fucking care what he's found. He's still a piece of bullshit. <laughs> oh, find my mom for all I fucking care. He's a piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> Fuck it. Because he because he made the MIA. Because he did everything. Yeah, everything he did, like you know, even even the, the the later WWE stuff that he did, he's just a fucking moron. And again, the fact that he doesn't take any fucking accountability. Yeah. Fuck it. Idiot. Yeah. He, 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 he ran hard headlong into the reality that what makes good television ratings in 1999 and 2000 cannot keep a company in business. You will go out of business obsessing. But he doesn't take any responsibility for that even today, I bet, right? Well, he's not around long enough to ever really author the downfall. You know, it's Shh, bullshit. It's in he, these, he was there enough. He no, was I, there I, enough. My point is, my point is, no, I agree. He, he did nothing but damage. I mean, that is clear. But it's 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 just like his 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 time with the book were so sporadic that there's just as much blame to go around to others as him, you know. Uh, that's all. But it doesn't mean he he, sir, he deserves no blame. I mean, they brought him in because they thought he could turn their television show into this fucking smorgasbord of like so much shit happening that you never want to change the channel, right? And right. he brought that, and it sucked. It it, it increased interest for th- two to three weeks in terms of the ratings. But it did nothing to put more money in the coffers, which is what WCW so desperately needed at that point. Nothing, 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 nothing in terms of revenue. Yeah. 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 And look, he was brought in to increase television ratings. I don't even think they had an expectation that he was going to actually, that they probably thought that was a chicken or the egg. You know, you increase television ratings and the rest will take care of itself. That is just not true. No. You, you can do real revenue and low ratings because you're building things that people want to, that the people who are watching anyway want to buy. You know, look at it, right. not- right. Look at it as what percentage of the people that are watching my show, no matter how big or small, are compelled to buy the pay-per-view or buy tickets. That's the measure of your success. Right. And if you grow the television audience 6X and your pay-per-views don't go up, it doesn't mean dick that you grew the television audience 6X. Right. Because it's not like any advertiser is going to suddenly entertain buying ads during fucking pro wrestling television and put money in in the network's coffers. It's not going to happen. Now, Unfortunately for Vince Russo, the flip side is also true, is, is, uh, is differently weighted in that when the ratings go down, you just can't stem the tide. It doesn't matter. You know, you just, there's a constant panic atmosphere uh, in the office, you know, when ratings yep. go down at a television yep. show. But just because they go up doesn't mean uh, fortunes are, are improving, unfortunately. Anyway, 
there's this whole fucking convoluted deal where Hooventude, um, he didn't win the cruiserweight championship, but he walked out of a building one, one week with it. And they're literally like having Mark Madden. Well, not having him, but Mark Madden is saying possession becomes the, you know, the law, nine tenths of the law. They're trying to explain why we should, we can just call Hooventude the cruiserweight champion anyway, even though he never won it in a match because, you know, belts mean so much. Okay. Right. Um, Especially when you do it like that, if you walk out with it, who gives a shit? Huh? Right. They literally have them do this so they can call it the juicer weight title because they think that's funny because they think the juice is funny and it's not. And um, then here comes Tylee and Buck, major guns with her bombs oh, away man. army fatigue shirt on. Oh, she would later. She go, is. She is a distraction. She's a distraction. That's for sure. Yeah, that's what she was there for. She would later go on to. um get fingered on camera and yeah she does girl on girl yeah, fuck yeah and i believe she also was a cam, <sighs> cam girl at one point in time but her twitter account shut down because she was wow. fucking railed um but that's neither here nor there hudson says oh it's it's not it's it's everywhere actually neither here nor there but it is everywhere major guns oh my god uh <laughs> and he says you know here comes the misfits in action they're taking ringside after the cat just said let's not let them do that and Scott Hudson says, you know, we've got to improve communication. Uh, they didn't yeah. get the word either. They're banned by the cat. But here they are, they are right. standing here. There's so pri- obviously private- the cat's power is worth watching television for. Right. There's private staff, <sighs> a.k.a. Van Hammer, standing around foppishly. And again, as Booker T told the story in his book, Private Stash was sort of a rib on, uh, on Van Hammer. Or at least they didn't call him Private Stash. They, uh, he wanted to be called Private Stash, but they called him something else, didn't they? Um, anyway, whatever the fuck it's cause he would use drugs and he would be, uh, Just, he, he would, he would borrow gimmicks off other guys and then not share his stuff. So I mean, what the f- <laughs> Just a fucking asshole. Chavo, uh, is in the group as Lieutenant Loco, Hugh Morris, Lash LaRue, one of your favorites, oh. rounding out the MIA, uh, referee Charles Robinson mm. trying to keep order. Um, and then they started with the fake crowd pops. You can hear fake crowd noise. And Tony Schiavone said in his podcast, this is the show he remembers where WCW first started doing crowd sweetening. So that's interesting. Wow. Mostly for Goldberg, right? Correct. Right. So here are the misfits in action. And look, to keep with the, <laughs> to keep with the, uh, right, exactly. It started in July, 2000, but as far as the Goldberg piped in chance, that clearly started in November, 1998. When the yeah, they just ramped, made. they ramped it up for 2000. Yes, like, that's what it is. Um, so they have Juice the loose. redheaded ref whose name is skip, escaping me. It's later down in the notes here. He does come out and start to eject the misfits in action. And Tony says, mm. uh, "This is a, there's nothing short of gang warfare between these two factions. And nothing. Nothing short of it. Nothing short. Nothing short of gang warfare between the, the guys dressed up like 13-year-olds and the guys dressed up like, I don't know, six-year-olds at a birthday party, basically. I mean, these are all fucking morons. All Lash LaRue's missing is a super soaker, boss. You know... Uh, <sighs> All Lash LaRue is missing is puberty. Uh, so uh, Tylene Buck gets out of the ring after entering and earning a fee and then leaves. And that's a night's work for right. major guns. They, uh, as they're all heading to the back, Madden, I don't, Madden wishes that the women would stay and go topless. Maybe they could take their tops off, something like that. It's pay for you. You calm down. It's wrestling. Check the marquee. Sports entertainment, Scotty boy. The bell has sounded in this sports entertainment opening bout at Bash of the Beach 2000. See, that wasn't annoying at all, so that's good. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mark, why don't you stick with the baklava? How about that? How about how about you get to the baklava? Just go to the back, Lavar. So, so here comes Lieutenant Loco, a.k.a. Chavo Guerrero. This guy, Lieutenant Loco, Kerwin White. What's the deal, man? <laughs> well, you know what? I'll I'll take Lieutenant Loco. Believe it or not, I'll take Lieutenant Loco over fucking Hooventude. So it's uh, Chavo. <laughs> fucking moron. Some jabroni named Hooventude? I cannot. Yeah, he really is. Like, just squeeze a little jabron on this motherfucker. Just, just, just terrible. Just He's so- such a... I, I I have never liked him. I didn't like him back then. I don't like him now. Anything that I watch, I don't care what you say about his 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 workmanship in the ring. He's a fucking loser. He's an idiot, and he's trying too hard to win my respect. And it's never going to happen. <laughs> but he has charisma because his hair is wet and shiny. Yeah. Oh, so does uh, Seth Rollins. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen something in common here. So it's uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Loco versus Hoovy to kick off Bash at the Beach 2000. Uh, Disco goes up and hugs Hoovy as he does Ray in his Kangol and Carpenter jeans. Uh, Conan hugs, Tigress kisses him. It's all uh, in the family. I forget, was, was, uh, was Ray wearing the, uh, did he have the horns on? The devil horns? I don't remember if <laughs> not, he did. Not, not on this show, but this okay. was the era when he was. Very yeah, well, he had no mask. When he had no mask, he yeah. wore the devil horns. He thought that was great. He thought that was so. Cool. Oh. So cool. So Chavo yeah. slaps Hoovy and goes to work with some forearms. Hoovy turns the tides with some hard chops, strong woo chants from the Daytona Beach crowd. As a whip is reversed, drop down, Hoovy goes under a leapfrog, then an inverted high atomic drop by Chavo, and then a standard issue atomic drop, followed by a clothesline and 360 over the top to the floor goes Hoovy into one of those speakers they have around the ring uh, to project the sound of the promos. Uh, yeah. Ring announcer Dave Penzer out there in his own Hawaiian shirt as Hoovy takes a minute uh, on the great ramp and lays down... Uh, on the ramp, clutching his crotch. Of course. To Why not? The What's crotch. wrong with that? What's wrong with that? These are those ropes that look like licorice, by the way. Ugh. And Hoovy teases getting back in and uh, not not licorice, more like, because um, licorice has the, the twists in it. What what candy am I thinking of that's like very there's, cylindrical? There's, there's licorice. There's like the strands of licorice. That might be what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. You know? 
Because I'm thinking of Twizzlers, but that's not exclusively licorice. That's not like the only whatever. So uh, yeah. uh, Tees is getting back in and uh, jumps off the apron when Ch- and uh, drops off the apron when Chavo lunges at him. Hoovy slides in as Chavo gives chase on the floor, cut off with a stiff shot, then a suplex outside in attempted by Juventud Guerrero, but it's blocked, and he's launched uh, over the ropes to the floor down in front of the fans. Big suplex yeah. uh, and a tough ride to the floor for Juventud. Then Chavo with the springboard uh, Vader bomb, not in the ring, but from the apron to the floor and crashes down yeah. across Hoovy's shoulder. Scott Hudson puts over Hoovy, uh, having recently been on the shelf due to a shoulder injury. So Lieutenant Loco targeting that boss. Ever the strategist is the lieutenant. I, I, I understand. Yes, I, I understand that they went through a battle plan that looked very much like Kevin McAllister's battle plan. <laughs> yes, Home yes, yes. They're dressed like him. That's for sure. Right. And they're and they were it was drawn out with crayons and shit. Right. It's a great gimmick, by the way. Back in, uh, Hoovy's begging off, Chavo doing big military. Did you explain, I know you mentioned that they called him the juice, but did you explain why why they called Hoovy the juicer? No. I, I mean, okay. I don't know why. If you don't do. know, that's even better. I appreciate that even more. No, I don't, I don't know why. I don't think I really want to know, but I just Probably because he drank a lot. I mean, the guy was essentially like a, a pill popping booze hound and... They thought that was funny towards the end there. Isn't that great? Isn't it yeah. fun when you when when you when your act- friend certainly has, seems to have a problem and you can just laugh at it? Oh no, it's cool. He had like an ecstasy thing. He took ecstasy in at an Australian hotel when they were on the road in Australia when they were on tour, and he had like a big thing. Wow. It was a big scandal. I think he went naked or something into the hotel into the lobby. It was some kind of should have hooked up with Grace Jones. No shit. Spent some time in Australia. <laughs> well, yeah. Look, what else could they have in common? <laughs> what do you know? Getting high. Back in Hoovy begging off. Chavo doing the big military stomps. Then he's pulled into the corner pad by Hoovy. Uh, that's the ring savvy that has made the juice the number one juicer weight champ ever, we're told. The juice is loose. Yeah. Uh, you know who isn't a juicer weight champ? Mark Madden. <laughs> Hoovy with some corner mounted punches. Um, he's more of a pepperoni weight champion. <laughs> <laughs> that's good um, the, but the problem is the pepperoni doesn't wait it gets right down the chute <laughs> just kind of just kind of lingers in that lower belly oh like full it barely chewed like just oh, of course. full circles it, right it's <laughs> like when he takes a bite of the pizza it's just like <laughs> it's like a giant it's like you know the the uh, think about like a like a like a the chunk doesn't even get chewed maybe once inside but then everything else is like whole peppers onions mushrooms sausage pepperoni all whole <laughs> swimming down this fuck's gullet simmering in his stomach acid yes yes, yes. so ten corner punches by Hoovy and then he thrusts his crotch in Chavo's face uh, Chavo would be one of six people to get uh, Hoovy's crotch in their face on the night. Um, yeah. He was the only one, however, that agreed to it beforehand. Chavo fires out with Lariatos, then starts piling him up. It's bump and feed time at Bash at the Beach 2000. <laughs> Tilt-a-whirl backbreaker by Chavo gets two. There's another burst of fake crowd noise. Uh, Chavo called the more accomplished ground wrestler by Scott Hudson. So, Okay. Hudson. <laughs> that seems a little... I mean, I guess I guess in comparison, he's right, you know. Hoovy stands and pokes the eye to some fake crowd noise. To the corner they go. Corner to corner Irish whip and a kick, kip up to the ankle scissors by Chavo Guerrero taking yeah. over Hoovy. Then a big power slam out of the corner for two. 
Uh, this is like great WCW cruiserweight wrestling, and for no reason, they're wearing lounge pants and military fatigues, and they're dressing up, and it's and it makes me bored. It's a cruiserweight match in Halloween costumes, and it's an- and it makes you annoying. totally like the thing about it is that it makes it makes the wrestling look bad. Correct, correct. That's the weird thing about it. Like it, it goes to tell you that you know you also need to wear the right the right the proper attire for it. You can't just go out there and wear you know garments and expect to to fucking uh, you know. Uh, get it done and and be good when you're wearing fucking cargo pants and shit. Right, exactly. It's just it's like, it's so much of it is the look on your face, how your voice sounds, and what you're wearing. You know. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Like, and I'm not saying cargo pants don't work. I'm I'm because they certainly do for certain people. I'm just saying that you know, it doesn't work for these fucking idiots. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily. It certainly make, doesn't. Roman wears cargo pants, doesn't he? I guess you could say they're cargo pants. Yeah, they're cargo pants. Right? They got the big pockets everywhere. Yep. Um, so Chavo lays in with big hard chops. Hoovy literally tries climbing over the ropes to get away, uh, and then to the corner, Hoovy misses a splash. Clang into the buckles he goes. Hoovy. Clang. Yes. Did you see the? Uh, did you look at the? I didn't notice this before until watching. I have. So you should say this. I haven't noticed it before this particular WCW show, but the WCW Tron has constant moving graphic it does yes motion was WWE doing this at this time no Did they have constant moving graphics i think they just showed the match didn't they i don't remember i remember they they they, they changed the, the side things to to images of like the the fist up and whatever right, right. in 2000 but i don't remember if it was constantly moving like this this was this was this was like current wwe shit interesting yeah, constant moving graphic <laughs> cmg take- <laughs> right one way to put it we have a CMG sighting here. Movie counters a tilt to whirl lands on his feet. Both collide with clotheslines in the center and hit hard on the canvas. Scott Hudson says it's time for a gut check between Hoovy, the Hoovy Juice and the Lieutenant. You know, you know. Um, at times, Scott Hudson can kind of sound like Mauro Ronaldo. Interesting. That's one I hadn't thought of. They have a very similar kind of voice. Like I can't describe. I don't know how how to describe it, but they've got a very similar sounding. Vocal quality. Vocal quality. Well, we'll put that one down for future reference. All right. Up at eight, both guys are as the ref lays in the 10 count. Chava lands some hands. Reverse baseball slide under the ropes. Hoovy with the waist lock. Chava low bridges. And Hoovy yeah, I can't. I actually can't tell you the last time these guys are probably up at eight after going to the club. Yeah. More at eight, as it were, in terms of the <laughs> eyewitness news coverage of their latest. Yeah, right. Chavo climbs in a big plancher to the floor, scores hard. Here come the filthy animals now with masks on, but the same clothes. So you know exactly who they are. What is this? <laughs> They're supposed to be like thieves in the night, I guess. It's, it's, it's clever. It's comedy because like, look, you know, I'm going to, if we put a mask on, they won't know who we are, but the fans will know who we are. And it's going to be really fucking funny because Vince Russo did so. And Madden goes in on the and whole. I don't want to be, I'm a fucking idiot. <laughs> and you sing. Great. Madden, who are these people? He acts incredulous. This fucking thing are. sucks. One of the guys looks like Doug Dillinger. And then Hoovy rolls up Chavo, distracted one, two, Mickey J's and Ray's face for getting involved. Yeah. And uh, Madden says, that guy's dressed as Ray Mysterio. So he's playing incredulous to who these guys are. Right. See, it's comedy. He's it's trying a little Bobby Heenan here. It's not working, unfortunately, for him. But oh, my God. Bobby Heenan was on payroll at this point. He was doing Thunder, and he's not Let's doing pay-per-views. Have Madden. Madden's totally worth it. It'll be fine. So uh, Hoovy then launches with a Pascal. Well, I don't know if we want 2,000 Bobby Heenan either, for that matter. Let's just be honest. Yeah, well, yeah. That's a good point. 
Um, Hoovy then launches with a pescado over the top of the floor into a guillotine leg drop. But instead of like, you know, when you do a leg drop, you're supposed to land sort of with the instep of your knee, so to speak, the back of your knee across the face, right? You don't actually land on the guy. Hoovy- hey, all right, let's tell you what. Next time you get in the ring, we'll see what happens, all right? <laughs> That's right. Hoovy completely launches over the ropes and just lands and sits down on the gut of Chavo Guerrero on the floor. He just lands right in his stomach. He's just a flailing madman at this point disco leaving now with the mask in his hand totally revealing who he is hoovy rams chavo into the rail fake crowd noise as he goes into the post as well yeah. he goes over to the table and slaps a five with mark madden uh Hoovy then rolls chavo back into the ring stomps him and they hit the crowd noise so weird like do they think he's the face like i thought i thought chavo guerrero was the face but they're playing crowd pops for Hoovy's offense it's it's very Whatever. confusing who cares Front slam, Hoovy to the apron, springboard, and of course... You see uh, Bill Clinton in a Superstar Graham shirt? No, I He comes to ringside, too. Really? Yep. Interesting. What's he doing in Daytona Beach? My mom. Says that one hop Ooh, on the way to Pedophile Island. weird, actually. <laughs> so, springboard, and of course, <laughs> before Hoovy hits the splash after he spring- springboards, yeah. he claps, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a signal. What does he do after that? What, what does Chavo do? That's a signal for Chavo. <laughs> Here I come. So he takes the splash one, two for Hoovy there. Tony calls this an incredible contest between two phenomenal athletes. Put that in the bank uh, for the video game call. It's like this generic yeah, Tony Schiavone yeah. call that you could just put in a video game. Uh, it's in every fucking match. You can just like insert any match. Absolutely. Chavo cut. You could also insert that over promising he did about this being the most epic night in the history of the sport yeah, at the top yeah. of the broadcast. Like you go, you start an event, you start a match in a, yes, in yes. a yeah. This will be the most extraordinary event in the history of entertaining matches. Chavo cuts off Hoovy up on top. Hoovy rolls into a power bomb from the ropes and sits out. It's a Liger bomb. It's Bash at the Beach that time. Almost. I'll give him that one. Yeah, I like that. Time. I like the bomb. The Look, bomb. This is a good match. This is a good match. A cruiser, you know, as, we, as you know, a cruiserweight bomb always wins. Yes, it's, it's hardly ever a loser. And uh, Tony calls it almost a version of a Liger bomb that time. Uh, that Fans. gets to that time it appeared uh, Loco used his entire body to muscle out, Shivani points out. Is <laughs> They go to center ring and there's a botched power muscle bomb. Loot. What's that? Muscle loot. Muscle loot. Yeah, that's, that's like you said, match. Sound like, sound like you said muscle loot. Muscle loot. <laughs> yeah, I guess I did. <laughs> I've been spending time in Canada. I haven't told you, but. <laughs> um, well, we did. We did spend cinemat in, uh, in Canada. In Van- so. Vancouver. Yes. Vancouver. Um, shout out to Paul Lazenby. That's, <laughs> that's another two grand in Lazenby's pocket. <laughs> Center. <laughs> How about the package under the cinemat, folks? about not tremendous shit get on it oh god center ring and a botched power bomb turns into a dominator basically they call it a front suplex it's just all yeah. falls apart um in the audience you see hugh morris like you said in a clinton mask you called him billy graham oh that's what he was wearing. you were a billy graham oh because oh, it's hugh morris the tie-dye yeah i guess i didn't even really realize it was all that shit that's him that's yep. funny hoovy does the hoovy elbow which was the people's elbow just a mockery of it which meant which means a not funny version of it uh, Chavo then sits up uh, see, see, again, more of more of the Vince Russo bitterness of like, you know, obviously, you know, I can make the, anybody the rock, bro. Right. Exactly. No, you know what? You can't, bro. They basically had the rock book. made the rock. They kind of had Booker, Booker kind of carry himself like the rock after he won the title. It was kind of sad. Like he'd come. Well, out. I know. I remember well, the whole thing with the bookend and stuff. And he had the same. I mean, he always had that haircut, but he, he was like being booked more like the rock. He wore the the regular wrestling tights instead of the Harlem heat tights and stuff. And he was just he was becoming the rock. He was their version of the rock, which made the SummerSlam 2001 match a sort of dream match in a way. Interesting. Well, that's a positive spin to put on it. 
Yeah, they'd have him like wear sunglasses in the ring indoors the whole time. And he's if he could have raised his eyebrow, I'm sure he would have. But uh, yes, the Hoovy Elbow lands that gets to so sad to see Hoovy do this. And they think it's like sports entertainment and self-referential. Lash LaRue with a mask, too. Now Scott Hudson uh, is not convinced um, uh, that these guys aren't misfits in action. Tylene Buck walks back down, tears uh, open her top. Yeah. Camo bra. Yes. You're here for camo bra. Totally distracts Hoovy, who gets crotched by Chavo on the top rope, falls in, no uh, covers, but there's no ref. Um, Major Gun slow as molasses uh, as she hides uh, crouched next to the apron so that the ref can't see her, I guess. And she's she's, she's going so, down so like, is gingerly. There, is there is there is could there be a woman any less interested in wrestling? <laughs> any less interesting, period. I mean, she just like, well, I mean, like she doesn't care about not at all doing her job like she just is there like she literally is just a a a a person who exists in the world i know yeah she's probably the most vapid woman to ever be on a television screen in pro wrestling just like and i'm not saying personally i'm not i'm not trying to say that she's like not a smart person but just the way she presented on screen like you said was so empty oh it's pathetic there's nothing to it at all um so yes there it is, and Chavo tries a tornado DDT. Hoovy blocks it. Chavo slips behind, does kind of a set-out curtain call move for two. Yeah. Hoovy gets the shoulder up. Here comes Charles Robinson. Uh, Charles Robinson, by the way, totally hit three, it seemed, but oh well. We keep going. Fans are standing now on the hard camera side. They're into it. Powerbomb attempt. Hoovy lands on his feet, though. Go behind. Hoovy driver spikes Lieutenant Loco on his head. Back press uh. gets two as Chavo puts his foot on the rope. Then Chavo snatches All a sudden takes. tornado DDT. Um, stepping off the corner beautifully, spiking Hooventude. One, two, three. Lieutenant Loco hands Hooventude Guerrera a defeat. 12 minutes, seven seconds to get Bash at the Beach 2000 underway. Oh, God. Awful Misfits in Action music. New champ, I guess, right? I get no, well, no, it's really retained, but. Right. I get no enjoyment out of this. Chavo celebrates. Um, the Misfits are in their masks. Why do the deal where they can't be at ringside if they are going to come out anyway in masks is yeah. beyond me. Um, is it really that important that they have to come out in masks, that we have to set up this whole... It's a swerve, bro. Uh, we said they can't come out, yet they come out. People weren't expecting that. It's wrestling. Don't very sad. That. Very sad. Don't forget that. It's wrestling. Backstage, Ernest Miller with the Young Dragons at his desk. He says, I like you guys. Thunder was a good show. You did a good job. Maybe you don't understand the words coming out of my mouth. Ugh. And they have Noble saying, job? Job? Like, did you say we're going to do a job as opposed to a good job? And then Jeff It's Jarrett- funny. See, it's funny to use insider lingo. Correct. Jarrett barges in, says, where's Hogan at? I saw what you pulled on Thunder last week, but I'll deal with that later. I got screaming <laughs> Mimi here. Oh, yeah, I got this for you. This piece of garbage. I want to know where Hogan's at. I've got Screaming Mimi here, and every time she walked out of catering, I had her practicing her do re knees. Catering. The fuck is going on here? <laughs> well, the nitro before this, because Hogan wasn't there, they did the fat lady will sing, and he brought the fat ladies out mm-hmm. and the Viking hats, and that's supposed to be funny. And now they're the here. What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> I- you're supposed to be entertained, bro. You're not supposed what to ask questions. Fuck? Just be entertained. I, 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 I can't be with this horse shit. So, uh, the fuck is going on here? 
He says, I didn't come here to lay on the beach. I came here to cripple and retire Hogan. Well, you came here to lay down. Sorry, Jeff. I hate to tell yeah, you. Yeah, right. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Yeah, exactly. I don't, pal. I don't know if it matters if it's on the beach or in the middle of the ring, but you're laying down tonight. You're laying hard. Miller says, what? Like suddenly he's concerned about what Jarrett's saying. And Jarrett says, if Hogan's not here, I'm going to have you uh, deal with somebody else. But Hogan's going to be here tonight. He says, yes, I, yes, he will be. Uh, so okay. now it's time for the Godfather ripoff music because Vito. Oh, I hate him. Why? I hate his face. I hate everything about but him. He's real mafia. So he could like have you killed. Oh, I don't fucking care what he is. He's so, he's so his face, his fucking, the fact that the fact that his eyebrows don't end yeah, very, and just connect to his nose. That it, bothers me. His eyebrows are, have always been a point of serious, oh, serious. What concern. eyebrows actually he's got yeah, no eyebrows. You know? Very concerning. That stupid bald head of his, and he's just a fucking moron. Nosferatu over here. Oh, seriously, he is. He's an Italian Nosferatu. I guess Nosferatini or something. He's out with his... Uh, Nosferatelli. <laughs> you got that right. No shortage of cannoli on hand. That's right. Does he, he, what has he got? His stickball bat? What the fuck is this? <laughs> 1910s New York? Like, Of course, of course, because it's all about New York. <laughs> exactly like anyone it's all gives about a new fuck. york it's all about the fucking yankees all about my mom and all about this fucking horse shit <laughs> no one gives a fuck about new york like no they give a fuck it. but they like people who aren't from new york will never give as much of a fuck about new york as new yorkers do the, so the only people the only people who give more of a fuck about being about new york are people who move to new york yes. and think they're new yorkers right they're trying so hard like I've never seen a bigger group of try tryer hards than people from like Chicago. Never, who moved never. To New York. There is not one time in my life, in my eight years of living in and around the New York area, did I ever call myself a New Yorker? That's my man. That's how you do it. I'm a New Englander, Have some born and bred. Self respect for exactly. Christ's sakes fucking christ so here he comes uh i'm a new yorker oh my god i'm a new yorker i live in i live on the east side i live in a village <laughs> these people these ass. people live for going home for two weeks over the Wait holidays minute, is this not yeah i mean i remember these are the people so i remember this is this is what's kind of funny i remember when we first moved to new york i i i posted on facebook back in the day that you, you know our first night after our first morning Waking up in, in our New York apartment after moving there, I went to Dunkin' Donuts because at the time, those listeners from L.A., you know that there was no Dunkin' Donuts in, in, in L.A. My, the 10, the, how long was I there? Eight? Whatever I was there. However long I was there, eight years, the eight years I was there, there was no Dunkin' Donuts. And for a New Englander, that's just suicide. That's suicide. And so... I remember I posted that, oh my God, I was like, finally, I was like, we got dunks, we got coffee, we got, you know, bacon, bacon, egg and cheese on a croissant. And we were like, yes. And I remember my quote, New Yorker friends were like, oh my God, there's so much better food than Dunkin' Donuts. What is wrong with you? <sighs> I was like, we have this great neighborhood what? place where the owner pretends to know us. Right, right. Exactly. Owner, owner yeah. doesn't give a fuck about you. The owner is probably laundering money, first of all, because there's no way he can afford that rent slinging, slinging these brick oven pizzas, first of all. <laughs> the owner thinks you're a mark. Okay. The anyone, owner doesn't care about you. The owner cares about your wallet. Yes, yes. 
your yuppie ass that he talks shit about when he drives back to Bensonhurst to go to sleep. <laughs> Fucking, I, I was just talking about this with my wife the other day. I was like, you know, we, I was like, it's really funny. The, the, the rent is so astronomical in New York. And I know in other metropolitan areas it is. I know like in Boston on certain areas, like the, the, the rent is so stupid. LA, same way. But like New York is really, it's really pathetic. It's like they don't want people living in New York. Well, they just want to see how how far they can stretch this whole prestige of New York thing. Like, really, these I mean, rich motherfuckers will pay this much to live. I mean, this I think it's, it, it it works because like you because you know someone will pay, and there's always someone's absolutely someone's if if they can't pay, someone's parents will pay. That's how badly they want to be known as New Yorkers. Like, talk about oh my god, talk about desperate. It, 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 it so it irks me so much because. You know, there's there's good stuff there. Like they could, they it's, could. It's, it's the know? most incredible city in the world. Period. Yeah, I don't know about that, but it, it's a good city. I mean, I'm yeah. That's the thing. People people get it twisted. Like I got a hate for New York. I don't hate. I don't hate for I, New York. See, I, I love New Yorkers, but I don't love these fucking Sarah Jessica Parkers who want to <laughs> go home on Christmas break, like in the Family Stone, and and announce they're from New York. That's unacceptable. <laughs> to me. I, I just don't – New York, you know, New York's great. New York has a lot of great things. New York's just never been my city. Yeah. You know, I just can't – and to me, the greatest city in the world is a city that I want to, like, yes, live and be in. And, yeah. Anyway, that's so, that's a whole other – Speaking of which, Vito was out with his walking oh, stick. Fucking prick. And it's here where Hudson says there was some speculation all week that Hulk Hogan would appear. Would, but the question is – With Vito? Hulk Hogan with Vito though appear with Vito. No, no, it's just, I know, you know, how WCW is when there's someone of lesser importance on the screen. They just talk about the main eventers. Would he be physically able to be here? Is the question in Daytona mentally be able to be here as of yet. We're told there's no report that Hulk Hogan is. Why are you saying that brother? What, what's wrong with me? Do what, 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 who's saying shit? Why dude? are you feeding those lines dude? What's brother? The, what dude, who, who it's worth noting here. And we'll note it later that Shivani said in his podcast that they were absolutely not clued in as they typically are by Vince Russo, as to what they should be emphasizing, right, and what they're building towards and what they ought to be mentioning and framing up in, on commentary. They came into this one blind. What a fucking, what a shit show. Yeah, well, he's backstage trying to figure out what's going to happen in the ring until fucking five o'clock anyway, so it's not like he could tell them much, but <sighs> Vito out with a hardcore title that I think it was the only WCW belt besides maybe the six-man belts and the Cruiserweight tag belts that they created at the very end that had the, um, the WCW logo, the new one, the 1999 one on it. Yep. And uh, on Thunder that past Wednesday, Vito had blindsided, uh, I think it was uh, Norman Smiley, right, with the title, mm-hmm. and hit him with a stickball bat. Vito with the mic. Now, you people have an Italian champ to cheer for. Supposed to fight an old paisan, Johnny the Bull, tonight. Funk was supposed to get in the ring, but they beat the hell out of each other on Thunder. Fake crowd noise all over him. I talked to the cat. He said, I got a mystery opponent. How about sending those guys out? I think it was actually uh uh, Terry Funk, he attacked on Thunder. So what happened was um, Johnny the Bull, um, green green as the day is long, does a springboard leg too. drop to the floor and literally fuck like ruptures his hip and like slices his urethra. Okay. Oh my god! It was like one of those horrendous injuries you've ever seen, and it's like, why did he fucking do a leg drop to the concrete? How is that going to work out? Like it's on tickets. God. So Norman Smiley comes out, his music hits, he's back in a hockey jersey, and Ralphus is his corner man. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why? Why why is Ralphus there anymore? No. Jericho's uh, gone. Why did they give this guy a contract? You know why he, well, he, 
He worked on the ring crew. He wasn't like just some guy. He, he, he wasn't. I thought just, he was a truck driver that or something like that. Yeah, he worked for WCW's crew though. He wasn't. Oh, so he had a job there that wasn't talent. They, but Shivani well, said his podcast. He wouldn't surprise him if they didn't pay him anything for this. If they just did oh, it for free, yeah, probably he probably did do it for free. I mean, he looks like a guy who. Oh my god, he he looks like like uh, I don't know how to describe like Jeff, it. Besides like Yes, but he also looks like an animal that was somehow converted into a human being. <laughs> like, like a walrus. <laughs> right. It's like a walrus. And they took like some kind of a weird ray gun and they transformed him into human, but he still had all of his walrus instincts. He's definitely like, um, you know, there's a woman and I'm, I am kind of thinking of the Jefftown grandmother, but I'm thinking more remote almost like. There's there's a woman who's lived in this house for 98 years, this old clapboard beat up house down the end of a yep. dirt road that like no one ever has bothered her in her whole life. And she has this, you know, she gets a disability check and she survives somehow in her in her shack. And then one day, you know, there's cause to for the cops to go and check on her and they go in the house and they realize she has a son who's 48. He's Ralphus and he's never left the four walls of this house in his whole life. And he's just like sitting in the corner. In, in like in like a in in a fucking one of those one of those old like seventies eighties you yes. know uh, uh, a lazy boy chair you know just just it's all weird fur he has and shit and like he's wearing a uh, you know a white no t shirt no. he has no white uh, shirts they're all uh, yellow by now what I mean I mean it was white it's got mostly yellow stains on it no the sleeves were cut off. You know, and 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 he's wearing he's wearing way too small khaki shorts. Absolutely, like this, way too small. It's kind of like 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 literally the 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 button is like, come on, I got this. <laughs> on the verge of just popping and tearing and like, huh. And you're going to tell me that someone with with this constitution doesn't masturbate at least six times a day? Oh God! I mean, can Jesus we Christ. even? It's like crusty socks all over his bedroom. It's like <laughs> if like you know he he and, his, he and his mom like to watch Wheel of Fortune at night, but she usually falls asleep you know halfway through, and he'll jerk off then to Vanna, to Vanna White, <laughs> just right in, just yeah, right in the fucking room, whip up you know, just kind of like you know, you know, just fucking jerk off right there in his shorts and come in his pants and, <laughs> and then just sit there and then, then just sit there afterwards and then the, go to the kitchen and eat 12 oreos you know rest rest in his semen yeah he, then he fucking eats he eats a box of oreos and uh, uh and uh you know he comes back and then his mom wakes up she goes in to look for the oreos and they're not there and she's like we just bought a box of oreos he says oh, mom, i guess we didn't i guess we're gonna go buy another one <laughs> ralph is at home okay <laughs> she dies he's got to take he, they like bequeath the property to him he doesn't know what to do with it he just you, you know you know and also the thing is because he doesn't know what to do and he's just he's just so nasty it takes him four days to report her death <laughs> All right, so she's just dead in the house, and he's looking at her like, oh, "I'll deal with that later. Uh, I'll deal like, with that later. I gotta watch uh, fucking. All right, I gotta watch well, Mori Povich first. I got, I got shows. I got shows to watch. I'll do it over the weekend. I'll take care of mom over the weekend. He calls for his mom. And like, oh shit, she's dead. 
Ma! Yes. Ma! Ralph. Ralphus. Oh, this is pretty good. More Oreos for me. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, forward, prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. He eats so many Oreos. Now. He eats so many Oreos. He's out for like a day and a half, out cold. I mean, just like the blood he sugar. He sits in right. that chair. Just sits in that chair. He's like Kevin McAllister in the Plaza <laughs> Hotel room with the ice cream. <laughs> he's fucking. You know, he, he can't tell you how many times he's pissed and shit himself sitting in that chair. Absolutely. Yes. And then in my world, in my movie, <laughs> you know how I like to end my movies, right? Yes. <laughs> So at the very end of the movie, as this whole story is told and you're invested now in this character of Ralphus, he falls asleep in the chair after eating 4,000 Oreos and putting his diabetes into overdrive. We pan out the window of the house. We zoom out, you know, 100 miles. And a huge, huge spaceship-sized effigy of Babe Ruth hovers over the house (laughs) and a laser comes out of his mouth and obliterates the house and that's the end of the movie but first before that he goes that's my boy (laughs) (laughs) because the whole movie has been about what Babe Ruth's boy would be like based on the historic enough that a Babe Ruth the size of the sky okay the size of the sky is hovering over this house in the middle of this like you know it's like where Dorothy lives in Kansas you're just like nothing else around and then a laser comes out of his mouth (laughs) that's my Ralphus movie I hope you enjoyed it I'll tell you if I ever make, you know, a gajillion dollars and I can afford to do a vanity project like a film, I'm going to do one of those movies. I'm going to commission. You can do, you can a do Ralphus. it. We can do a Ralphus movie. The whole point. It's not a Ralphus movie. I just need to do a movie 
where like you take a script that has a beginning, middle, and end, real tight story, and we just we, we film that, but at the end we introduce an ending that makes no sense. No sense. But the yes. movie has to be really intact oh. up to that point so people don't see it coming. You know, it has to be like a totally serviceable movie up to the end. <laughs> Did I ever tell you this about them another a movie idea? I think I told you about the movie idea where 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 it's very melodramatic and it's all always like it's so like over the top melodrama but in the background there's all this talk of nuclear war yeah 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 and like so that. then yeah and like on the tvs and on the radios and whatever on on like you know and but but everyone's like you know no one's no one's paying attention to that and then all of a sudden 45 minutes into the movie the screen just goes to black. Yes, yes, the bomb hit. Yes, fucking let's crack it, go. And I mean, then that's, there's that's right 45 now. minutes of black, credits roll. God, who, who has the nuts to put that one out there? Oh, huh? fucking yeah. That'd be, that, the nuts. That'd be my, that would literally become my favorite movie of all time if someone did that. Totally. I mean, that's what we're going through now. Like, like in the background, like talking about nuclear war all day. It's like, it's crazy. Yeah, it's true. Um, and then the other one too is... Uh, the other one I always thought about doing was having like a real, like having a story, like or like an action movie, but like a seriously done movie, done very well, but everybody's naked. The whole fucking movie, <laughs> everybody's naked. That's really, really good. That's exactly what I mean. Like, <laughs> just like this flourish that just is so disorienting, you know? Yep, yep. And I love the idea that Babe Ruth says, "That's my boy," before he <laughs> incinerates the house. That's <laughs> like. It's like, wait, wait, you're proud of your boy, but then you destroy him <laughs> with your oh, laser oh, breath? You know, you know what's even weirder? <laughs> He's your boy? How does that work? <laughs> the great Ralphino. Oh. So it's Norman Smiley in his hockey jersey with Ralphus. Uh, Vito starts talking about, yo, maestro, la musica, please. Oh, what a fucking more. Uh, yeah. I mean, what this I, guy? I'll tell you what, and 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 I'm a proud Italian. I love I love my Italian heritage. I love pretty much anything Italian, but I cannot stand Italians who love to always talk about themselves being Italian. Yeah, you mean Italians in uh, jumpsuits, like tracksuits? Right. Yeah. Well, no, that I don't mind because they're probably in the mafia, and I support that. Okay, well, but, this guy's definitely mobbed up. But 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 him just like kind of like yeah, the mob give me my fucking cannolis because I'm fucking Italian, you fucking non-Italian prick. <laughs> and they're all Vito. mimicking Scarface, uh, right? Which is about a Cuban, right? Exactly. Um, so uh, and you know Godfather too, to be fair, of course, sure, sure. And James Conn, who's Vito. not Italian, he is big Vito, right? Uh, so. Uh, yeah, you guys want a shot at the hardcore title? He says, well, guess what? I'm a fighting champ. I don't sweat nobody. We're making this handicap match. I'm going to kick your stank asses. So he 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 puts himself into a handicap match. Um, right. As far as Norman Smiley goes, Russo would say later, so freaking entertainment, bro. He just got it. You know, never oh. had any problems or issues with Norman Smiley. Respectful, talking about creative issues. But, but, but I have a problem with you. Vito and I no had a friendship. Very believable, hardcore guy on the streets of Staten Island. Did hardcore. Some, did some bad things in his life. Did some bad things in his life, but including getting completely fucking owned in deposition by Jerry McDevitt. Yeah. Uh, Ralphus and Smiley versus Vito. Ralphus begins uh, rocking like an inflatable tube man in the breeze. Uh, he's gloved with his fists cocked, and he's oh, looking like he just got finished handling a cutlet as Vito. 
it, you're probably not too far off. <laughs> As Vito slams a stickball bat into his stupid gut. And then he starts uh, wearing out Norman with the gimmick on the stage. And uh, Shivani points out the hardcore uh, matches have to start in the back and make it into the ring. That's Vince Russo. He did the reverse battle royal where the winner has to get into the ring. All right. How stupid. Motherfucking. Why? Why does he have to do this? Why does he have to live? Just invert everything and think that right. it's worth, worthwhile. Hey, it's inverted. It's fucking cool. Nothing inverted on a wrestling show should be the atomic drop. Right. So they Agreed. mentioned Johnny the Bull was hospitalized with a broken pelvis and a hip and ruptured bladder. It was his bladder that was ruptured as well. Uh, uh. Big slapping punches by Vito. They make their way behind the starry curtain to the back and Norman throws v- v- uh, Vito into a rail thing and hits him with a can and Hits him over the head with a board, and here comes Ralphus, who crowns Vito multiple times with a garbage can. And I mean, this guy can't. It's such a fucking nightmare. Uh, Ralph is trying to hit you with something. It's like just close, just close WCW, just close it. Yeah. Like I don't think this is funny at all. He sucks. Like stop, stop having him do physical things. Standing there looking like Job of the Hut, I get it, but yeah, stop. He really does like Job of the Hut. Norman warms up with the wiggle. Vito on all fours, taking it. So he's basically, yeah, and then, uh, yeah. and this is what uh, Mark Madness. I'm going to say about that. Oh, they're going to love that in Staten Island. <laughs> Scott Hudson, yeah. Oh, the Scott Hudson. Oh yeah, oh. <laughs> sound the same. It's that true point. though. Like, he's going to get all cares. kinds of shit back home for sure. So Vito and all four is taking it. Uh, going to fuck you in the ass. <laughs> yeah, why not? Not for nothing. Hey, not did you nothing. can you wear a dress? <laughs> WWF. Why you want a dress? Oh, motherfucker, why are you, 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 first you're taking up the ass, now you're wearing a dress? The fuck is wrong with you? And yes, the number on Norman's jersey is 69, because that's funny. Tony says there's so many various items in the back that can be used for and against a man. Ralph is, <laughs> Ralph, yeah, what, a copy of Hulk Hogan's contract? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Section 11. You got it. <laughs> Ralphus with these truly awful trash can shots. I don't know how much it's effect that's. Ralphus truly awful is all you have to say. That's all you have to say. Shivani says, I don't know how much effect that's having. And then yeah. say, yeah, obviously yeah. Vito's been beat pillow to post already. That's why he's acting like this hurts. H- H- Hudson asks if that's stretch marks on Ralphus. And I think I know the answer to that question. Oh. Dumbass Ralphus stands there with the trash can lid held up to his face. He's such a fucking moron. Waiting for Vito to punch it. Oh. And then when he punches it, it doesn't quite ricochet all the way back into his head. So Ralphus, knowing that's what was supposed to happen, pins the trash can lid to his own forehead and staggers. He just stands there. Like an idiot. Like he, he it, is, it is literally one of the most embarrassing things. It, it really is. It's, I don't I don't usually get I don't usually get that fine. I I I, I, you know, I describe the feeling as the Larry David feeling, you know, when he's about to do something really, really wrong and you just kind of like, I get, you get tensed up inside and it's like, oh my God, oh my God, he's not going to do that. He's not going to do that. He's not going to, yes, he's going to do that. That's what I feel around Ralphus. Right. All the time. Right. And even if you hit the curb music, it's still not funny. Right. So, uh, they caught <laughs> Ralphus is, they cut back and now Ralphus is on the floor i mean he realized he was supposed to hit the deck i guess but he like goes down like you would I mean, you know lay down on the floor to like play with your cat or something he just oh uh, that's how he sells and then they're they're fighting near the television boxes backstage i see a diet coke so we know rick flair was backstage uh norma <laughs> norman not norma norman takes a lid and starts screaming takes a, a lid should shot. be norma 
Could be Norma. Norma Jean, brother. Madden makes jokes about how they're using uh, plastic wear back there. Yeah, yeah, the elevator right. opens, and Vito slaps uh, a tray out of this guy's ha- hand that was in the elevator. And they go, was that catering? Fat lady's going <sighs> to be mad now. Madden would know. Uh, Vito leaves uh, Norman laying in the elevator, and it closes with Norman inside the elevator. Vito then comes back out. Ralphus is jogging with his grotesque Audi belly button. It's so everything. It was wrong. The back of his shirt says, just <clears throat> say no, with an arrow pointing down at his ass. Ralphus, that is. Just say no to doing what to this guy's ass or what concerning this guy's ass. I just came with this fucking guy. Vito rolls Ralphus into the ring. They have him in a cutoff shirt. Um, of course, like I said, showing his belly button. Ralphus chant breaks out as Vito puts a lid on Ralphus's crotch and smashes it with the bat. Then Vito fishes out a table and Ralphus is uh, going to Eating. Do <laughs> Vito's gonna uh, Ralphus is gonna sleep with the fishes as he fishes out a table, but then Vito breaks a table leg trying to unfold it. Malfunction in aisle four at the Home Depot. Here he leans it on the mat, leans Ralphus across it. He is a malfunction. He goes up to the top rope and splashes Ralphus extra hard. I mean, this guy is not a trained worker. This guy probably has. There's probably no insurance waivers if this guy gets fucking paralyzed or killed. But anyway. Uh, Vito soars through the air, splashes Ralphus yeah, through the table. Hit, it's fine. Hit him. Hit him hard. Hit him again. One, two, three. Five minutes, 55 seconds. Uh, pardon me. Five minutes, 56 what seconds. What a disaster. Big Vito defeats Norman Smiley and Ralphus to retain the hardcore title. Like, what the fuck were they thinking? It's, what the it's entertainment, fuck bro. were it's they a, thinking? It's no. entertainment. No, no. Entertainment has to be enjoyed. This was not. Nor will it be. Ever. You fucking idiot. Those people were laughing their ass off, boss. I don't know what you're watching. Oh, is that what they were doing? Sorry, I missed that part. As Norman walks out too late to do anything about the let me go. Let me go outside and, and fucking bury my head in the concrete like a fucking ostrich. Steve, <laughs> Steve Scott Hudson says Ralphus the goof was 30. Steve Hudson. <laughs> Steve Hudson. <laughs> Steve Harvey says. There we go. Uh, no, Hudson says that Ralphus the goof was 32. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Oh, God. Backstage, Goldberg arrives with a contract in his pocket, and it says, Hall, on the contract. <laughs> so Goldberg's walking uh, but around. The problem is that the folded up part says, and oats. Right. So it's not the right contract. <laughs> He's walking around with Scott Hall's contract. It's all, like, weather-beaten and everything. I don't know why. Like, how the fuck does he, like, how do you walk around with his contract? Like, is, that's not legal. Is there just one copy of it? Like, why does he have to hang right. on to this, like? totally beaten up version of it just print off another one man and they use for some reason the wcw logo that they used in the cover of the refurbished wcw magazine oh i know that red one whatever you want to call it maybe they're, maybe they're going to change it maybe they were planning on changing it to that you can per- only hope. permanently so a gym- i mean that's way better than the fucking crap oh, one from the compass one Ugh. gene is backstage with kevin nash tonight the career of scott hall is in your hands he's wearing an nwo outsider shirt too by the way Interesting. Which there was no nwo well, he's doing this for Scott. Uh, that's yeah. right. Going to do it for Scott. It's no secret I haven't been myself lately. <laughs> I, I couldn't with this fucking thing. When he's talking all serious and it's like, you know, fuck. You know, look at Scott. This. <laughs> There's a bald-headed prick yeah. named Goldberg holding my best friend's contract over my head. Oh, my God. Last week when they had footage of Scott and I together, I remembered how much fun we had, and there's no way I'm going to let that end. 
Hmm. He, he, <laughs> he then, I mean, the, the, the obnoxiousness here, it, here, I got, I got a good chunk of it. Goldberg knows I've handed it to him once before. Uh, I'm his only real defeat. And uh, he knows I can do it again. And uh, just for old time's sake, sir, Goldberg, my jackhammer your in the middle of the ring, I just might take a little survey. Everybody knows, Bill, how those things just seem to piss you off. See you, Billy. Okay. Maybe there was some survey that made Goldberg mad. I couldn't I, bring myself to care. I, I guess the survey, I'm assuming it's the surveys that Hall used to do. Yeah, well, I know what he's talking about. Oh. Yeah, but it seems like it seems like a veiled reference to something else too. It seems like oh, a double right. entendre. I don't know. There, there was actually a, a survey commissioned by WCW and during this period where they interviewed fans about what they liked about wrestling. Remember, we talked about this, and Russo yes, just yes. totally ignored. It. He listened, but he totally ignored it because it because they're wrong. Because what WCW wanted was the opposite of what Vince <laughs> Russo does, and uh, what WCW fans wanted. So fuck them, and um, you know. <sighs> Here you have a Nash, you know, just, I don't know. I I thought he said that, you know, I never use the fact that I beat Goldberg as something that I would constantly reference or try to get juice off of. The guy mentions it every fucking time. All the fucking time, anytime, any moment he can. You know what I mean? Please. They're clearly scripting a lot of these. You can see the guys in backstage looking down at the teleprompter uh, at floor level. Yeah, bad. It is so fucking awful. And, and, um, you know, I mean, we didn't talk about this. This is, this is, uh, uh, the third, the third in their series. Yeah. It's got a huge contest. Kind of massive no, in that regard. I had no fucking idea that it was, uh, that they had another one. That's the thing about Russo's booking, man. You don't remember a single fucking thing. E- even right. if like, like Vampiro beating Hulk Hogan, like people don't remember that happened. Like, shouldn't that mean something? Two two of no. Flair's title wins when he was there. You don't remember. Uh, you don't remember what Shane Douglas did after the Ric Flair thing. You don't remember anything. I mean, that's a that's a choice, though. Well, I know. So, but but my point is, I'm trying to hone in on things that he thinks he's making memorable. He thinks he's making careers. Yeah, no, you know, not at all. Thinks he's you know doing things that are going to resonate. It's and it's like by the end of the, the the show itself, you don't even remember what he did. Um, and I don't it's care. Awful. I don't care if he pretends that's by design because that's a failure is what yeah. it is. So Gene is pitched uh, to a Daphne Miss Hancock package uh, telling us the story of this feud. Um, and I wish we didn't know. Yeah. They talk about no, how uh, just knew as little as we did. Daphne was once a wild eyed, uh, energetic damsel. Uh, and uh, Daphne is hitting on David Flair. She wants to win his affections. Scott Hudson on the voiceovers as they are fighting over this fruitcake, David Flair, who, of course, had snapped and gone completely insane. That was Vince Russo's idea for his character. Uh, <sighs> Madden says he's familiar with fighting. <laughs> Hold on. Let me re-deliver that. Yes. Hudson on the voiceover says they are fighting over this fruitcake, David Flair. Mark Madden, very familiar with fighting over a fruitcake. <laughs> uh, title. Uh, yeah, he's up. one of the few. He's, he's so obsessed with food. He's one of the few people that actually likes fruitcake. <laughs> He eats it hard. The title says they're caught up in a tangled web of deceit and betrayal. We have stories. We have layers here, boss. We have desire. We have, we have reality. We have fiction. We have wrestling. Daphne's pissed at David for being engaged. Miss Hancock says, you know, can you blame him for going with me? 
Of course, let's not forget, David absolutely pounded that pussy in real life. That's right. That He's damn fucking right. Cock. Think of those Jason long Kiefer. legs. Yep, Think right. of those long legs, yep, yep, okay, yep. up in the air. Let's be clear. All right? You, 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 seen, uh, you seen American Beauty? Yes. Remember when uh, uh, Peter Gallagher just fucking pounds Annette Benning in the yes. in the motel room? That's what that's think of that think of the legs up like that, just fucking upraised, and he is just forcing himself <laughs> into her at a rocket pace. I would use the word force, but I get your yeah. I get your meaning. Um, he just wants to be his dad so bad, and he just fails at it. Because even because she he finishes and she's so unsatisfied, and, they, <laughs> and she says, "You know what? I'm going to call your dad." Yeah, Nature Boy will roll in here with the baby arm, and <laughs> and, then, and she does. He comes in. They say, "What's going on, guys? You're doing all right? Oh my what's, god! What's up? What's up? Oh my god! You guys fucking? Oh my god! Oh fuck! My wildly life is incredible right now." I just said divorced again, but you, you wanna, I never felt better. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. You know what? You know what? If if Dave, why don't you go outside, get us some, you know, get us some coffee or something. You'll know, go get a drink. Give me a sea breeze. <laughs> All right. Go outside. And uh, does that make sense? You, you get it? And I'm going to have the greatest night of my life. So uh, they show- fucking thunders away at Stacy Keebler. <laughs> thunders. To say nothing of nitro, right? <laughs> So they show this closed circuit feed. Vince Russo loves closed circuit TV, catching people. Oh, GTV. So annoying. That? I hate it. Catching David Flair making out with Miss Hancock and a long legged blue eyed something or other. Uh, and they have uh, they have Miss Hancock saying, do you know how hard it is to be a bad girl trapped in a good girl's body? No, but I know how it is to, to watch a, 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 a bad girl trapped in a bad actress's body every fucking week play totally inappropriate marching military music yeah. for some reason in this uh. video and Daphne said she's going to fling chicken wings it's at war at the Hooters joint they found you in uh, Miss Hancock I don't Looks know like, about that though I don't think she would have worked at Hooters I don't know she doesn't have much of a chest anyways not that's the whole what I'm saying like, she yeah. wouldn't have worked at Hooters it's not her looks yeah. like this would be the last chance to wear your $3 Salvation Army gown she says to her because I will definitely be wearing something much more sexy in this evening gown match you're cordially invited we're told to attend the wedding gown match Tony says this is a heartbreaking story better than any soap opera and I just I just have to lay out at that point uh, Stacy <sighs> comes out with David and she's got white lingerie on and a veil or whatever yep. and She's you know, trying to look like a bride and while at the same time being, you know, suggestive, sexually suggestive. David Flair is dressed in a tuxedo. They have this big ass wedding cake with a groom and bride figurine on the top and champagne everywhere. And Scott says, we know what happens with cake on a pro wrestling show. And Madden asks him to tell him more. Uh, <laughs> David puts his uh, Calvin Klein blazer with hair clippers and a little <sighs> On the announce table, he's brought out electric hair clippers for reasons we can't ascertain quite yet. David drops to his knees and kisses up the legs of Miss Hancock, and then they make out. Um, yep. And then, Classy. Yeah. Then Daphne stomps out to fake music, dubbed over music, with her black dress on. Um, she looks, it's a cool look. You know, she That was one thing. She had a very distinct look. Sure. Yeah, I'll give her that. Compared I'll give her that. I won't give her anything else. else. I'll give her that. Yep. Uh, Madden, um, <clears throat> Madden reminds us that, we're, that, it's, that the 90s have just ended. Point of place, Tony. It's a Kevin Smith reference. And t- tell us more. Oh, that's what's what uh, that's what it's Jane Silent Bob. That's Jay. That's what he's a snoochy boochies. That's right. You know. It's, it's just... Russo thought Daphne was incredible. She was a trained actress. 
she did a few movies before this. Uh, so that doesn't mean she's trained. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's actually did she true. go to, did she, did she actually train? Did she work with, I don't uh, know. I don't know. did she work at the actor studio? Did she work with, uh, uh, Lee Strasberg and, you know, <laughs> she worked. I know that. That, was, that ended up killing her. I mean, actually, did she did she train with uh, with some of the best, or maybe some Stella Adler, like 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 uh, you know, like Brando? Did she work with Brando? Well, that wouldn't have been good if she did. No, she didn't work with Brando. I can so, say that categorically. So, so, how are you saying she's she's a trained actress if she didn't work with Brando? Huh? I'm saying she. I'm, I'm just saying that she that she that she didn't. Who did she train with? Is what I want to know. Did she study theater in in know. college? I don't know. So I'm I'm not. I don't know that. So I just need these answers to these questions, and I don't care to look them up, so I rely on you. Yeah, well, even if you did, you wouldn't get the answers, I don't think. That's true. She was in 1985's Santa Claus, the movie. Oh, really? Yes, she was. In a oh, bit. that's why it's coming soon in the cinema. That's right. I have that list on my list. <laughs> yeah, that's you, right. I don't know Thanks if you're ready me. to go into her story. All right? <laughs> that's going to be a long one. Actually, you know, it's so funny you say that because, you know, when I'm preparing for the show, you know, it always comes yeah. up that Daphne was an actress. That's something yeah. I always bring up about her and why she was pretty good at wrestling and oh, she stood out in terms of the other women in terms of not, you know, being so cheesy in her speaking lines. And uh and it crossed my mind like, oh, Christmas time, the Santa Claus, like Yeah, Santa Claus a movie that, coming, coming soon. The incredibly sad story of of Daphne as Great. we're talking about. I'm it. all about it. We'll get into that with uh when uh when we go with David uh, Huddleston as Santa Claus. Oh my god, David Huddleston. <laughs> Oh, she's the bratty kid at the ballet. Oh, shit. I used to watch the movie all the time as a kid. Is that right? It's I'm not familiar bad, with it. It's such a bad movie. It is so bad. It's one of those movies I bought on DVD years. I hadn't seen it in years, but it's one of those movies that I used to rent all the fucking time as a kid with like it, my dad was so miserable like this and tron this and tron were the two movies i just wanted to rent every single weekend and my dad wow hated me for it hated me for it and so um i used to watch it all the time but then you know after a while i didn't watch it for decades and then uh i remember i was living in la i, th- I was living in burbank actually i saw it at uh at a at a, at a store you know, under the Christmas, you know, it was Christmas time and under the Christmas section, they had all these movies and one of them was Santa Claus the movie. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to get this movie. And I got it. It is so fucking bad. It is. So fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Well, hey. But it's coming soon on the list. I think, I think that's true. It's like, you know, it, it's a kind of, it's the kind of, uh, 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 it's weird. It's the kind of Christmas movie where it makes you kind of like not look forward to getting gifts because according to this Christmas movie, all the, all the toys made by the elves are all made of wood. Mm-hmm. Well, of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so it's like, are Santa's want, elves. <laughs> like, no, Santa, I'm good. Actually, don't, don't give bring him any of your toys. I want the ones I can buy at Toys R Us. Thanks, pal. Right. Absolutely. Yep. So uh, Russo recalls on a uh, Keebler that he, um, you know, that he loved uh, double f- the um, the double fudge ones in particular, but um, he, <laughs> he he also uh, remembers her uh, winning the Nitro Girl search, thinking she was something special, had something more. He remembers approaching her and asked asking her if she was interested in being a character on the show as opposed to just a Nitro Girl, which is interesting because I always remember her character debuting during that Sullivan booking period between Russo runs, but maybe he set the wheels in motion. That's when the Miss Hancock gimmick got rolled out, and that was a great revelation, right, boss? On uh, under the cinemat, Scarface. The oh yeah, Miss Hancock from uh, Michelle Pfeiffer. Uh, I'm uh, pretty sure that yeah, Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer's yeah. character. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think I think that was safe to say. 
And there's probably a little uh, bit of Mrs. Robinson in it too, right? You've got this. I think so too. Flirtatious uh, older woman. Uh, So David Flair stuff. I think he did a tremendous job and a believable job. Russo said, um, of course he did. And he just loved David Flair. He just loved people that were like that. No one else would push. And he He loved people that shook the fucking hand. Didn't All have right, to rely on wrestling. Yes. David Flair didn't have to rely on wrestling, bro. Yeah, why would Ric Flair's son have to rely on wrestling? I mean, you know, you need to have wrestling in your wrestling show, pal. It is true that he looked believable as as, as a psycho, but it was just it was so weird that we sure. had to deal with that. It it really is. Daphne versus Miss Hancock. It's actually weirder that that you know we had to put up with David Flair, yet now we all celebrate Charlotte. Well, Flair. I think the difference is that Charlotte Flair is is a generational talent, and uh, David Flair doesn't even belong near a wrestling arena, let alone in the ring. No, I agree. I mean, I agree with you, hundred percent. I see. I know the difference. Just interesting to me how. Yes. How how I just we, can't believe how bad. I don't think there's ever been ever been a worse son of a wrestler than David Flair ever. Even uh, even David Sammartino. Even David Sammartino. Yes. Wow. Yeah, Flair. David Flair was three times worse than him. He's just so bad. So, not an athletic bone in his body, you know, facial expressions that just were a mile away from, you know, kind of like what we expect a pro wrestler to project. Yeah. So, uh, Daphne versus Miss Hancock, it's an evening gown match, and uh, still, a David Flair and... Uh, a wedding gown match. Wedding gown, sorry, yes. Wedding gown. Are making out back and forth, rocking back and forth. Daphne comes in and low blows David Flair. Yeah. He's He's hard. Uh, Daphne uh, pulls down Miss Hancock, rips off the train, and fake slams her head into the canvas. David grabs Daphne. Hancock comes up with a decent stomp in her stockings. Congressman Cory Booker is a referee in this one. (laughs) Good. Thanks for that. (laughs) Hancock does her Baltimore cheerleaders handspring back elbow with a soft landing, to say the least, in the corner. I'll say. She teases the stink face, but she doesn't do it. Daphne then pulls her down. Tony says, sometimes you think... You, what if you were Daphne? Uh, Madden says this is the uh, conclusion to the Flare Witch Project. Yeah, is, if we needed more reminders that were in the nine, that were like just out of the nineties. Yeah. This is kind of the conclusion of the Flare Witch Project. Oh. Snap, murder over. Flare Witch Project. I understand. That's great. I got it. That reminds me of somebody I know. <laughs> Who? Yeah, uh, Jim Neidhart. <laughs> Madden says this is the, yep, okay. You still know him? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I know him. Oh, that's Edge. That's Edge. Um, Not anymore. Daphne with Snapmares, Tony says uh, that she's pretty fundamentally sound. She's got sound fundamentals. (laughs) Hancock grabs Daphne. They go to the ropes. Madden says if they get frosting on them, oh my God. Yep, it's the frosting that would be exciting, Mark. Right, right. David gets in there and he's mad. I think it's your frosting you're talking about there, Mark. Manhandling his former fiance, she slaps him. Uh, slick Johnson, crossing this, coming out of your uh, your uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, icing bag. Oh, oh yeah. What are those called? I can't think of it. Big sacks of disgusting <laughs> icing. Sacks, sacks of gooey discharge. Right, as opposed to that, sacks that's Fifth the, Avenue. That's the name of uh, of that should be the name of Mark Madden's biography. Slick Rats. Sacks of gooey discharge. That Cory Booker Mark guy Madden is story. a white guy named Slick Mark Johnson, by the way. So I don't know why he's Cory Booker, but looking like a... <laughs> he's, he's, he's extremely tan. Uh, <laughs> he grabs Hancock, gets kicked in the nuts. Uh, they yeah, I the ref- actually, honestly, I had no idea he was white. <laughs> Seriously. That's how I had no is. fucking idea. Plus he's in Daytona. He was, huh? He's in Daytona Beach, too, so That's probably true. extra brown. Someone on Twitter said Hogan is a hot dog color skin. I thought that was funny. 
Oh God. I mean, the other thing too, like watching this, seeing Hogan, I was like, he is so Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Fucking dark. Brawler. What, dude? Like, it is, it's actually ridiculous how, how, how dark he is. Oh, yeah, yeah. He has, like, a tan that's, like... Yeah, it, it's totally over the top. I mean, we I forget mean, he could he's never, Italian, he could never not be tan anymore. Right. Yeah. And be taken seriously. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So Slick Johnson gets kicked in the nuts. Uh, they both rip his pants off and he's got the zebra stripes underwear and he's got the zebra stripe shirt tucked under his briefs for some reason. Uh, Tony points out uh, how easily she ripped those pants off. Yeah. So I don't know what that's t- yeah. supposed to mean. Uh, Whore? What's that? Whore? Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that's what yes. it means. Yes, whore. Whore. <laughs> Easy pants rip off. Whore. So Hancock grabs Daphne. They go to the ropes. Madden says if they get the frosting, yes, David's in there and he's manhandling his former <laughs> fiance. It's such a, it's such a. Then Daphne pulls I, David's pants off. Daphne with a, another awful crotch shot. She did not master the nut shot. That's for sure. In time for this one. Daphne it's a shame. She mastered so much with her acting ability during her acting training with right. Lee Strasberg at the actor studio and, yes. and, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, Pacino, the whole thing. She's such a, she's such a veteran. I can see how acting training would prepare you for right. pro wrestling. That's right. So, uh, Daphne art. Then rams Hancock's face into David Flair's crotch. Madden says they're not even married yet. Tony calls it the spot of the year. Then Hancock starts ripping Daphne's gown from the bottom. Daphne gives chase. David snatches her, takes out the clippers. Hancock has them now, and David uh, grabs hold of her, and the referee's trying to stop this from taking place. At this point, Crowbar, Devin Storm hits the ring, and back to Flair. This match is an absolute goddamn fucking travesty. Abomination. It is. It is. It's so repulsive. Uh, Tony Schiavone is the time of his life calling it, but when he watches it back with Conrad, he's like, this sucks. Like, this is yeah. the shit. Yeah. Um, so David starts on. I mean, also keep in mind, too, like, you know, I, I would assume that maybe even, you know, back in the day, we were kind of accustomed to this shit. So, yeah, right. It's, it's understandable that there might be some kind of enjoyment out of this because, you know, hell, even, you know, e- even, even a log of shit looks great compared to diarrhea. Yes. All right. Yes. So I'll give Tony, uh, you know, the benefit of the doubt here. David trying to get out of his boxers, takes a high back bump, trying to get free of them. Uh, then uh, Devin Storm chops Flair, whipping a gourd buster on David Flair, who hits the mat in his loafers. Then Crowbar chokes Flair with his pants, the Flair's pants. And then Daphne goes to cut David Flair's hair at this point. I Hancock. Hate Crowbar. I hate him. I hate him so much. Why? He's just so fucking annoying. And I can't help but think about Starcade '99 when I really hated him. When we went, when we did that, I hated him. He's so fucking annoying. And all I picture him is him in that fucking hat and just being an idiot. Absolute fucking. <laughs> well, at least you make a good case. <laughs> Got to say that for you. Hey, if if feeling and emotion isn't a good case, then fuck it all. Absolutely. That's the whole essence of wrestling. 
That's it. Uh, and I got to give it to you. The ones that annoy you don't tend to be big stars. The ones that catch your eye tend to be big stars. So yeah. it's the boss index. Yeah. Uh, Hancock with um, something weight. I don't know what, what, I, what I wrote there. She says, I know what you people over oh, the mic. She says, wait, I know what you people want to see. And she's breathing heavy because she's been working oh, yeah. and she's hit like my music. Exhausted. Of course, uh, Miss Hancock's music in WCW was the uh, Nitro Girls theme. Ow, 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 ow. Ow, 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 ow. And she's dancing. Ow, 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 ow. And then she just starts a strip tease for no reason while David Flair is having the life choked out of him behind her. I mean, literally, in the middle of this match, she just starts doing a strip tease. Of course. Ob- oblivious to every, all of the chaos around her. And What's ding, the problem? Ding, ding. She took off her wedding gown when she was stripping. So she lost the match. And Daphne wins. Referee Slick Johnson sitting Indian style on the canvas laughing as Daphne with the cake takes a big bite, has to tap her on the shoulder over and over again to get Miss Hancock to turn around. And when she does, boom, cake to the face from Daphne. And there's Devin Storm. Cool hat. Cool. Yeah, that's, not, that's not annoying, is it? It's totally rational. That's a cool scally cap on the man. Yeah, yeah great. David uh, ruins the cake spot, throws his hands in there. and. <laughs> David just ruins it. Just uh, leave it at that. So they have to rub it in his face. Uh, Hancock then rams the cake into Daphne. Matt it's says, such a fucking shit show. Matt says, hey, guys, do you mind if I go and join? This is kind of one of my fantasies. And they're slipping and sliding with cake on the floor, and David and Hancock take off, and they leave a huge mess on the ringside mats with all the cake. And Giovanni said in his podcast that that really pissed off David Crockett, who, of course, was like VP of production, because the mess, and it, it, it brings the show to a halt, because they first try to mop the cake residue off the mats, the ringside mats, but yeah. it doesn't work. And they can't, they have to like do like ridiculous amount of analysis. Right. Uh, uh, in a moment, like to cover up while the whole fucking cake is being cleaned up. It just takes forever. Yeah, it really does. Daphne walks away from the scene, not happy, sulking, throwing cake at crowbar, who was kind of her boyfriend at this point in the storyline. And Tony says she won't, um, she won the match, but, uh, did she win? That is the question. And uh, Hudson Did says, she win the war. She looks like Trent Reznor. Help me. Um, <laughs> uh, Daphne uh, did a cameo yeah. for a fan, which was uploaded to YouTube, um, I think post her death. And she told this fan that the worst moment of her career was this wedding gown match. Wow. Um, she, she puts it on Eric Bischoff. And Russo later would say, in, in sort of mourning her passing, that he there was something, he wasn't very specific, but he said that, he felt badly because Daphne was ascribing something to Eric Bischoff that he actually came up with, and I'm pretty oh. sure he's referring to this idea. Um, but she, you know, she felt favorable towards Vince Russo, so she probably told herself it wasn't him that that, that proposed yeah, this, or right. maybe she didn't know it was. Maybe, maybe she had a conspiracy theory about it all. Yeah, it was right. Like, I don't care what I was told. I believe it was Eric Bischoff. She said he tried to do this. Because I mean, thing. what aren't they telling you, Daphne? Right. That's the question. What aren't they telling you? Is he nothing but a patsy? I think that if you ask me, I think I think they're all patsies. I think there's something going on underneath. Do we ever see Ted Turner in this matter? Right. Why? I don't what think aren't so. they telling us? What isn't? What isn't CNN telling us? Huh? Right. Hunt Daphne. I'd win. <laughs> You're already winning, Jess. Trust me. So yeah, she the worst moment. Uh, she says later, Bischoff essentially tried to get her to do the same thing in TNA. Uh, he and Russo were back in TNA concurrently, so maybe that's maybe half that's what true. she's thinking of. Yeah, um, but she remembers on the show she did not want to get her dress ripped off, and that's what was called for. And she she kind of acted like this 
match was sprung on her. Like she showed up at the building, not yeah. knowing what kind of match this would be when they talk about a wedding gown match. Um, and she said for the rest of her time, because she put up a, a fight about not wanting to get stripped naked on television or, you know, half naked, whatever you want to say that she gained the reputation of being difficult to work with. And, uh, that, that carried through when he came in in TNA when she was there too. Um, oh, that's too bad. But she remembers him being the head charge in person, uh, the head person in charge at back to the beach 2000 and at TNA. Uh, she remembers a lockbox challenge gimmick they did where like you win a key to open a lockbox and whatever's inside is your stipulation. And he wrote a segment too uh, that, that kind of humiliated her uh, and then turned around his podcast and acted like he didn't know who she was. Uh, so yeah, she said um, she recalls going to Sandra who now works for AEW who did a lot of the wardrobe for WCW at the time. And uh, yeah, she says to her, what do you want for your dress? She says that to Daphne and Daphne's like, and she's like, this is what Stacy's wearing. And she's like, what dress? They didn't even tell me. And she um, realizes that this is one of those, you know, Attitude Era TNA deals and a T uh, ampersand A, uh, yeah. total nonstop action. <laughs> and she remembers calling a Janie Engel, Eric Bischoff's assistant. You know, you went through Janie to get to Eric. And uh, she's like pleading with Janie Engel, can I spe- please speak with him? Which makes me a little incredulous about Vince taking the heat on this one because, you know, if she remembers calling Janie Angle, you don't call Janie Angle to get to Vince Russo, that's for sure. Anyway, uh, she said she's understood. Uh, she said Janie Angle understood her reservations about the whole thing, but uh, Bischoff just interpreted it as her being difficult to uh, work with. And um, Russo recalls uh, she was seeing it another way than I was seeing it when I scripted it out, and I was too busy that day to explain it to her. So that was that. Um, you know, I'm drawing a characters. He said, and Daphne was a character, always happy go lucky, beaming oh light. My God. Not everything's a fucking character, okay? <laughs> Some things are real. She was good though. She they she maximized. Okay, her I believe story. you. Uh, I believe so, you. unfortunately, um, when she did go to TNA, she got caught up and taking bumps and stuff, and she took a huge bump off the apron through like a barbed wire board on the floor against a oh. and suffered a terrible concussion and uh, other injuries. And subsequent to that, came back, and then a wrestler uh, sat on her. A large woman wrestler sat on her doing like that, um, you know, like the sunset flip and you sit on her chest spot. And that yeah, apparently caused yeah. another concussion. Oh, my um, God. That probably that ended her career um, and caused issues. I mean, caused fundamental changes in personality, all of the above. She, she sued TNA, actually, for workman's comp uh, for uh, the way they, they handled her, her injuries. And Russo, uh, on his podcast after her death, recalls being totally irate he, he wasn't too specific i think he's talking about the the, the hardcore match with the barbed wire board where abyss was in it uh-huh. he says i was a rate i rate for people in that match for allowing her to do that spot why would you I do was that a rate a rate he i was could waiting, see a rate waiting at the curtain when she came through she was holding back tears he's screaming about what an unnecessary risk it was and and it's hard for a woman in that position as they're laying out a match to say no to a big bump you know it's kind of like this implied pressure it's a really sad story ultimately um, September 1st, 2021, she reads a suicide note on Instagram and puts oh. a bullet through her chest. And she says on the video that she, you know, needs to preserve her brain for Boston, which means, you know, the, uh, the, the BU lab where they study football players' brains for signs of, uh, you know. Oh, CTA. my God. So she's one of oh, those stories. Oh, horrible. One of those stories. 46 years old. The Scream Queen. Jesus. The Scream Queen. Based on uh, Mallory Knox in Natural Born Killers, if you remember that character. Uh, actually, I've never seen Natural Born Killers before, but oh. coming soon, done the cinema. <laughs> wow. Well, this is one other reason for it. So that's that. Um, 
do we have a time? Four minutes, 14 seconds. Daphne defeats Miss Hancock in the wedding gown match at Bash of the Beach 2000. Backstage, Ernest Miller is reading a piece of paper to himself. Wait a minute. He says, is Ox Baker under contract? He says. I'm like, what? And then the young dragons are lurking in trash cans and behind brooms. And again, Ernest Miller says, where is that music coming from? Because it's just so funny, boss, that this music just plays out of thin air. Yes, it's it's so funny. Sorry, I'm 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 just I'm actually overwhelmed a little bit by by that story about her. Oh yeah, it's uh, a real deal. That's a wrestling. That's, that's the most wrestling of deaths. I, I just I mean to go on social media. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it's there. Yep, very very dramatic, very sad, very much a cry for help. And her deal was that she had um she had just moved four days before she did this. So all of her friends and family didn't know wow. where to send police for help when she broadcast that message because she didn't kill herself on Instagram, but she had a pistol and she read the suicide note and people freaked out, obviously. And everybody was blowing up her phone. She wasn't answering. And, and they didn't know where to send police to go check on her. But I wondered. I mean, obviously, that's a that was a premeditated decision. You, you would think so. You would think that that would be that wouldn't be just a coincidence. Yep. Oh, God. So Madden is sucking cake off each finger, as you can imagine. And our announcers in the full Hawaiian shirts say they don't know if Hulk Hogan is here. And Hudson's talking about rumors spreading like wildfire over the last week. He wasn't at Nitro or Thunder. Oh, sorry. You know what? I got to say, you talked about him walking the halls, right? You're talking about that. Sorry, I was distracted by the suicide thing. Did you hear what he said, though? He being? Cat? I think so. Backstage, him talking about... Ox Baker still be under contract? Yes, yes, correct, yeah. With Jeff Jarrett tonight. Wait a minute. Is Ox Baker still under contract? I think you're still paying him. Okay. I mean, it is, is funny Ox to say Baker his name. Baker is still under contract of all fucking people. I don't know if he ever was. Maybe he was. Maybe that's a joke about how WCW has so many people on contract. Maybe. Which isn't funny and kind of speaks to their problems. Right. Uh, they, uh, Hudson's talking about Hogan yeah. lives in Tampa. We're not too far away. He could just walk here if he wanted to. No, he couldn't. Um, That's about two hours. I think, even. They mentioned the cat invoking the name of Ox Baker. Think of a replacement here tonight for Hulk Hogan. The fans uh, behind the announced team are all Ox turning Baker. around, looking off in the distance at something. I don't know what it is. And Madden's obviously something more interesting than what we're watching. <laughs> right. Because uh, we cleaning- actually get cameras on that, please. Well, they're cleaning up the cake at this point. That's why it's taking so long. Can we still get cameras on whatever the fans are looking at? Because that's more interesting than this shit. Uh, Madden says, maybe Hulk Hogan is still hurt from Goldberg putting him through a table. Maybe he's scared of Jeff Jarrett. Tony says, maybe he's just playing with the mind of Jeff Jarrett. Because since the infusion of new blood into WCW. Or uh, maybe he's not digging creative, brother. <laughs> yeah. How about that? Right, yeah. Vampiro's digging a grave. He's not digging creative. Um. <laughs> They're desperately trying to clean up this cake. It is just the the pressure they are under to, to get this show rolling is is palpable on their faces. Uh, they're mopping it. It's not coming off. There's swirls everywhere on this. It's just a fucking mess. I know. It's like it's really kind of funny. Like how did you how did you not prepare for this? Right. How did right? How did you put the cake somewhere else? That you gave you gave them a cake. Like uh, you know, D- uh, David Crockett. You knew there was a cake coming out. Just put it on the announce desk. Madden would fucking or, or, vacuum more, that more thing up. More importantly, just why aren't you prepared to have a cleanup crew ready for this? Because you have to. I'm just surprised that somebody 
in that position, who's been in this business for so fucking long, isn't prepared for the absolute worst. You talking about Crockett? Crockett. Well, Crockett was pissed because he didn't even, uh, the way Tony tells the story, he wasn't even brought up to speed that there'd be a cake there to make any preparations for. Well, all right. He, that's not he, it was problem. sprung on him that this all was right. happening. Yeah. Yeah, uh, right hand talking to left. I mean, it's bad enough in WCW, but on the night when Russo was preoccupied with the Hogan drama, there's going to be a lot of things like that that don't get communicated. Uh, So Tony Killing Time goes back to the first bash at the beach in Orlando and talks about the NWO in 96. And now uh, the importance of Hulk Hogan in this. In this uh, event, it's Hulk Hogan's event, really. It really is, actually. Oh, totally. Uh, He looms largest over this one than perhaps any other one he's ever on just for the wrong reasons. Very true. Yeah, I know. They're literally now unscrewing water bottles and pouring bottled water on the cake on the mat. To try Wait, to- was there a bash at the beach that he missed? Uh, that is a damn good question. 99? Brother? Let me take a look. Bash at the beach, 1999. I don't know what the main event was. Yeah, it looks like, seems like he might have missed that one. Yeah. He came yeah. back in the fall of 99 from my memory. Yeah. So, uh, yep, they start lifting the mats up. They're like, fuck it, we'll just take the mats out. Um, oh, my God. As Shivani mentions, we haven't seen Scott Hall since Super Brawl. And now they're ready, and the perfect event comes out. That is the team of Chuck Palumbo and Sean Stasiak. To Mr. Perfect's music. Yes, of course. It would be perfect, right? And he was the Mr. Perfect ripoff, and then the main event, yep. Chuck Palumbo, the perfect event with the tag belts. Yep. Palumbo's still with that exercise. Although it's really from the movie Exodus, but... It is? What do you mean? Oh, I'll, I'll download that for you so you can hear it. Nice. Yeah, it's oh, a the music. Song. Oh, no, I music. see. No, I know about that. Oh, okay. I thought you were saying... Um, I thought you were saying the name The Perfect Event came from oh, no, Exodus. No. <laughs> That'd be weird. So uh, Chuck Palumbo has the Lex Flexer from the uh, you know that thing Lex Luger would carry around to... I wonder if that qualifies Exodus for being under the cinematic. I don't think I want it to be, but... Yeah, I would I would think so. I mean, oh, yeah. God, it's such a long movie. Mr. Perfect ripoff music, like you said. <laughs> they don't edit that off Peacock because I guess ripoffs of their own music is okay. Even That's if true. That, that right. Something else off. Someone brought the Eagles song to our attention too that inspired Razor Ramon's theme. Oh, right. Right. Very true. That's interesting. I wasn't very aware of that. So Tony says they don't even know how to take a tanning session without getting burned. These two. There was a gimmick on Nitro where Palumbo and Stasiak spent too much time in the tanning bed, which I guess is comedy. And here comes chronic, 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 chronic. And there's green lasers everywhere. Green, oh of course, because they get high on the chronic. That's right. Looking like the... Uh, it's organic chronic. Looking like the uh, WW Worldwide intro from the dying days. <laughs> yeah, seriously. That's true. They hassle Bill Apter at ringside. Uh, Shivani says he didn't even know what chronic was. I, Mark Madden I, makes a ton of jokes I about it. That. He doesn't even get it. Uh, I, I, I cannot believe, I know I've said it a million times, especially when we've done WCW shows, I cannot get over how different Brian Adams looks from Kona crush days. Yeah. I mean, he, like it's just even, even he looks even so different from his, from his, his criminal crush days. He just, he looks, it's just weird. I don't know what happened that made him look so different. I mean, it's got to be his hair. You know, nothing else happened to his face, but it's just bizarre how, how different he looks from his younger, not even that far. That's, that's what's so weird about it is that he was, you know, essentially, if you want to include the heel crush as Kona crush, he was there. It was only six years prior. He was wearing, he, he looked so different. 
When did he die? I mean, he probably was dying, honestly. He died a few years after this, I think. It wasn't... Oh, like, seven, yeah. Yeah. Remember, because Undertaker went, uh, what did they go, bowling or something? Oh, God. He fly, he did something. They did fishing or something. Remember, he, he talked about his stupid speech. Yeah, he was, he was on all kinds of gimmicks. Yeah, but he, he was, had he was the, painkillers and muscle The day before he died... Oh, even then he was on, he was on, I mean, I'm not surprised. Well, well, yeah, my, my point is, yeah, he's probably not aging very gracefully if he had those I see. dependencies, yeah. But I don't know. He, he also was coming off of being the demon. You know, he was the first kiss demon before Dale Torborg. I did not know that. Yeah, he did like two appearances with it before he's like, you know what, Dale, have this gimmick. It's not working for me. Wow. Um, but it was a deal where uh, Gene Simmons himself picked uh, Brian Adams out of a lineup of people who kind of looked like Gene Simmons a little bit, you know, had the similar right. mane and stuff like that. Yeah, sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, so the chronic thing, um, it, Bruce didn't know either what it meant, uh, he says. So they just kind of slipped that one in there because they got high as fuck, I guess. Um, as for uh, Stacey and Palumbo, Russo recalls going to the power plant saying, look at these guys, they're ready. They look like TV stars already. Uh, well, actually, he's not about Sean Stasiak. Maybe he is. He's definitely talking about Chuck Palumbo in that category, as well as Mark Jindrak and Sean O'Hare, who would later come in. Um, yep. He said, you know, this is what I need right now. I don't need guys who can do 30-minute matches. I need guys who look like that, bro. And Sanders was there, Mike Sanders, Reno. To me, he says these guys look like stars, so he's doing some recruiting oh, of the next generation. Uh, and so it's chronic for Palumbo. Chuck Palumbo and his fucking hair. Yeah, he's, he's, he's hard to deal with. Such a fucking moron. He presents in a way that's very annoying. There, there, there aren't many people who look, I mean, there are, I mean, I shouldn't say this. There are a lot of people who look stupid, but he looks really stupid. He looks like Scott Hall. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> hey, yo, <laughs> Palumbo. What's your finish? Oh. What's a nice finish, man? <laughs> Can't wait to kick out of it. Ronick versus Palumbo and Stasiak for the WCW Tag Team titles up next to Patch at the Beach 2000. Palumbo and Adams get the match started. Headlock, push-off, collide. Neither man budges. Yeah. Tony says Chronic is upset that Russo and Bischoff wouldn't give them an immediate title shot, so they forged their own way. So they've got some politics in play in the new blood situation. Adams with a sidestep on Palumbo. Palumbo hits the floor, and then yeah. he press slams Stasiak onto the floor down on a Palumbo. That's pretty cool. I like it that. It was cool, yeah, because Stasiak's heavy to be dropping like that. Right, right. On top of a Palumbo, that, that's a way to tear a knee very easily. Crowd going nuts. They they really like this match. I have to say, like, this match was poorly I, rated, but... I, I didn't hate this match, It was pretty actually. good. I, I thought, you know, I, I I always dug the Brian Adams-Brian Clark yeah. combo. I liked, I mean, in the dying days of WCW, I remember, like, seeing them, like, oh, they're, they're actually kind of cool together. Like, it, it was a weird team to me, but I liked it, and I liked, and I was kind of bummed that they got buried so hard in WWE when they came back. Oh, did they ever? In the uh, invasion, it really kind of bugged bugged me a lot. A lot, yeah, for sure, yeah. Rath Especially given how you know how close Taker supposedly is with Brian Adams, you think probably that. wouldn't have gotten the job if that wasn't the case to start right. with. But Wrath always had such nuclear heat. Part of oh, I know Adam Bomb He's, reference. What is he the only fucking person? Isn't he the only fucking person that we've ever heard who preferred the WCW method of oh my God. of business as opposed to WWE? Who will, you know, everyone who comes over says it's like you know, being with the pros versus the amateurs. And he's the only one who's like, no, I prefer WCW's way. Yeah. Well, they just, you know, they didn't like him. The click didn't like him for sure, but he just, he just pissed people off. He, he very quickly fell out of favor. Remember how, um, 
Now, I can't remember. Was Tom Fleming telling us that Adam Baum was getting in his face about his outfit? And Mr. Perfect, he had a fight with. I remember that. Yeah, and for, for, I, he I think he just took a lot of he did have, I think he did have issues with Adam Baum. He had a, Adam Baum's story. I know he designed his outfit. I think he was being a prima donna to him, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, crowd going pretty nuts. This is, look, I'll say this. This is the best Chronic versus Palumbo and Stasiak match you'll ever see. Right. How many of them are there? I don't know, but okay, it's about the best you can expect out of these guys. Is my point. Um, So they're 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 going to walk. They're hassling ringsiders. Are the perfect event, and then the flexors out there. Let's not forget about it. Hudson says, of course. Clark and Stasiak lock Uh, it up now. uh, Madden gives us another dated reference. And I respect Chronic too. I used to be hooked on Chronic. Sure, he is. I'm I'm sure he is. Um. Yes, so Jamie Tucker, by the way. This is, is where the Jay and Silent Bob reference should have been, too, by the way. Yeah, that's that would have been strategically placed. Yeah, that would have been a little bit smarter, but no one knows what Chronic is, so. Jamie Tucker is the ginger referee, by the way. Jamie Tucker. So uh, Brian Clark with huge corner chops, corner-to-corner whip. Stasiak gets the boot up and hits a, a middle rope. Uh, leaps into a rock bottom, though, with a closed-off head and arm from Brian Clark. So he's bringing uh, Buranagis to the table, I guess you could say. I, I guess so. I guess I, I you see you know you say that that the, what was the guy's name referee's name again? Jamie Tucker. I thought it was the love child of Paul Bettany and Jesse Eisenberg. <laughs> That's a good one. I believe it was okay. as well. Double whip, double shoulder block by Chronic Adams with a whip and a big boot. Boot puts down Sean Stasiak. Palumbo comes in. Uh, Adams snatches him at a full Nelson, and then uh, well, Mark Madden makes reference boss to the fatty Boombatty. Of course, is a fucking fat blunt. That's right, and um, that's right. He lifts Shut and slams that shit him down your gullet. Lifts and slams him from the full Nelson cover. One two. Stasiak makes the save for Palumbo. Um, awful low bridge by Palumbo as Adams hangs forever on the ropes yeah, before falling yeah, out of there. Yeah. Adams is as whipped into a clothesline by Stasiak on the outside. Palumbo nails him across the back with a steel chair. Back in one two on Brian Adams. Almost pinned him that time, fans. Palumbo in soars. <laughs> he does. He goes for it. The flying shoulder block, one, two, as Clark breaks that cover up. Let's go, Chronic Chant. Whip. Clark. Stasiak in with a leaping back elbow. He gets two. Clark with the hot tag. Almost falls on his face, trying to hit a corner attack, but doesn't. Pier four brawl breaks out. Stasiak is clotheslined out of the ring. Brian Clark sets up his pump handle slam, which he called the meltdown, his finish. Up goes Palumbo, but he drops behind. Boot to the gut. DDT. Spikes Brian Clark into the canvas. Tony blown away by this exchange from the big men. He loves what he's seeing here. Stasiak it's runs. pretty good. I mean, honestly, it's a well, it's, it's pretty, all things considered, it's like, it's clean chaos. It's high action and it it's is. clean. Yeah. 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 Stasiak runs wild with Larry. It's kind of weird. He just like breaks off into this like baby face comeback spot against Chronic, who are yeah, clear baby faces. Right. I know. It, it, was that a, were they actually baby faces or was yeah. it? I don't think yeah. anybody thought the perfect event were the faces in this match. I don't yeah. think Chronic ever did anything actively to be good guys. They, Right, but that's what always makes a good guy. Right, yeah, what I mean, makes a good good guy is a is a is a is a bad guy you can cheer. Chronic was over. Look, it's yeah, simple. They sure. were over. Um, I think Crush is kind of underrated. You know, all around. I, I, you know, I never liked his his criminal gimmick. You know, but I was, I, you know, I was always bummed that 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 Kona Crush never got. I, I I always liked him. I always enjoyed him yeah. as a kid growing up. And, yep. and I always thought he never got, I'm not saying he should have been world champion or anything, but I think he, he got the short end of the stick. 
So again, chronic feeding drop kicks and clotheslines from Sean Stasiak. Stasiak with the lariat off the apron clips Clark, and he lands hard on that one. Uh, yeah. At some point, they're standing around, not sure what to do when Clark misses a clothesline, knocked down by Stasiak, flapjacked by the champions. They pancaked him, Tony says. Uh, but he was talking about Mark Madden. That's right. Uh, Brian Adams comes no, in. No, actually, he said pancake him, and Mark Madden just jumped up and ran into the middle of the ring. Like and, saying squirrel with the dog in that right, movie. Right, right. Um, Adams comes in, sends Palumbo out of the ring, whips Stasiak up to an F5. I swear to fucking God. I, I could not fucking believe this. Uh, 2000 F5 by Brian Adams. I, I was like, he lifts him up in the fireman's carry, all right? And I'm like, okay, what's he going to do? He's going to drop him or whatever. And then all of a sudden, he swings him around just like Lesnar, and he F5s a motherfucker. It's not clean, but it's definitely an F5. Right. And I had never seen that move before Lesnar. Right. Absolutely not. So here it is. Uh, announcers refer to it as a fireman's carry into something of a DDT. As something which, of a something of a DDT. Which does not roll off the tongue like an F5 does. No, nor does it really make the move sound cool. Right. Not at all. Something of a hold. Yeah, because it's amazing that he would do that. It wouldn't be a finisher. You know, it's like, it's just like a move. You just drop in the middle of a match like that. I guess so. I mean, I just remember seeing, I remember when Lesnar did it the first time and I was like, oh, no shit. That's a match ender. That's fucking, that's crazy what he does. Absolutely. So a double team on Stasiak. He flare flops in the center of the ring. Time to burn one. I think Madden says high times. That was the move. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking uh, uh, um, Groucho Marx there with a cigar. <laughs> high times. <laughs> Pretty much. Double choke slam. That's what they called it. The high times. Up and they dump them hard. They play the sound literally of an explosion when they did the double choke slam. They would play over the speakers the sound of an explosion. What's wrong with that? It's actually exploded. My double God. Goozle. My God. Now Palumbo running wild on him like he's a baby face. Um, now they snatch Palumbo, double choke slam him, and there's the sound again. Hutton says the impact shook the announced position 10 feet away. Stasiak in with the flexor. <laughs> they call the flexor the third man. Uh, Clark ducks. Clark goes up top. and uh, Thank God. Thank God Russo didn't get, get away with any of that kind of shit in WWE. What's, what kind of shit? Sound effects and shit like oh, that. Oh, God. That's like the end. That's been awful. Yeah, someone's off their hinges at that point. Yeah, no, 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 not, not, not digging that. Tell you what, Russo, I'm not digging creative, pal. Yeah, ever heard of that? <laughs> uh, 11E. <laughs> so, That's right. I want to, I want to, <laughs> I'm going to cite um, uh, 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 section 11, subparagraph E of my contract, pal. Not going over how about, on my TV. How about Chronic with the powerbomb version of the Doomsday device? How about awesome? I'll fucking take it, right? I, dude, they're, they're an underrated team. Can we deal with that? They got like a weird, everyone made fun of them and they suck, but I, they didn't suck here. Yeah, people aren't, weren't prepared to deal back then with the with the fact that Chronic was actually pretty good. Um, so Powerbomb, Doomsday Device combination, they spike them hard. And that's the end to an emphatic hard-fought contest. One, two, three. Chronic mm-hmm. defeats uh, Sean Stasiak and Chuck Palumbo, 13 minutes and 34 seconds to become the WCW World Tag Team Champions. And uh, much rejoicing in Daytona as a result. Great match, yep. I would say, yep. considering on yep. a curve, I'm, riding I'll, on a curve. Exactly. I mean, certainly, well, you, know, you know, at this point, best match of the night. Hutton says there's 16,000 on their feet in Daytona Beach, and I'm thinking, well, not in this building. Maybe across the whole city of Daytona Beach, 16,000 people happen to be standing at this moment. But if that's not what you mean, 
I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. So to Ernest Miller's office we go. He says James Brown oh, can't hear. I'm so sick of these fucking segments. They don't. They go nowhere. And they they recur. They go absolutely nowhere. He says something about James Brown, and then he hears the young dragon noises again. Jeff Jarrett comes back and says, time's running out. Where's Hogan at? I got screaming Mimi here, but no Hogan. You better produce him because I'm getting real bored. Me too, Jeff. <laughs> if you don't start, if, if you don't produce Hogan, I'm going to start screwing with your show. So Miller dials the phone okay. and starts mumbling. Tony says, where is Hollywood Hulk Hogan? Don't just screw with my show then. And while Miller's placing a call to do something about this, yes, the music hits again. And he gets distracted by it. And then yep. Yang, Jimmy Wang Yang behind a plant smacks him with a kendo stick. Kaz hits him with nunchucks and they lay him out. I'm so over this shit. Fake DDP music. Perhaps nothing more depressing is Diamond Dallas Page. No, actually, it's Positively Canyon makes his way oh. with his copy of DDP's book. And that was his whole gimmick. And he made fun of the positive messages in DDP's book. They basically called DDP a mark for having a book and pushing it in 2000, which was a totally reasonable thing to do after the commercial success of McFoley's book. I was say, like, wasn't both uh, uh, Foley, Foley had two books out, didn't he have this time? Um, or just the one? Good question. His second book was definitely in the works. Had it come out yet? I don't recall. And didn't Rock have his book out too? Yes, his book had come out in 99. Yeah, so let's make fun of, you yeah, know, let's make fun yeah, of, yeah. of a guy for, for having a book and making more money. He, you know, he was all in this whole Russo Bischoff power struggle. He was all tied up with Kimberly and Kimberly was close with Eric and Eric was close to DDP. So he was kind of like, you know, Russo, I don't think hesitated to poke a little bit of fun at DDP right. uh, during this whole thing. Um, he later went on to say, you know, I, what I was so surprised with is, you know, DDP ushered Canyon into the business. A couple of Jersey guys. The Jersey triad was a good uh, stable in 1999 with Bigelow. and we were going with good. Okay. Well, the stable where DDP was, you know, giving Canyon some of his juice, clearly. And I don't mean just steroids. Um, <laughs> but, bro, when it came time for DDP to put over Canyon, he wouldn't do it, bro. And I was so surprised. So he's kind of like, it's like a passive aggressive dig at DDP, you know, which I yeah, appreciate right. because DDP has so much overwhelming positive things about him. You, uh, I'm very much in the market for people who like and say, actually, he's kind of a dick. Which right, is right, right. Um, so anyway, um, he's coming out with his Positively Canyon book and his blonde wig. And Tony says, we're going to have a graveyard match coming up. Don't forget, first man to make it back to the arena. Funny, so would Canyon race. a little bit later. Oh. Oof. Years later, but um, <laughs> there's the, uh, the poster. They love me. They hate me. They'll never forget me. The DDP poster. I remember that. The WCW magazine back in the day when they refurbished the magazine. Uh, Madden says, if you guys like, I could plug 100 or so book signings and disrupt the flow of the broadcast. So there, there's a dig at DDP for My God. plugging his book, even when the script didn't call for it. Everything DDP ever did in his career that advanced his cause was above and beyond I'm, what he was supposed to do. But what I, mean, let's, I mean, for God's sake, that's all he does is plug himself. Right. Um, and here he is in black tights yep. and gloves, uh, you know, batting gloves, Booker T to some pyro and. What a magnificent athlete. They don't come any better, Mark Madden says. Canyon hits him with, comes out with a chair, and Madden says, you think Hogan's going to show up? What do you think they have? No, they have no idea. Uh, Tony. Oh, that's so crazy to me. Tony's, uh, I don't know. He's got this look. And Booker T chant breaks out. It's, it's Booker T versus Canyon. Crowd is hungry for Whooper T. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they sense that he's, uh, he's in a prominent position here, which makes it such a head scratcher that he loses. But that was. No, thing. not really. 
Well, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, it does. Yes, it does. Because I'll tell you what, it, 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 it's a head scratcher that he that he is facing and loses to Canyon. Yes. But if it were somebody of more prominence, it would make sense because then he goes on and wins the world title. And then you have a you've already created a contender. And I think Bruce probably thought he was creating a contender in Canyon here because Canyon uh, is involved in a four way main event the next day a Nitro. And they yeah, kind of he's, he's put not him a on. contender. No, he never belonged there. Canyon is Canyon is is pretty fucking awful. Oh, as we know, Russo gravitates to those guys. He gravitates to those guys that have because those are the guys that are fucking kissing his ass. Yeah, that he feels who are literally spreading the cheeks, licking the anus (laughs) of any little shit residue. Yeah, yeah, mid mid card guys that people have doubts about being main event players. That's where he comes in. That's where he goes. That's where he focus changes focus. So, uh, yeah. Well, I guess, you know, which I, how I, you know, it did work for Booker T. So what the fuck do I know, I guess? What did? You know, uh, Russo, mid-carter. Yeah, yeah. Booker it, and then. It worked, yeah. You know. But I think Booker was, you know, Booker clearly had all the all the tools. I don't think well, Canyon had all the tools. You know, he well, had, I agree with you. Yeah. Um, Booker had just like this amazing, he was just so, uh, he had so much physical credibility. You know, the way he presented himself. You just believed he was a guy who could, like, fight hard and win, you know? Yeah, yeah. Best people. I don't think Canyon ever had that essence about him. But, you know, with... um, oh, He looks like a schlub. Yeah, yeah. He's kind of a goofy-looking guy, you know? Which is good for the heel character he's playing, but a main eventer it does not make. No. But just if I show up at the building in Daytona, convinced, as Russo says he was, that I'm going to make Booker T on this night, I probably just skip the part where Booker loses for no reason uh, earlier in the show. Yeah. Well, oh, I mean, over. again, I... <sighs> I would do it. I wouldn't. I don't. I wouldn't mind it if it was to somebody. If if it was a little more. And I know it's kind of fluky, but I would rather it be to somebody who actually could be a contender. Right. It you does. Know? It does kind of serve to whet the appetite to see Booker get back at Jeff Jarrett for costing in this match later in the show. But I don't know. I, I still don't think if you really want to make this Booker T's coronation night that that you fuck around that way. But uh, lock upside headlock booked yeah, but, the hammer. You know what is what is fucking, you know Russo know about anything? Well, that's, he's booking like four months of storylines on one show. Like I know, oh, I know. He's literally putting the belt on the guy and setting up his next challenger on the same show. Um, it's, it's literally it's exhausting. Lock upside headlock booked to the hammer hammer lock side goes ah as he always does hit the ropes block the hip toss spin kick levels canyon. Uh, whose wig came off in the ring. Tony oh, it's says, so fucking miserable. Canyon stripped DDP of his dignity and his wife, his former wife, um, his wife's dignity. Uh, lock up. Yeah. Here, there's also more there. It talks about, because Madden talks about Canyon stealing a bunch of, like, he says stealing the dignity, and and Madden talks about Canyon stealing a bunch of stuff from DDT, including his tights. It's a version of his tights. You think he actually stripped the man of his of his attire, he stripped him of his dignity. He and his wife, or his former wife, and Eric Bischoff stripped him of all his dignity before you can lose it. Okay, that's right. I agree with that. I might wear Kenyon has none. I might wear Kimberly's tights at some point. I'd love to get in her pants. Plenty of uh, discussion about that already. Well, pretty so good. Madden, pretty good banter. Madden, Madden wants to get in Kimberly's pants. Oh, no, sure he does. He, he was trying to do Jerry Lawler. That's what he was trying to do. <laughs> Horny ass Jerry Lawler, you know, with, a, with know. some smart Mark commentary in I there. Know. It's it is really. It's not easy to deal with. 
No, it's not. It it's not. And there are times I liked him. Yeah, I, I yeah, will yeah. admit that yeah. there are times that I enjoyed him in shows we've seen, but mm, it's what it's 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 rough. You need a chaser with that guy. You can't take him straight. You know, yeah. like, doesn't it doesn't go down smoothly all the time. Um, so, yes, uh, lock up. Uh, Booker to the hammerlock, back elbow by Canyon, right hands, Booker T chance breakout, still very strong, like you said. Very strong support for yeah. Booker T. They really lucked out in terms of deciding to do this for him on a night where this crowd showed up, gassed up for Booker T. They, you know, it's just great mm-hmm. confluence of events for them. Uh, whip and reverse shoulder block, uh, drop down over the top, leapfrog, and a drop kick by Booker T catches him very nice. Used to love how Booker would leapfrog, land, and then turn and drop kick. And like he, he spins to face the opponent on, off landing on, off the leapfrog. It's like boom, boom, boom. That whenever you know, yep. whenever the toys are leapfrogging and dropkicking, that's, that's right. what they're doing. On that's right. And my that's little exactly world, that's what it is. Of say, course, you need to turn before you dropkick. Mm-hmm. You need to you need to leapfrog with your back to the opponent. Turn, bang. Yep, exactly. Okay, very good. Thank you. Hundred percent. Whipping a hard lariat drops Canyon. Uh, he rips Canyon's shirt, chucks him out of the ring, grabs the Whipping book. Uh, Whipping a pancake. Yeah. <laughs> book grabs the book. Is this a hardcore match? Right. You're not supposed to hit someone with a book. He just <laughs> the rules are just out the window. I mean, that's Russo, so he can't. well. Ironically, Hogan wanted the judge to throw the book at Russo. That's true. Very happen. good point. Um, uh, Tony says, "Looks like he's going to get the book as well." I'm thinking, well, in a way, he is. Uh, book opens the book up, and a brick falls out of it—a big fucking brick. Which yeah. Gimmicked into that thing by uh, Canyon. The ref grabs it. Hudson says it's uh, a better read with the brick in it. Actually, they just <laughs> are vicious. I mean, the book kind of sucks, but they're just. It's like he's the biggest heel in the world for writing a yes. book. It's so yes. weird. It's so fucking bizarre. It really is. It's, it's like, guys, like Mick Foley, like transformed not only his career because he wrote that book, but he transformed the eyes of the publishing world. Right. In terms of, you know, what they thought of a wrestling fan's proclivity to read a book and, and created this whole industry of wrestling books. And DDP was a damn good candidate. He was like similarly positioned in the WCW, you know, strata to where no. fully fit, you know, no, no. similar life story and struggle. No, no. Mark, Mark, Mark for himself. Yeah, he, nobody fucking writes a book. Right. Who, th- who right. the fuck thinks they're interesting enough to write a book? Right. Said everyone in this time period, apparently. So uh, book to the floor, into the rail, back in, book climbs the top rope, it's a flying clothesline that gets one. God, yeah. What a, what, what a, what a, what a match to be, uh. To be complaining about about a guy writing a book with when you have a guy named Booker in the, in the whole fucking thing. match. <laughs> no shit. Jesus who wrote who wrote two books by the way? Right, exactly. Uh, Canyon Lowbridge's book to the floor, double reverse into the rail. And, and Shivani didn't talk about why they made fun of the book. Did he talk about that? He doesn't say why. No. Oh. No, I mean just Canyon just started mark, mocking him for it, and you know, adopting his mannerisms and shit. I think the the thing they thought about the book that was so stupid it was it, was, it had like this um self-help uh, element to it like this reaffirming life kind uh, of have they met ddp no shit i know he's, he's beginning to form this hustle that would sustain him after the business chewed him up and spit right. him out that's for sure so uh you know well i wouldn't say the business I'd say the wwe chewed him up and spit him that's out. true yeah that's true <laughs> others would have treated him differently uh book goes into the steps as well canyon puts the steps on booker's shoulder tony says those steel steps are very heavy and uh he just kind of dings the tip of the steps with the steel chair it makes a big vibration but you know, the impact from where he hit with a chair to Booker's shoulders right. so far, you know, it's kind of lame. Uh, Hudson speculates that maybe uh, Kenya knows something about Booker T's weak shoulder that we don't. Uh, Mike Awesome, of course, had hurt him in the shoulder on Nitro. Canyon with the baseball slide drop kick. Um, 
on Booker, who goes into the post in the ring. Madden says he sandwiched Booker in all directions. You don't say, Mark. He loves this good sandwich. Um, Tony says, Booker says Canyon is a symbol of a problem of things that were wrong with WCW. Okay. He said, I'm going to take care of this guy. Great suplex from the middle there, rope. There's a sign that reads uh, Malik 420. Are yep. they referring to Terrence Malik? Academy Award nominee, Terrence Malik? Yes. Thin red line and... Uh, um, What's the one he just did? Uh, it's actually really good. It's the only only Terrence Malick movie I've ever enjoyed. A Hidden Life. A Hidden Life? <laughs> I, don't yeah, know. I don't like Terrence Malick. It's just way, you know, I, I can appreciate his work to a degree, you know, from from a from a, a an artistic and a uh, craft. But God damn, does this shit bore the shit out of me? Is that right? Oh, my God. I can't stand his, his movies are just too fucking rough for me they're coming just, soon to under the cinemat i know i'm probably gonna have to, i'm probably gonna find one that is coming soon under the cinemat but uh i did like i did like this last one hidden life that was really good nice long so, fucking long it's like three hours plus but it was good canyon of course ever the innovator of offense doesn't just suplex booker from the apron back in he does it while standing on the middle rope which makes it cooler i guess the innovator of offensiveness that gets two. Big time flipping of the bird uh, to Canyon from the crowd. He does have great heel heat. They hated his fucking guts here, but they just loved Book so much. Canyon sucks chant. Booker fires out of the corner to a pop. Corner to corner whip boot up by the Booker man, and then Booker catches him with a big power slam out of the corner for two. Booker man. Sullivan comes into the match. You got it that. right. He came back. Corner to corner whip is reversed. Book gets the kip up, and he's caught by Canyon in mid-motion. Canyon translates it uh, if you will into the alabama jam with a sit out that gets to yeah that was that was king's thing you take a move and then add a sit out or like you know he'd add a flurry at the end or he'd do it off the middle rope instead of the mat uh that gets to canyon with a reverse boston crab or he'd do a boston crab except backwards did he really innovate things was he really innovative yeah that's yeah he he had like you know eight or nine or ten moves that nobody else did that he started flexing um even back when he had the green mask and shit that the mortis character all right, whatever. him with the reverse crab, Billy Silverman and Booker's face looking for signs of submission. Booker does a push-up to counter this thing and then drops down into a cover for two, reversed one-two for Canyon, back up, Book ducks and slams a forearm after hitting the ropes, dropping Canyon down. Corner-to-corner corner whip, Canyon hits uh, a steel chair that had been lodged there, and then a spine buster by the Bookman hits hard, one-two, but Canyon gets his foot on the rope. As he does. Pretty hard-hitting shit here between these two. Yeah, it's all right. It's not bad. I mean, it's, it's, it's not my match of the night, but it's not bad either. Correct. Booker grabs the chair. Ref stops Book from using it. Canyon grabs the book, the Canyon, uh, the DDP book, and slaps Booker T with it and covers him one, two. Booker doesn't move, but uh, they say the brick isn't in it, and they show the brick on That's the right. table at ringside, so I don't know why that had such impact. <laughs> Booker comes alive with a spin rooney to a vertical base. Yes, he was spin rooneying back then. Is that where? Well, he was spin rooneying forever. Oh, yeah, even yeah but they didn't call it the spin rooney. Oh, I see. And they didn't make a big, like, you know, deal about it. it wasn't a key spot in the match necessarily. It was just something he would do. Uh, he scores with the Harlem sidekick. Uh, whip is reversed. Book pulls in a knee to the gut, hits an axe kick across the back of Canyon's head, and then scores with the bookend. One, two, no, what the fuck? Canyon not only beats Booker T, but he kicks out of his finish. That's not a good thing. No. I, 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 just, I, I don't concur with that. Someone's trying too hard here. Uh, Booker goes to the top rope, and as he's climbing to put the finishing touches on Canyon, Jeff Jarrett suddenly emerges and smashes his guitar across Booker T's side. Hudson screams, where is our commissioner? Did the cat put him up to this is the question. As Canyon perches Booker on the middle rope and does the Canyon cutter, which is, you know, just the Can you not like uh, Booker T? 
What do you mean? What do you mean? Why, why, why would the cat put him up to this? Put Jared up to this? Um, Isn't that what he said? Yeah. Why, did it, why does he say that? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Maybe he was saying like, did, did the cat's lack of responsiveness to Jeff Jarrett put him up to doing this as opposed to, Oh, I see uh, that. That's my interpretation. Um, but yeah, I think he does say, did the cat put him up to it? Uh, cover one, two, three uh, after the Canyon cutter and the guitar shot from Jeff Jarrett, it's curtains for the book man and Canyon gets the victory here uh, in 10 minutes and four seconds over Booker T at bash at the beach. 2000. Gross. Yeah, yeah. Now, now you're not for it, right? Yeah, you were never for it. That's right. I wasn't for it. I, I didn't. I, I wasn't for it. I, I, I didn't mind him losing if it was going to be to somebody who would set up a, a, a potential challenger, like even like if it was Scott Steiner or something like that. Right. Quick uh, narrative check here with Booker T in terms of where he was at according to his second book. Um, we, we sort of left it off with him. Um, learning via phone call the week leading into Bash at the Beach that he was going to be winning the championship, but a few other details. Still holding on to the sands in his hourglass, Booker writes, Hulk Hogan, who'd since reverted back to NWO Hollywood Hogan, made it clear he wanted to defeat Jeff Jarrett that night for the world title and carry the torch for WCW and the old guard. He'd had full creative control written into his contract since day one, and he was pulling that ace for the bash, driving Russo insane. I was right there in the back amidst the continuing chaos, and I now wondered if I'd be wrestling at all let alone for the belt. At the very last minute, an exasperated Russo came in and said he'd booked a haphazard match between Canyon and me just so we would could be on the card. See, I remember this match being advertised ahead of time. I remember Booker being involved in a program that indicated they were going to a Canyon match, but I could be wrong about that. I don't know. He had no idea what would happen with Hogan and Jarrett, but it was easy to see his mind was racing for a solution. I was a little disappointed at the situation, but definitely not surprised as my music hit and it was go time. Canyon and I went out there and wrestled an intense match with all the crowd pleasing moves. The fans had come to see just as I was going up for the missile drop kick. Jarrett surprised me by arriving on the scene and smashing me over the head with his guitar, shattering it to pieces. What's this about? I wondered why is Jeff here? Uh, he makes it seem like in this book that he didn't, he didn't expect- know that Jeff was there. So how do you, why are you going to sell the, the move then pal? Well, you know, you kind of just go with it when someone shows up like that, but... Uh, do you? Like, yeah, you do, I guess. I don't know if I would. Took a canyon cutter from the top and lost the match. I went to the back. It wasn't the top, it was metal rope. I went to the back thinking that was the extent of my evening. However, I and everyone watching had another big surprise coming. So he didn't. So he's claiming he didn't even know during the whole show. Yeah, he's claiming that he showed up thinking this is so chaotic that I'm not even sure they're going to put me over the belt. I'm not sure that's even going to happen now. I'm not even sure I'm going to wrestle at all. And then he suddenly wrestles Canyon, and there's this finish that doesn't make sense to him, and he still doesn't really know for sure he's going to wrestle Jeff Jarrett, wow. is what it seems like. All right. Um, yeah, he might have been the last to know. I mean, Jarrett kind of was too, in, in a lot of ways, as Russo kind of baked up this story that, like, you know, he was coming up with the Booker match, uh, because, you know, Hogan doesn't want to lay down for you. So let's have you lay down. I'll pre- we're pretending Hogan doesn't know you're going to lay down, but in the back of my mind, I've already told him. Right. And then we'll go to Jarrett, and it's like you're springing the, 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 we'll go to Booker, and you're springing the Booker match idea on Jarrett right there as, after you tell him that Hogan won't do business. It's not like Jarrett knew a week ahead of time. Maybe he should have read the tea leaves considering what happened on Thunder three he, days before. He, yeah, that might have been that might have been a good idea. Maybe he's playing dumb about that whole thing, you know, because there's the whole question of why there was uh, two belts at Bash at the Beach if everyone didn't know this is how it was going. Ugh. 
So, uh, yes, uh, we go to Mike Awesome now with Mimi, the fat lady who who Jeff well, Jarrett brought to the building. Why? 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 Because the fat chick thriller gimmick is about to fall into place for old Mike Awesome. Oh my God! With Pamela Paulshock, who was a backstage announcer at the time, backstage uh, interviewer. Hey, Mr. Muscles, uh, no, don't go. What about he is... What? The U.S. title with Big Mom. What about the U.S. Well, title against Big Papa Pump tonight, she asks. Awesome uh-huh. says, I beat him twice already, and after tonight, it'll be the trifecta. Just because you can't be as hot, he says to Pamela Paul, shock is her, referring to Mimi. Doesn't mean you have to be jealous of her. And he makes this face so cringe, like he's playing a dipshit. He's such yeah. an idiot. I mean, he, Mike he, Awesome's face is tough to get it, over. It's uh, He really is. Like He's got that... His little that tiny chunk- face... Yeah, he's got like exactly. He's got a little tiny face and this fucking chunky, chubby head. He's a, he's a complete he goofball. But <laughs> he's, he's an incredible athlete, and he's. And got, I remember, like, he's so he's so well done in um in in ECW. Yeah, you know the times we've seen him in ECW, which I think are very very few, but he's so great. And then he comes and. He 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 comes in here and does this shit, and he looks like such a fucking fool. And his stupid face, and his stupid hair, his stupid voice that kills it, and his too. stupid voice. Uh, he just—he, I mean, he's anything but awesome here. Rest in peace, by the way. I know he's very dead. So Madden, I did include him, right? I did, I did. did you? Yeah, I think so. I better have. I did. Yes. All right. Um, Madden says, uh, "Mimi." She doesn't think Shane uh-huh. Douglas is the franchise. She thinks Shane Douglas is the French fries. So Madden, uh, another uh, Freudian slip there as he thinks about <sighs> the number 10 and the number six and the number four. Mike Awesome also, don't forget, former uh, former WWE hardcore champion. <laughs> oh, fuck off. He was the first shot across the bow, right? He that was. He was night. the guy. Yep. He was exciting. He was exciting. It's not, I'm not going to deny that. <laughs> he's fun. I was excited. I yeah. was excited to see him. And he's some distant relative of Hulk Hogan's. I was always the scuttlebutt. Brother. So he's suddenly, him and Horace Hogan suddenly get a lot of TV time when Hogan yeah, comes right? back. Uh, so the sirens, here comes Big Papa Pump with Medasia and the U.S. Championship title hoisted up by Medasia. Great presentation for him. Scott looked like money in this whole presentation. Oh, he hung himself. I didn't know he hung himself. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Sad. Jesus. Yeah, we just act like that has nothing to do with the wrestling business. It's fine. Um, that's they, that's listen, two suicides on the show so far. That's a sad thing. Two suicides so far on yep. the show. Yep, great. Good times. Scott comes out and flexes in the strobe light. Great music. They had the whole, you could tell that Scott Steiner was ready to be world champion at this point in time for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Signs says the freaks come out at night. Ringside are in a club dress with a smooch for a uh, big It's true. My mom does come out at night. <laughs> Madden says Steiner nearly broke Medasia in half last night. So he fucks her, to be clear. He fucks. Oh, yeah. Um, Stein, pumps. Yes. He pumps. They said he was on the cover of Iron Man throttles. magazine with two Throttles yes. is the actual term. Full throttle. Pushing the pink. How about him at the Hall of Fame, huh? Oh, God. You know, the fact that he was, um, the fact that he, you know, I could understand him and I could hear him and that he actually didn't go crazy was was pretty cool. He didn't lose at school, but he certainly couldn't read the room, man. He was bogarting that shit, and he was going nowhere. <laughs> he was, but I enjoyed it. Like I, I, I enjoy, I enjoy a guy who just fucking 
rambles and says shit and 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 does not read the room i don't like ted talks uh, yes i will definitely take scott Steiner's speech over undertakers from that show for sure um so madden says uh, whoever shows up gets in the game when it comes to the scott Steiner team in other words he goes to the hotel and just women show up and he fucks them all that's Here right. comes mike awesome does some fake what's news. wrong with that what? nothing Scott Steiner versus Mike Awesome. Steiner flies off the apron of the double axe handle before Awesome can even get in the ring. He whips Awesome into the rails, backdrop, and Steiner kicks a front row fan as he takes the bump over the rail, but oh well. And then Awesome clears the rail with a flying plancha. I think we would be remiss if you didn't just, you know, do Steiner right now. (laughs) (laughs) I like to thank my brother. (laughs) He's always been there for me. Been a long time. (laughs) <laughs> two for one specialist Joni <laughs> what you know again I don't know what it is about him but I know it's coming and you, I fucking asked for it you know it's coming because you fucking told me to do it it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't like coming that was the point catches me off guard yeah. you know <laughs> And the hey, you're right. He's got the <laughs> Rick Flair's right around here. Tell me, please. Surprise! <laughs> you old yellow tooth bastard piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Holler! Did you hear me? <laughs> that Michigan bullshit, you know. Holler! Yes. So uh, oh, they brawl hard in the crowd. The people going wild right up to them. No separation by security back then. You fought with fans slapping you oh, in the fucking head. Jesus. The- Dangerous. Yeah. Steiner throws Awesome through a set of doors out toward the back of the arena. Gets a drink thrown in his face. Awesome uses a trash can. Huge, crazy crowd everywhere. Security uh, has their work cut out for them trying to keep these guys I, safe. I did feel bad for Rick Steiner, who who clearly was, was, was getting the yes. short end of the stick by his fucking brother. <laughs> he, he left him like 20 seconds at the end. Just to say, I love my brother and thank you to my brother, Scott. This is Scott gets more spotlight. Uh, Awesome slam Steiner on the concrete. Uh, Back to ringside Steiner with a weak padded chair. That's what happens when you own a Shoney's franchise. I think so. It throws him into the steps, back in, whipping a lariat, drops him, and then Steiner drops that patented elbow for two. Corner to corner, uh, Steiner does that great bump where he runs into the lifted boot and slides underneath it. God, he's so good at that. Uh, No one else sold it that way. Uh, I love that about wrestling. Like, it's not just the moves you do to another guy that's signature. The way you sell is signature. Like, Totally. Absolutely. One of Rock's best moves is how he takes the summer. There are, yes, yes. There there are people who you need to have, like, you you expect certain certain sales (laughs) to happen. Right. Like, uh, like Brett doing chest first into the, um, correct, into the, into the buckles there, you know, same exact thing. Pretty wild. Um, Flair. Obviously, I mean, oh. Flair loaded with with like forty percent mark sells. Forty percent of Flair's like spots are him taking right. moves, right? right? If not fifty, I mean, seriously, like there's so much of Flair that that it really is from the from the backing off in the corner with his hands up where he's screaming at at his at his at his uh, opponent to getting pressed on the top rope to going inside out in the, uh, the the multiple versions of inside out in the corner to the flare flop i mean jesus christ like you can't it's like all his shit that that's his shit right there that's what you, you come no to the building to moves. see you come to the, uh, the you come to the building to see rick flair get beat up you know right 
and, and, and get beat up in a signature fashion. Yes. Um, yes. So Steiner takes that bump. Awesome climbs to the top rope, but he's cut off. Steiner climbs and snatches a top rope belly to belly off the top. Perfect execution for two. Steiner with a corner mount, hits three punches. When there's an SOS pickup backbreaker, nice and slow by uh, um, Mike Awesome. Suplex is blocked by Awesome, and then uh, Mike Awesome hangs him out to dry on the top rope. Steiner ends up hitting the floor. Yeah. We get some strong clinkage from the ropes on that one. As Scott's Oof. big carcass yes, we do. takes the ride. Then Mike Awesome drops an elbow off the apron and uh, kicks up a folding chair and jams it into the gut. Uh, Guy Fieri's in the crowd with a red shirt. Oh, really? No, Wouldn't surprise really, me. Looks like him. Flavor Town. The looking, looking, looking for flavor in this match. Yeah, Flavor Town and his fucking. Uh, what does he? Uh, uh, what does he say in that show? He says something uh, out of bounds. It's out of bounds. Is that what he says? Oh, it's out of bounds. Oh, oh, oh! oh this tastes like oh. buffalo sauce too, mm. but it has avocado on it. <laughs> Fuck off, with, dude! With, 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 what, what, what really sells it? What really, really, really makes it so good is is the hint of mint. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The flavors, the balance. Oh, God. You know, <laughs> you don't want to get me started on the fucking sophistry of the Food Network. And these, <laughs> these fucking tired cliches. Every single reviewer on every single flavor. one of these shows. Flavor. Same flavor. thing. They say the same six things, and they just yes. intermix them. I really like how you balance the sweet with the salty. Fuck off. <laughs> Mouthfeel. Um... Um, the way it cuts, the acidity cuts. Stop. <laughs> cuts it. Cut something. Cut, cut me. yourself. Cut, cut right. Cut my fucking wrists. Okay. <laughs> fucking pretenders. Like, look, I got like a, and, like they get so gu- gussied I, up and so dressed up just to eat a little I, bit of plate I, of food. I love, I love, I love when he does specifically on the, um, on the diners, drive-ins, and yes. dives show, when he when he, when he'll try something and he he says, and oh, I can taste, and he lists off all the ingredients. He's like, <laughs> and this mixed with this, <laughs> it's so- all the chicken mixed with the salt, mixed with the pepper, <laughs> You're mixed with all this. Yes. Oh man, it's out of bounds. It's like, yes, guy, all those things are in the dish, correct? Yes, I mean, we all just saw him make that stuff and say here are the ingredients guy and god forbid you have any hint of ethnicity to you because that's the only fucking thing you can cook from there <laughs> oh my grandmother made the fucking curry because i'm indian or you know here oh, are no. the chalupas because i'm mexican it's like fuck <laughs> where where's the french cuisine from the uh right where's the where's the duck larange hmm? <laughs> the duck larange from the guy from you know mozambique you know <laughs> that's what i want to know where's the tacos from the brit that's right oh my god my heritage my grandmother comfort i pretend she used to make this for me yeah she didn't actually make it it's a complete lie i just i fucking just was like you know fucking around in the kitchen i made up this recipe and it just ended up being good she did it once like actually to be honest with you none of my parents can cook like no one in my family knows how to cook uh, uh, a gourmet night was going to McDonald's and all of a sudden I just fucking whipped this up one time. I was like, hey, look, I can sell this. I always say, when you tell me your grandmother's cooking all the time, remember that there's a lot of people whose grandmother sucked at cooking and it's not very polite uh, to remind them of that. Well, well, the problem is, is that a lot of people whose grandmothers, you know, sucked at cooking, they they think that, that it actually is good cooking. I guess, so I, you're kind of like, well, shit, I guess. Oh, all right. Well, I guess I'm not going to. Green I mean, if you casserole. love your grandma, I can't deny that, but fucking, I don't love her cooking. Here's the hot dish. <laughs> <laughs> Pour some uh, uh, fried onions on top. Tell you what, this is a hot, this, this hot dish is hot shit, all right? 
Get it out of my face. Mom used to make toothpaste sandwiches. How about that? My mom's <laughs> cooking. My mom, my mom, probably her her famous uh, dish was was a was a grilled soap sandwich. My, my mom's specialty was putting <laughs> peanut butter on one slice of bread and then shooting heroin. Okay. <laughs> so don't come to me with this fucking mom's home cooking shit. My grandma my, was a complete my, drunk. Okay. My, my my mom's favorite meal was was getting a moldy piece of bread, cutting the mold out, <laughs> handing to me and saying, "Eat." My mom, my mom's uh, home cooking was pouring me a bowl of cereal and then leaving the fucking other guy and not coming home till <laughs> six in the morning. My, my mom's favorite recipe was a plate that had a syringe in it with drugs. <laughs> Said, Here, you know, eat this. It's good for you. How about this on one of these food shows, right? Um, <laughs> this guy, you know, they present the food and... Mm, you know, they have these like very evocative yep. reactions, like it's taking them back. Like that really like <laughs> that really bulbous guy with the really like white glasses. You know what I mean? That one. And he's <laughs> the Robert Graham shirt. And he's like and he just oh, fuck. And instead of saying this reminds me of my mom's cooking, he looks at the he looks at the person he just met and goes, This reminds me of your mom's cooking. <laughs> Is that an oh. insult? Like oh. <laughs> You call my mom a slut? That- oh, you know, this reminds me of me shooting up heroin just before this episode. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This tastes like the 16 civilians I killed while on duty in Iraq. <laughs> you know, oh, you know what? Oh, my God. You know what this tastes like? It tastes like the guy I have in my trunk. Oh. <laughs> Jeffrey Zakari, and he's like, you know, this really, it tastes like 9-11. It just does. <laughs> it just has the same kind of burning sensation. Oh. Very, very smoky. Very smoky. I love the way you you use the fruit to sort of cut down and condense. and Cut the acidity. Oh, yeah, yeah. How about cut the bullshit? How about that? That's that's my Food Network show. Cut the bullshit with Jack. Bullshit. Anytime someone says that, shut up. I don't make any food. Shut up. I don't make any food. I just eat it and I shrug and I look at, read things on my phone. That's the whole show. What? It's fucking good. Well, leave me alone. Exactly. It's pretty good. Bacon, egg, and cheese. You know, it's it's, it's, <laughs> it's right. local bagel place. It's, it's fine. What do you want? <laughs> Bull- I got it from McDonald's. No bullshit bagel. It's fine. <laughs> no bullshit. Scallion bagel. cream cheese, you know? Got the bullshit. It's you're just eating something in your kitchen on your scrolling through your phone. It's, it's pretty good. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> Look, I, 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 don't, I don't know the ingredients. I don't know the fucking flavors. All I can tell you is that it tastes good going down. It's got a little bit of an aftertaste. Other than that, fuck you. Food is fuel. Leave me alone. <laughs> oh, that's another good food idea for fuel. a Food Network show. Food is food fuel. As fuel. Leave me alone. Food as fuel. Like twelve things. You <laughs> or, can- or I prefer fuel as food. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most expensive dinner you can get today. <laughs> it's fucking fuel. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fucking, um, uh, 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 oh, damn it. I can't think of his name. Spago guy's fucking putting, oh, Wolfgang putting Puck. gasoline on his fucking menu. <laughs> Wolfgang Puck. Wolfgang Puck. That's fucking, that is, well, that he's, is got, that's like know, a, he's got a restaurant for people and he's got a restaurant for cars. 
<laughs> Wolfgang Puck's gourmet gas. <laughs> yeah. Ask his wife about that. <laughs> Especially in his later years. <laughs> Oh shit! Oh, <laughs> thirteen perfect meals you can prepare in in thirteen separate Tupperware containers on Sunday for the week. Thirteen triple H. meals you can prepare with <laughs> with a slice of ham. <laughs> <laughs> I repeat, 13 different meals you can prepare with one slice of ham. Oh, Jesus Christ, turning it into like 13 days of food. Should have known something like this would happen on a Mark Madden episode. Hi, Hi, Barefoot Contessa. My husband, Paul Levesque, has a very particular diet. What should I do? Well, what you should do is 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 go buy the whole organic aisle and just put it in bowls yes. and fucking put it, put it in. I think what you should do is just buy these buy these things raw, put them in in um, in in Tupperware containers, and just leave them be. So we can eat right. them and stare into them, and so food can be fuel and have a heart attack anyway. That's right. Um, so yes. Guess what? Maybe you have a heart attack because food is fuel to you, you motherfucker. Why don't you eat like a fucking man? I don't think it's I don't think it's the cause, but it certainly it wasn't the prevent preventative thing, you know. No, I'm sure it's the HGH building up over time. <sighs> All right. So, um, oh my god, I'm in pain. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rocking good time. What a Back to the fucking beach, two thousand. That's correct. That's exactly right. Oh, yeah, well yeah, yeah. I agree with you on that. Um, all right, so awesome um, hits Scott Steiner with the nothing worse, by the way, in wrestling than hitting someone with a non-folding chair, just like a yes. chair that doesn't. Fold. Oh, I know. Well, I'll tell you what, it does make me nervous. It makes me more nervous for some reason when you hit with that kind of a chair. Well, it makes me nervous, but it always sucks because you know you're not going to actually dome. I know because you can't actually hit them with it, but it, I'm like, oh my god, what are they going to do with that? Right. They could just fucking <laughs> just stab someone with the leg, stab out. somebody in the eye with that oh. with the, one of the legs. Like Jesus Christ! Awesome hits uh, Scott Steiner with a bell, cracks him with a folding chair across. Because what? There's no matches in this. Sh- there's no rules in the show. Yeah, every match is no DQ in Russo's world. Always was. It's at least true, when he was actually. booking WWF pay per views, they would say at the top of the right before the main event, "This is no DQ." Because they right. Because they, they realize, oh shit. Well, all right. But they'd always do it at the last minute. It's not like a no DQ match was a big selling point of the pay per view. They just realized when they got to the show and the finish they wanted to do required you know no disqualifications. It's kind of funny. Like you, you think you'd learn at some point. Yeah. That, yeah. you know, a Russo match is going to have no disqualifications. What can we do? Should we advertise that? Yes. Wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't hurt. I mean, ECW, the whole promotion was a no DQ promotion. So you could have just said that. You just said DQs are done away with from here on out. Um, so he Which raised- then it's like, but then why is anyone even going to come out there with, right? you know, why? I'll, then I just grab a fucking chair and start just whapping somebody and calling it a day. A lot of unintended consequences there. That's true. So some chair shots from Mike Awesome. Dave Penzer almost caught in the crossfire as he whips off his headset and springs to the aisleway uh, with his hands on his hip as he's almost caught on a whip to the rail uh, by the wrestlers. Back in Awesome with outside him with a slingshot splash gets to hard cam crowd is standing at this point as Awesome comes off the top rope with a lariat. That gets to. Here comes Ernest Miller out to the I, ring. 
I gotta say, I think this is a this was a really solid um, power match. Agreed. between these two guys. Yep. I think it was really good. Agreed. Uh, Steiner blocks <clears throat> and then launches with a vertical suplex, then a belly to belly overhead, almost uh, hit his head on the on the on the descent. There did Mike awesome. Steiner goes in for the recliner, and Ernest Miller gets on the mic and says, "Oh no, you don't." Oh, he, he saying, does. Here, I got this because this was just so stupid. can't stand him he's so annoying so dumb he's like he's mocking the business like right you know he's like putting on as a wrestler he's not actually being a wrestler and uh then he takes off his sandals and then steiner does underhooks like he's gonna do a uh right uh tiger driver awesome gets free does the low blow hits steiner with an alabama slam jackknife cradle by mike awesome gets to hudson says a roll through double leg pinfall attempt that's another way to refer to it. what now <laughs> uh you had you had madden at roll uh, yes exactly so, yeah, the, the Steiner recliner had been banned by the cat is too dangerous a move. Awesome goes to the top rope, hits a great top rope splash. He was so good at the splash off the top. Uh, that got two. Awesome then hooks a power bomb, but it's blocked. He's driven to the corner. Mm-hmm. And then a waist lock. Steiner uh, does a back elbow that sends Awesome into the referee. Cat gets up on the apron. Awesome holds him open. Karate kick by the cat misses and hits Mike Awesome inadvertently. Steiner with a belly to belly overhead suplex. Steiner uh, covers him into the ropes. The arm is clearly wrapped around. The ref didn't see it, but he, so he had to kick out, even though Awesome was uh, yeah. using the ropes. Uh, back up Steiner with that great belly to belly spinning suplex, you know, kind of where he like. Mm-hmm. He, he, he takes like a half step, half yeah. cycle step, and then launches you. I like that. Oh, I yeah. like that one. That's his, good stuff. That's his belly to belly should be. Uh, Steiner reclined, uh, applied again. Miller gets on the mic, strip you your title, that whole thing. Um, he locks it in anyway, and then Miller um, tells the referee, strip him, hit the ring, hit the oh. bell. Medeja walking around like a Wheel of Fortune card girl, smiling. Uh, Miller snatches the title from Medeja, the title belt, and they say Awesome is the new United States champion. Just like that, his music plays. Steiner comes out, knocks down Ernest Miller. Madden says, I don't know if Mike Awesome gets the title here. So they are just totally in the dark on the announce team as to whether they're supposed That's to right. receive this as an actual official title change or not. Um, as he says, you know, he has the belt physically, but he's been just because he's been stripped. Scott Steiner doesn't mean the title necessarily transfers to Mike Awesome. Maybe it's held up. And then yeah. Steiner then um, drops him with a half Nelson release on his head uh, in case any in case this match was missing any spots from Misawa Kobashi. He gets That's that right. one in there as well. It's Absolutely. A- um, did uh, did you know that there is actually a. Um uh, uh, a superior uh, Orange County Superior Court judge in California named Scott Steiner. <laughs> there is, and nope. uh, in September of 2014, he was censured by the California Condi- Commission on Judicial Performance for engaging in sexual activity with two women in his chambers. Tremendous. So it is that Scott Steiner, <laughs> yeah, but the same guy. Uh, yes, it says he he also uh, owned a Shoney's franchise. <laughs> yeah. For engaging in sexual relations with two of his freaks in his chambers. Right. I just picture picture Scott Steiner on the bench. To ringside, okay. Giovanni says, <laughs> with his sunglasses on, even on the bench. <laughs> Sorry, and chain mail on his head, wearing the oh, judge's God. robes. And he, <laughs> every time he... <laughs> He's an ancient Roman judge. <laughs> and every time, every time a lawyer says... Uh, I object, Your Honor. What does he say? What? <laughs> Fuck. 
my freaks and my peeps <laughs> and my mom, <laughs> Mrs. Wretch Steiner. Mrs. Wretch, Wretch Steiner. God, Wretch. To ringside, Giovanni says Steiner has been stripped of the belt, and the cat walked away with the belt. Didn't give it to Mike Awesome, so we'll see what that means. Yeah. Did they call this a title change? Let's see. Did my let's see history of the U.S. title list of. Yep. Because I do not know if this ultimately led to Mike Awesome defending the championship. And yeah, I don't know. Let's see. I am no, aware. it was vacated at this show. He was stripped. Yeah, so so like Madden knows to not drive home the idea that the title switched here, which right. is that it's held up. And then they do a uh, tournament that Lance Storm wins, defeating Mike Awesome in the finals to become U.S. champ. Okay. July 18th, Auburn Hills, Michigan. Very good. Okay. So uh, we take you now to the graveyard, okay? Oh. It's the graveyard match between Vampiro and the demon Dale Torborg, and the winner has to make well, it Well, hold on. First of all, though, I got to tell you, Hudson, Hudson sells this show really, really really hard what a show we have seen master lock got their money's worth here in daytona match after match right off the charts okay i mean it's been okay which is more I than mean, you can expect that's, going in that's but. way that's being way generous in my opinion but sure yep. so uh we need to turn to guy evans nitro book because he has great color on oh, this wow, graveyard great. match great 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 the preparations for another bash at the beach match seem to illustrate the creative chaos at play Quote, they wanted to do a graveyard match, recalls production coordinator Jason Piccolo. That's one of the great strokes of genius of this book is he finds the guys who aren't in the business but work for WCW, yep. and like, you know, support logistics, you know, oh. capacities. They're just, they're just flies in the wall observing these idiots, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Idiots, they have to carry sure. out their stupid half-baked oh, ideas. What a and nightmare. They, and they came up with the idea late on Wednesday. The thing had to shoot on Saturday. No. The week before the pay-per-view, and they were going to roll it in as if it were live. They had this, oh. huge, this huge wish list for the shoot. It had to be in a graveyard. It had to be at night. It had to have multiple cameras across the graveyard. They wanted to have helicopter coverage, all this crazy stuff. First of all, from a production standpoint, I have to get everything in place to shoot. I have to get everything to a place to shoot, he says. And that has to be a graveyard. I must have talked to at least 20 graveyards at the metro Atlanta area. I spent all of that Thursday driving around, taking pictures, and looking at different sites. And to this day, I still don't understand... Why this particular graveyard let us do it? It's in Decatur, Georgia, a historic graveyard. It's, it's a real. It's, I mean, it oh, doesn't yeah. look like a graveyard at all. It doesn't. It looks like they made it up. Right. It looks like a fucking uh, uh, a, a park or something where they brought lights in and shit. Does. Yep. It's got graves dating back to colonial times before the Civil War. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. So I don't understand why they let us in there. It doesn't make any sense to me. Anyway, we find this place, and I rent all the gear. WCW had all these deep pocket deals with their Because money speaks for a lot of things. I guess, yeah, yeah. All WCW right. had all these deep pockets with these their vendors, all of these handshake deals, meaning we had to use this particular generator company. We had to use this particular audio person for everything, even though there were people closer, maybe people cheaper didn't matter they had their people and they used their people so we probably people all- better too for that matter oh for sure so we get all these trucks moving and i hang up the phone on friday like this is great i just did this thing in two and a half days personal best right then one of the writers with quotes around it because i don't know what those guys really were comes down and just like cancel it cancel it all cancel it all i'm like you can't cancel it these 
truck companies have already charged what? our card because it has to happen first thing oh tomorrow. Oh, my God. They're rolling to the location to unpack. We're paying them. The writer said, no one called Vampiro to get on a flight from Vancouver, so we can't get here till Sunday. We're just going to do everything next week. No! I think the whole bill for that shoot was about $75,000 plus $20,000 to cancel Oh, my God. To cancel it. That's ridiculous. What a bunch of fucking morons. So maybe they didn't shoot it in Decatur. Maybe that got canceled and what you said is true. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Uh, but Shivani says in the podcast, there's no way they did it in Florida because you go, you take a bump into the lake like that in, into the water and you don't know if there's a gator in there. That's true. I believe that. Which is a good point. Maybe they went to Vancouver and did it. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. It's weird because Dale Torborg loves talking about his career, but I've never heard him detail this experience yeah i i don't blame him it's the kiss demon you know the whole kiss demon backstory it's is that isn't that the thing isn't that what had to do with the uh the the new year's eve thing yeah they did a pay-per-view with kiss yeah. they actually went they actually went through with it no they they were going to, oh but they did yeah yeah they, i thought, I never, thought that was the case never ended up happening yeah and gene simmons saw you know marketing chance for a, a demon action figure he'd get all the action figure sales or whatever else they did in wrestling yeah. um but right. yeah brian adams was it first couple times a uh, strong relationship with the band was formed. We want to get it over, but didn't happen. Uh, nicest guy ever in the wrestling biz, Vince Russo says of Dale Torborg. Of course. Of course. Everyone is. Um, he ended up losing the, um, well, I don't know. He says he lost the coffin, Dale Torborg. I think he means the coffin he used to come out to um, in his big overproduced entrance that he lost later. I don't think he means the coffin used in this in this match, but maybe. Okay. And there was a cod piece he used to wear that he wore one time in a graveyard match because they ended up wrestling in the water. He had a backup one. Uh, other than that, not much color to it. But uh, here it is, the graveyard match between Vampiro and Dale Torborg uh, with the torch, brother. He's got a torch. Brother, what? Dude, why? why he, brother, why is he doing this, dude? That's a good question. And Asia, who was his wife, um, who was basically China, right? Big muscular female right. woman on roster. Uh, is involved as well. He tells her to stay back at the graveyard. I'm going oh with you, God. she says, and referee. Oh, her. here, here. This, this is this is the greatest exchange of all time. Uh, listen, <laughs> this is just so stupid. Asia, stay back. No, I'm going with you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Play it again. Asia, stay back. No, I'm going with you. Fine. And the award goes to <laughs> Demol. Oh, Demol and Asia. Deumol is more like De, it. Deumol, exactly. Oh, what a fucking it's horrible! This is this is this is this is really bad. Really bad stuff. This is really bad stuff, pal. Charles Robinson with a flashlight following the action around. So you can't see shit. Swamp noises at night. Can't see anything. You cannot see. Shit. The demon, we're told, is the dark side of Dale Torborg, which is great. I've always wondered about the dark side of Dale Torborg. Yeah, uh, me too. Madden asks, why would people keep battling Vampiro on his own turf? Why would they want to battle him in a graveyard? There's a coffin. Tony says the element of shock. They open the coffin. Ah, he's not in there. Vampiro is not in there. Madden says it's just a dead guy. <laughs> Vampiro is in a tree. He was in a tree and he leaps down onto Dale Torborg. The, the 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 this is the well hold on, this is the thing though that I thought was really here. This is Tony. Oh, there's a coffin. The element of shock. <laughs> the what? Oh, there's a coffin. 
the element of shock. What does that mean? The like, element of shock. I guess the fact that there's a coffin there is supposed to shock Dale Torborg. Yeah. This is, this, I mean, I don't know where were they shot this. It, again, I said that there, there are too many trees to be a graveyard. I've never seen this many trees in a graveyard before in my life. Interesting. And also with not that many grave, graves. Right. You know, right not right. that many fucking tombstones. Right. Vampiro's in a tree. We're not talking about the Undertaker's freezer either. <laughs> or Corey Graves, for that matter. That's true. <laughs> Vampiro jumps down off a tree in a Dale Torborg. Tony says he was in the tree. He deadpans it. Uh, Torborg sliding around in the mud a bit, does a urinage, and he can barely, we can just barely see. Like you said, there's just a flashlight there. Uh, Madden says pain is this. This is so bad. All you hear is grunting. It it almost sounds like fucking. Right, right, yeah. Uh, uh, You're not sure uh, exactly what's happening. uh, uh, Oh, I think I've copped to this before, probably on the New Blood Rising episode, but that t-shirt Vampiro is wearing, boss, I had it. Mm-mm. I want you to know I didn't buy Mm-mm. it actively, but I used to make a habit of sending my copy of my cable bill to WCW and WWF for a free gift. Not one, okay. One time it was a Vampiro Not t-shirt. okay. Huh? Not okay. He's a star in Mexico. No, he's not. <laughs> so, uh, yes, Vampiro uh, in, in that shirt uh, lands a jump kick, big clubbing shots to the back of Torborg. Vampiro says, join me. Don't make me do it to you. What I've uh, something. Uh, then he blinds. There's a blindsiding shot. Uh, he gets blindsided with a shot. They think Asia so did we, it. I don't. I don't know what the fuck is. Again, you can't. I mean, it doesn't matter. Who cares? Correct. Torborg knocks uh. down. He says, you stay down there. Are you all right? He asks Asia. Yes, Asia answers, matter of factly. <laughs> Great acting range in the skit. Mm-hmm. Torborg facing uh, Asia. Asia, stay back. No, I'm going with you. Fine. <laughs> A man of his convictions. <sighs> honey, I'm going to the bar. Uh, uh, honey, I'm going to go with the boys to the bar. No, you're not. All right, I'll stay home. <laughs> honey, I'm going to the bar. I'm going to the bar with the boys. No, you're not. You're staying home. Fine. Yes. Netflix it is. Doom, doom. <laughs> You're going to watch reruns of Law and Order with me. Right. Fine. This is true crime. You sit down and you watch how in the end this guy turns out to not be who he says he is. Fine. Uh, so Torborg is facing Asia when Vampiro gets a shot in from the grave and gangs Torborg down into it. We have shallow graves here at bash at the beach madden says this is magnificent brutal and disgusting all at the same time but enough about his dinner the <laughs> imperial tra- <laughs> drags asia through the graveyard says i tried to help you you wouldn't listen hudson goes tried to help her what <laughs> that's a good question like he's helping yeah, her at all right uh, nothing's Ro- being helped robinson instead of following asia who's being kidnapped with a flashlight he's in dale torborg's face with the flashlight and he's uh, like uh where is he where is she um uh, where is he and uh, robinson says he took asia that way and robinson says i'll go with you then decides against it and says wait for me and he's following with a flashlight and it's like all these right. needless extra steps to the process right now it's essentially a foot race okay we're told to get back to the arena because that's how you win the match torborg right. running up on a rock he finds asia there left there he says what happened and then Vampiro grabs Torborg and pulls him into the drink. Tony says, this is Florida. There could be alligators in there somewhere. Vampiro's going to try to drown him. Drown him. 
splashy punches in the water. Madden mentions uh, that Vampiro had lit a guy on fire. Now he's trying to drown somebody else. Tony says, all the elements, earth, wind, and fire. Asia's traumatized on the banks of this body of water. Tremendous acting from Asia, as you can imagine. It's awful. Um, Atrocious. Dreadful. Torborg in the water. Madden now... um, says, is, uh, is he un- unconscious in the water? That would be too good for him. Charles Robinson jumps in to fish out the demon. Oh. Tony says, we've gone to new boundaries now, as Vamp is walking away with Asia, says, I'm getting sick of this, me too. Torborg crawls out of the water, Robinson with the flashlight. Hudson says, Vampiro could be in a tree, like a vampire bat. Madden says, that's who he is. It's Vampiro. Asia, she's now out near a coffin, and Vampiro yep. sits up and spits liquid in yep. Dale Torborg's and, face. And then he says this. Moment of truth, Dale. You ready to live or die? Huh? You going to join me? Never! We have story. Well, that went, that went full circle, didn't it? Dialogue. You ready to live or die? You gonna join me? Never. That's all Vampiro talking. Yeah. Vampiro says you couldn't. <laughs> so fucking stupid. You couldn't beat me. You should have joined me. Slaps him with a bag of flour. They called a concrete tombstone. And then Madden did his. Uh, says did his head shatter or is that a tombstone? Maybe both. Vampiro loads Torborg into a casket, closes it. Robinson says this match is over. Vampiro turns it over and drops it into the shallow grave with Torborg inside. Vampiro with a torch says, say hi to Sting when you see him in hell and throws the burning uh, torch flame down into the shallow grave. He's dead? He's supposed to be dead. Tony says, what contempt for the world, for his fellow man. Yes. If the demon is conscious, they don't know. Fade to Gene Okerlund and he's with Shane Douglas. Oh, who? (laughs) You know, the thing about Shane Douglas. Also, by the way, this kind of ends and they kind of talk about it ending that match, but they don't talk about the fact that to win, you have to go back to the arena. Yeah, they kind of drop that. Until until he comes back. He comes back later, yeah, and they kind of remember it. Shane Douglas, like, his gimmick, without knowing that is what his gimmick is, is he's just, he, he, he speaks like he is a bigger star than he ever possibly could be. Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, he acts like he's this, <clears throat> I mean, I know he calls himself a franchise. I don't know how much money he drew in ECW, if, I mean, if you want to call it drawing anything. But, like, he's, he's such a fucking wannabe. Yes, correct. I agree. 100%. And, 100%. And not even close to where he thinks he either is or should be. He's one of those guys that, like, Paul was masterful in framing as, you know, just exclusively right. playing to his strengths. And right. just, you know, he was a guy who had a little bit more polish and panache than kind of the rougher around the edges ECW roster. So he could push him as just like a step above in terms of. You know, kind yeah. of more traditional wrestling skill, wrestling appeal. And, uh, and, and in, yeah. the, in the Island of Misfits, he stood out as a guy with exceptional polish and a sharp tongue and good, you know, traditional working ability. And he wasn't a bad pro wrestler by any stretch. Right. But he was he was middling on any other roster. But that was that master stroke. I mean, that's why Mike Awesome has a job. That's why uh, Spike Dudley got a job after yeah. WCW. Um, to some degree, that's why Rob Van Dam was thought of as like the best fucking worker in the whole world because, you know, Heyman saw what you could do incredibly well and he really never put you in a position to do anything but that over and over and over again. And, uh, 
WWE. Wait, you mean that works? You mean that works? WWE is the opposite. They obsess over what you can't do and right. keep trying right. to tease out a fix to this problem that they see instead of just adjusting their uh, their standards in terms of like what they force you to do on camera uh, if you're not good at it. So uh, Gene says you claimed to buff that you carried on you cl- you carried buff on, on your back during the tag title reign you guys had and he says in this life in this sport there are few guarantees. I've made a few guarantees in this sport, but I will. Make one tonight. Um, you're a great wrestler, Buff, but no greater than a franchise. You can mark it down as a guarantee from the franchise. I will defeat you tonight because I'm a franchise, because I'm just that goddamn guaranteed, goddamn good, whatever his tagline was. Gene's eyes are wide. Reminder, if you ordered Bash at the Beach, you could be Goldberg's guest manager at an upcoming WCW event. So there'll be 3,000 winners. I mean, did that come to fruition? Do we have, um, sure do we did. know anybody who won this? Uh, no, I, I don't know. I don't think it was on TV. All right. There's a P.O. box in Opelok. I'm still hoping can... to hear we get, you know, somebody who who, who won the Cadillac at uh, I know. Wrestling Classic. He was in Wisconsin somewhere, wasn't he? Yeah, something like that. I feel like they did do something on .com about him. I know, but I want I want to know who this person yes, is. Yes, look at him in the face, right. Yes, I want to ask questions. I want to ask about yes. the car, the reality. The party. Party. Bagel comes out, shoots off fireworks at his fingertips. That was a pretty cool entrance. Okay, let's just let's get this straight here. This is Shane Douglas versus Buff Bagwell. Can you shoot me now? <laughs> Strap Can yourself. You fucking in. shoot me now. Right. Fucking thing sucks. Russo, he he wasn't walking it back uh, when he was watching this show back for his YouTube channel a few years ago. And remember people jumping down his throat for saying Buff had as much charisma as The Rock. He stood by it. I'm sure he did. I, I, I feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I do get the vibe that there's, you can't, that he doesn't do, say anything wrong. And he'll never admit that he said anything wrong or inaccurate <sighs> or undesirable or fucking stupid. What about Buff's choker necklace? I can't. I you cannot. Know. You wrestle with a chain around your neck, right? That's his hair. Um, the way it it's stringy at the at the uh, the hairline, and like it's matted down, and and like how thin his go- how thin his goatee is. I mean, this was such a nineteen ninety nine like look. I, I, I mean, it's like the definition. I mean, anybody in my high school was doing this. I know. You know, <laughs> two earrings. I mean, I even did hair kind of like yeah, this, not yeah. to this, not to this degree. But like, you know, with it kind of coming down in the front a little bit. Oh, the Caesar. But the fuck. Yeah, the Caesar. Exactly. But I didn't do the fucking thin goatee. That, that, that took too much time. I wouldn't even not that I wanted to to begin with, but it took too much time. Did he um, did he used to wear a top hat too sometimes, Buff Bagwell? Oh, <sighs> that wasn't that was fine. Right. With his face and his hat, his stupid tall hat on his head. And his like uh, his incredulous face and like his um. Go on, keep keep talking. I don't have anything else. Go on, yeah. Like I mean, I'm 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 sitting here and I'm I'm thinking about him doing the yes. that fucking that weird. You know, he do that weird walk. You know, he like hop around like a <laughs> fucking idiot. You know, like like and he's smiling and looking like a like a fool. <laughs> Hudson says Buff Bagwell has been suspended. Just a for- fucking like, and 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 again, and and then he like lean back and like put his fucking chin towards the camera, 
and and all I want to do is this. <laughs> good one. I'm glad you added that. That's good shit. Oh, you could have used that one. Uh, uh, Jerry, Steve Austin's uh, agent, got fed up with the food references on the uh, the package. It's true. I know. I know. I could have fucking used that. Instead of- you had the click, click. You didn't have the, I had the click, click. Doesn't have the fucking sound effect locked and loaded. Hudson says Buff Bagwell had been suspended for unprofessional conduct recently. Interestingly enough, and uh, yeah, they just uh, they don't love to bury him anymore. That was his nineteen ninety nine gimmick where he'd look in the camera and say, "They love to bury me. My pirate didn't go off. He's shooting. He's laying down for La Parka. Oh He's God. having a fake fight with DDP in the Shh. locker room. What the fuck is this? Uh, yeah. Douglas out oh, in his God. robe. Douglas's robe is kind of infuriating." <laughs> Um, so, t- two men in the front line of the ru- of, of the rising new blood. I mean, Doug, you know, uh, okay, how the fuck is Marcus Bagwell new blood? He's been a, he was he was rookie of the year five years in a row in 1991 through 1996 or five or whatever. Yeah, yeah. By new blood, they just mean someone who's never won the world title, basically. That's so stupid. It is stupid. Bagwell versus Douglas. You ready? No. Buff leads them in franchise sucks chance. They come to the center and jaw jack a bit, signaling to the belts around the waist that they used to have the history together. Hudson says they hate each other because each man blames the other for falling from the top of the sport. (laughs) Got to get there first before you can. (laughs) I mean, exactly. I mean, you can't fall from the top unless you reach the top first, you dumbasses. Shane with a shove, Buff with some rights, whipping a drop kick scores. Douglas hits the floor. Madden says, not exactly Thez O'Connor here, more like Son of Sam against Charlie Manson. And I'm thinking, what? None of these guys murderers have, have serial killer vibes at all. Uh, so Shane turns the tides on the floor. Maybe, uh, maybe Vampiro. Yeah, maybe that would but, have been a better reference. I mean, this is more like, I don't know, fucking beach jackass number one versus beach jackass number two. <laughs> Shane turns the tides on the floor, starts peeling back the mats and the carpeting. Madden says, can I uh, get to that cake real quick? As uh, Shane tries a pile driver, but it's blocked and Shane is backdropped. He lands on the mat, though. What is he on Patreon? What? That cake. (laughs) That is not what he's talking about. I can guarantee you that. Uh, He wants to feel something else. That's Madden at a kid's birthday party. Oh, can you imagine what a like, you know. He, he he brings his kid to a fucking birthday party and like, you know, cake for the adults, know, the, the, the parent of the kid is like, oh, thank you so much for, for coming. Thank you for bringing your kid. Yeah, whatever. Where's the cake? <laughs> now, he stands there after the cake is served to the kids. He kind of stands at kind of at the back of the room or the back of the, the outdoor party. Yeah, he's like, yeah, he's kind of yeah. looking left to right, like waiting for someone to say, Did any adults want cake. You know what I mean? But sometimes they don't. Oh, yes. You know what I mean? He's waiting. He's lurking. He's, he's waiting. He's waiting for it to be okay or for enough adults to kind of wander off to not be around yes. the food so he can just kind of dive in <laughs> and take like eight slices for himself. Oh, love it. So uh, he's backdropped on the floor is Douglas. What an uh, idiot. Back in Buff with the boot to the gut. Swinging neck breaker. Shane hits the floor. Buff does the strut dance just for you, boss. <sighs> Shane drags him to the floor. They exchange on the outside. Shane lifts Bagwell with an atomic drop and runs him crotch first, actually, into the post. Madden says he predicted assaults on everyone's groins here, and so far it's been true. Yeah, just wait till Hulk Hogan, Jeff Jarrett. Uh, Douglas grabs a chair. Buff kicks him. Mark Madden it. waiting for a salt and pepper to go with his, <laughs> yeah. uh, his steak. Shane punches the chair in Buff's face, which made a ding noise. Um, 
He might have had his hand wrapped with that chain gimmick he used to carry. I'm not sure. Eh, whatever. He sells the hand. Doesn't matter. Shane of the fans. Now I'm going to beat your hero inside the ring. Oh, tell me more. Who's hero? Uh, tells Madden. Now we're going back to Pittsburgh to celebrate him and the Mark Madden Pittsburgh chums uh, with Dom DiNucci. Madden. Uh, <laughs> and and, and uh, uh, San Martino. Maybe and San Martino. Lunch yeah. with Bruno. Yep, absolutely. Uh, tells Madden, okay, Madden calls Buff an angry pretty boy redneck, which is pretty pretty accurate. Uh, Shane with the Kurt Heading neck snap. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause it just reminds us of all the people he you know emulated in the 91 Rumble. Correct. Shawn Michaels and Mr. Perfect. It's at this point, Tori Wilson comes out. They question where she's been. And, and Hudson, Hudson's... I gotta say, he's a little rude to her in his comments. He says the following: "I didn't recognize her wearing so many clothes. That's Troy Wilson." She is scantily clad, to say the least. I mean, still, like, why? She's been missing ever since. Uh, suggestively massaging Horace Hogan in the back, evoking the ire of Billy Kidman. Yeah. She comes up to the apron, and Shane wants a kiss. Slaps him. Buff rolls him up for two. Brother, what, dude? What? What? Yeah, I know. I'm not going out there, brother. No wonder. Yes. I'm not going out there, dude. That's the missing part of the Hogan Jarrett saga. Is there brother, I'm not going, roll dude, you got them match. going out there, brother. I'm not going out there, dude. People are rolling. Can I ask? I just want to ask you, dude. All right? Did you? Just hold on. What? Okay. Bro. Bro. I'm serious, dude. Pay attention, dude. I got to ask this question, brother, because I'm a little, I'm, I don't, I'm trying to. Get us all on the same page, dude. I want us all to be on the same level, brother. Why is Douglas wearing yellow, dude? And why is Buff wearing red and they're fighting each other, brother? Wow. And they're rolling up. Are you, wait, and they're rolling each other up, dude? Are you, are you suggesting, brother, Russo, dude, are you suggesting that I'm at war with myself psychologically, brother? <laughs> why are you doing this, dude? Why mind games, brother? Because John Taylor needs a payday. <laughs> and so does Mark Madden. What does Mark Madden have to do with anything, dude? <laughs> he needs a payday. I don't... Brother, go go to 7-Eleven get him a fucking candy bar, brother. I don't give a shit, dude. Why are you bringing that up with me, brother? You, Why are we talking about paydays, dude? But look, are you not, where's my check, brother? I do direct deposit, brother, into my personal bank account, dude. Guaranteed for six times. Guaranteed, brother. Payments. And, brother, if if something that I'm adding in the contract right now, brother, is if red and yellow are going at it, dude, then Hulkamania, brother, gets an additional payday, brother. I get a piece of their purse. I get a piece. Exactly, dude. I get I get 50% of both Bagwell and Shane Douglas's purse. Brother, is Russo going to cut a promo on me after the match, dude? What's he going to say? What do you know, Jared, dude? What's going on, brother? Right. You laying down, dude? <laughs> yes, Terry, I'm laying down. Why you say it like I mean, that? You don't, you don't say it like, brother, you don't say it. Why do you say it like that, dude? I mean, are you, you going to lay down and then roll me up, brother? Is that what you're going to do? It's just another one of your deals, dude. <clears throat> brother, why do you, why can't we actually just talk turkey, dude? How's how gonna come? How's this one gonna come around and boomerang on me on this thing? I mean, brother, I'm just wondering, dude. You know, you know, you and Russo. I know you guys are tight, brother. I'm just trying to figure out what the, 
you know, what's the story of the match? I'm just trying to figure out why you're not going to lay down out there, dude. And he brother, why do you keep saying eyes. you're not going to lay down, dude? Yeah, yeah. You know, we're talking about we're talking about doing business, brother. You know, I'm 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 all about building up the next you know generation of talent, dude. And I'm thinking but, these thoughts, and then I see Bagwell rolling people up in red and yellow. I mean, I'm like I'm thinking you and I are on the same page, brother. And then all of a sudden, the red and yellow are rolling each other up outside in the ring, dude. What the fuck is going on, brother? Where's Russo? Where the fuck is Russo, dude? Did you know he was going to roll him up like that, brother? Or did you, Jared, brother? I want to know what the fuck is going on, right? Do we know what are these? Were these roll ups planned, dude, or are these a warning, brother? Because you know, Buff and I are tight, dude. NWO, black and white, you know, for life, brother. <laughs> but he hadn't said a word to me about it, dude. But I, brother, he didn't say anything about rolling up. But all of a sudden, he's getting rolled up. He's rolling up from behind, dude. Which to me is a signal, Hulk, brother. Watch your back, dude. And it, uh, so what are you planning, Jared? I want to fucking know, brother. What's going to happen, dude? Are you gonna lay down? Are you laying down, brother? Or you expect me to lay down? I'm not laying down, brother. We didn't plan that, dude. I didn't agree to that, brother. I have creative control, dude. Section 11, subparagraph E. Do you have a section 11, subparagraph E, brother? I don't think so, dude. Hulkamania, brother. <laughs> That's how he wins. <laughs> Buff with the roll up, one, two. Buff with the right hands, whip back, elbow, clothesline, cross, body block by Buff, one, two. Tory Wilson gets up on the apron, cheering on yeah. someone. We don't know who. Whip reversed. Buff with the back elbow out of the corner. Vader bomb by Buff Bagwell yes. gets to. Yes, yes, yes. All exciting stuff. Tory gives Buff the eyes like she's coming on to him. Steps in. He grabs her. Yeah. They and pretend they, to make out. It's terrible. Like it's in, but certain doesn't terrible or not. Madden is excited. I see ten. I see ten. It's time. yours. <laughs> That's good. Uh. He turns, flexes, and a kick to the nuts by Tori Wilson to Buff Bagwell. So she goes out. She slaps Shane Douglas as a, I don't know, a distraction, basically. Yeah, so the yeah. Buff lets his guard down. She makes out with Buff and kicks him in the nuts, in case you forgot who was booking this show. And then Douglas with the perfect plex, which he called the Pittsburgh plunge. One, two, no. Shane makes that can't believe he kicked out face. Buff yes, with the go behind, no sell. He totally no sells the finish. What? Right back in the hunt. What? Double arm underhook and that jumping DDT Buff Bagwell used to do. Bad cover, one, two. They're wondering, who is she with? She's hurt both so far. Buff to the middle rope. Tori grabs the ankle of Buff. He grabs her hair, shoves her down. Shane, with the inverted atomic drop off the ropes, yeah. jawbreaker across the shoulder, stacks him up with a handful of waistband. One, two, and three. Shane Douglas defeats Buff Bagwell. In seven minutes and 52 seconds here at Bash at the Beach. And after the fact, Tori Wilson steps in. Madden says she looks like yep. the franchise has found a head cheerleader, which, of course, was Francine's position when he was in ECW. And she embraces him and they make out. And Shane does the heartbeat thing, just like he used to do with Francine. And uh, we have our new 2000 WCW version of that pairing madden says shane right. may have made tory certain guarantees as well and i know you're gassed up about where this whole Fr shane douglas tory wilson yep. uh, I, I can't wait team is I going can't wait. i'm sure it's going to end with come and just like that without any warning or any kind of teasing out or any kind of reason we just cut to the back he's and hogan is walking here. in the back he's just walking in the back full gear ready to go and uh, Gene Okerlund is with Jeff Jarrett. I told you Hulk Hogan would be here. Listen up, good Jurassic slap ass. Hogan's Jurassic slap ass. Hogan's here. Big deal. Plan the fuck? A. What the fuck? 
is wrong with him? <laughs> well, he found one thing that actually got over, so he just says it a hundred times. nuts. Plan A. I prefer don't like. piss me off. That was funnier to me. That was good. That was another good one. Zoom in, if you will, on that uh, AFX black leather replica WCW belt on his shoulder. Take note of that. He says, over the years, Hulk has wow. sure made a lot of enemies. So tonight, uh, allies are going to be hard to find. Ever seen the movie Usual Suspects? He says to Gene Okerlund, wait and see. Now choke on that slappy. What about the Usual Suspects reference here? They say Kaiser is so say boss. What, what are they trying to get across here? Um, I mean, have you seen the Usual Suspects? I have, but I, right, I defer to you on what they're All right. To- well, I, I just want to make sure because I, I, I don't mind spoiling it for the solar no, system. I do mind spoiling movie. it for you. I mean, it, it is the reveal. I mean, the whole yeah, the whole movie relies on it in that in that the the weak little guy who's being interviewed by the cops the whole time is Kaiser Soze. Right. Kaiser Soze. So, so how does that relate to this Jeff Jarrett? Uh, Hulk Hogan I mean, trade? maybe. Maybe he's referring to Russo being like being the the weak little guy and all this, but he's actually this evil mastermind who planned the whole thing. Got it. Okay. All right. I guess. I don't know. Gene pitches to a package. They show Hogan getting speared and jackhammered through a table by Goldberg and Jarrett saying Hogan was stretched out because of him. Been interviewing. Um, uh, they say the fastest, most disgusting to accompany me. Oh yeah, and then they go to the fat lady thing you did on Monday, and that's like that's literally the package for the Jared Hogan right, match, right? Um, and they show him hitting Hogan once backstage with a guitar from weeks and weeks ago, and uh, we come back and Michael Buffer's in mid ring spotlight, say, ding ding. We had Buff in the last match, and we have Buffer in this match. That's correct, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the year two thousand WCW Bash at the <laughs> Beach in the main event of the evening. For the the past- year two thousand. For the past few weeks, two of the biggest stars in the universe have been on a collision course, and tonight they shall collide. Oh, oh really? God. He had actually had a fucking choke on saying that Jared is one of the biggest stars in the universe. Oh, my God. I mean, <laughs> I know. he just He's very good. He takes his fucking paycheck, does what he's told. They will not but collide. Seriously. They will not collide. No. In this ring, for the undisputed one will, WCW. One will collapse, but they won't collide. Heavyweight Championship of the World, are you ready? He said undisputed, by the way. So uh, we yes. can't be saying there's two belts after this if it's undisputed. For the thousands and millions, let's get ready. And uh, the cho- cho- chosen one. But this is not that Jarrett version. Uh-huh. Not the Kid Rock uh, cowboy version. They take oh. that out on the Peacock version. But oh, Of course. You have to. And so, yeah, it takes forever for him to come out. They play the song for a long time. And Jarrett yes, it does. talked in his podcast about how he was literally pacing the back of the Ocean Center. Like wondering if he should go through with this finish knowing it was going to be the shits. Really? Yeah, that's what he said. Oh. You can see a foam Jeff Jarrett guitar held up by one of the fans in the audience, so I guess they sold the... Well, they were for sale. I'm not sure they sold any, but there's one. Right, right. Uh, Madden says, I consider uh, Jeff Jarrett to be one of the greatest world champions ever. Does Hulk Hogan put him down for the three count? Where does Hulk Hogan's career go from here? Taking forever and ever. Madden mentions no sign of him. What's going on here? Hutton says, it's not like Jeff Jarrett to stand us up on a pay-per-view. <sighs> Russo comes out first before Jeff Jarrett does suddenly appears. They say, Mr. Russo's back in his Barry Bonds jersey. Madden says, Bonds doesn't have the guts to show up at the All-Star game, but Russo has the guts to show up here tonight. And then, moments later, Jeff Jarrett out with his guitar just, hoisted they just, high. They just compare uh, uh, fucking Vince Russo with... Yeah, because Russo's going to hit one out of the park tonight. Well, I mean, they're not wrong. He does hit it out of the park. I don't know yeah. if it's a home run. I feel like it might have been a foul ball out of the park, but <laughs> whatever. Hudson says we can talk three more hours about this man, Vince Russo, and uh, 
Buffer from Music City, USA, known all over the world as one of the most dangerous men, his finisher, The Stroke. Ladies and gentlemen, he's a three-time world champion. He is reigning, defending, undisputed WCW heavyweight champion of the world. And it sucks the one time Michael Buffer introduces Jeff Jarrett on a pay-per-view because of Peacock's fake music. We can't hear a single word he's saying. Yeah, I know. I know. Jarrett comes out, gives the nod to Madden at ringside on his way around the ring. Tony recalls April 10th in the new There's book. Don West. Yeah. Sucking his <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's thinking who would make a good replacement. Yeah. Um Tony recalls April tenth, the debut of the new Blood Rising, Vince Russo introducing uh them and Jeff Jarrett. Boom, Pyro goes off. They say Jeff Jarrett has always been uh closer uh to Vince Russo, more so than any other performer in WCW. So they're making that point. And uh I think uh, I think I mentioned this before, but Jarrett, his fourth title reign in three months. Oh yeah, total joke. At- having won his first at spring stampede in four reigns held the title for a total. This includes when he when at losing it tonight, the last time held the title for a total of 58 days. Pathetic. Which is basically like an average of like 14, something 14 and change 14 days and change for per title reign, which is a complete joke. Complete joke. That's correct. And he says it on his podcast, you know, we everything we did in 2000, we could have done without switching the title back and forth. Everything, right. everything would have been fine, from David Arquette to Flair. Uh, no, but that's not that's not Vince Russo rules. Vince Clearly, Russo, you got to change the title 18 times in a week. They say in commentary, we're seeing Jarrett and Kaiser Sose himself in the ring. So there's your reveal. Vince Russo oh, is Kaiser Sose. Yeah. One of the many enemies, according uh, to Jeff Jarrett, that Hulk Hogan has made in this sport. So they're telegraphing it a bit. NWM yep. music hits. Yep. Madden says. We do see uh, uh, Hogan is a slap nut. Hogan is a god uh, signs, as well as I am the chosen one signs. These are pretty clever. They yeah. showed up ready. They showed up ready. Madden says, I wonder if Hogan has a plan uh, with some help lined up. Someone yeah, bro, it's called him. Section 11, subparagraph That's e. right. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Roller. you know who's in his corner? Henry Holmes. That's right, exactly. But uh, Madden says, I doubt it. Hulk Hogan has burned a lot of bridges, and he's fresh out of friends in wrestling. Oh Hogan God. steps out, flexes in the black tights and the weight belt and the bandana. Tony recalls the NWO forming here. He here, I got you for this one. The, the, the irony. I know. Tony, Tony points out the irony of it all. Is it ironic? Four years ago, 20's good, man. It's probably the best. It's probably the, the, the best thing he said all night. Yep. Because he hasn't been forced to say sports entertainment or <laughs> have to cover stupid shit. But it is it is really incredible. When you think about <clears throat> when you think about Hogan and you know that at the time of the NWO thing, how he was getting booed out of the building. Anyway, because as of as a baby face, because it was stupid fucking you know, storylines and him always winning and all that uh, awful shit. And literally four years later, same show, the crowd's going nuts for him in the NWO colors. It is pretty remarkable. Yeah, it's a great point. And in the way it's going to end, in the most WCW fashion possible, you know? Yes, yes. 
Um, so cut to Russo, who's looking shook at ringside. He's got a look on his face like he's like a ball of anxiety. And uh, Buffer doing the intro, Hogan rips his shirt, Madden says, I'll tell you, one battle that's long overdue since the minute Mr. Russo got to WCW, the big behind-the-scenes battle has been Russo against Hogan, and now that comes to pass. The bell sounds, Hulk Hogan versus Jeff Jarrett, Bash yep. at the Beach 2000. Hold I'm going to kick your ass, Jarrett. Yeah. Hold on a minute, Scott Hudson says. Hogan gets a mic from Michael Buffer. You know something, Jeff Jarrett? You were the chosen one because I have chosen you to powerbomb your ass through this mat for my brother, Big Sexy. So come on down and get your ass kicked, Jeff Jarrett. Now, Jarrett is standing on the rampway with his arms yeah, folded. Coward, yep, yep. yep world title around his waist. Jarrett's standing in the aisle, arms crossed, thinking, thinking, thinking. Doesn't have the most enthused look on his face. Hudson says, now, is that Jeff Jarrett being confident or scared? Madden says, or is that a Jeff Jarrett mm-hmm. who knows something that Hulk Hogan doesn't? So Jeff Jarrett makes a fateful walk from the rampway, looking yep. side to side almost wistfully. Hogan pacing. Slick Johnson, the Earl Hebner of this situation. Brother, 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 brother. <laughs> Where's Jimmy Hart, dude? Come get Jimmy down here, brother. <laughs> I need somebody in my corner, dude. Brother. <laughs> oh, 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 brother. He's got like a a lav mic pinned to his hair. It's like a it's like a it's like a a dog having a dream. (laughs) Oh the way it is. Jared about to step in, Hogan tries to close the distance and Jarrett drops back down to the floor and paces. Comes up. What are you doing, dude? What? Yeah. Brother. why didn't you get? What? I gotta cover my back, brother. Literally, dude. He does. He doesn't once turn his back to J- J- no, Jeff. Not Jarrett. at all. Not at all. Tony says to Madden, yeah. "We all knew Hulk Hogan would make it back here." Madden says, "I knew he'd never miss a big pay per view payday." And it's at this point that Ooh. Jeff Jarrett enters the ring. Ding ding, and he lays. Yep. He lays down. What's Jeff doing? What's Jeff doing? It's Halloween Havoc all over again, Scott Hudson asks. What was that? I don't know. What's the Halloween, Halloween Havoc reference? I don't get That's it. That's when he came out and laid down for Sting and then disappeared until Russo came back with Bischoff. Yep. Who, Hogan? Yes. Yeah, we talked about that in part one. Yeah, Hogan. I did. I guess I'm, not, I'm still not remembering it really because I've never seen it before. When, when Russo comes in October 99, he immediately books angles to get flair off tv hogan off tv roddy piper off tv kurt heading off tv anyone he perceived as kind of like symbols of the old guard and dead weight so the money yeah essentially yeah i mean yeah he didn't have to i don't know if that was even on his mind but his thought was we need to get people off television who they'll associate with anything other than a fresh start and so they told hogan just go in the ring God, it is so like his mentality over this is so ass backwards it makes me so angry yeah for sure it actually infuriates me like i get it i i told and i'm not against him trying to build up new talent but you need the old talent to build up the new talent he doesn't know how to get the new talent on board uh, pardon me the old talent on board to help the new talent he just doesn't know how to do it maybe there was no doing it but if there was he wasn't the guy to broker it he and he he showed that by just this this compunction to clear the deck because it just wasn't, to your point, you know, friendly voices in the room all of a sudden. He didn't know right. what to do. It's only um, the fucking people that, that, that fucking bow down to his fucking right. kiss his ring. It's like, I'm sorry. Like, when he came to sort of power and from a booking perspective, 
most of the cards in the deck that he had to work with were already established, you know, and he maybe played a part in writing the material leading up to then. I know the rock turned heel under his uh, sort of uh, agus, and that, that was very, very helpful. But it, it's not, you know, I think of the characters he created in WWF as more like Vince Russo. Uh, I'm Vince Russo. Val Venus. Right. Like, you know, kind of going over the top with Sable. And the stuff was effective. I'm not saying it wasn't effective, but he wasn't really... He wasn't. He wasn't really creating main eventers. He was like, creating uh, mid card gimmicks. And like, that's, right. And let's keep in mind too that the that the guy who you know who who would lead the whole fucking thing was established way earlier on with Steve yeah, Austin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, for sure. And and I'm sure Russo had a bit to do with that and lean yeah, into it. Yeah, of course he did. I'm sure he did. But um, but that's what I felt like when when he took the book at WCW. He was trying to take guys like Val Venus and make the main eventers, you know, like take guys that had like a, a shtick that, you know, interested you from a gimmick perspective and maybe made you watch a segment on nitro and actually try to make those guys the most focused people on the show. And it's like, no, those guys, they have their job, which is to be mid carters. You got to pick one or two of them and really try to find a way to get a veteran to put them over. You know, if you can't do that, you're not a good booker. And, And right. That's it. So, you know, here, here comes uh, the ding ding. Here comes Jeff Jarrett laying down. What's Jeff doing? What's oh Jeff doing? And now if we are to believe Hulk Hogan, right, on the WWE Evil documentary, on the yeah. Flair podcast, he's looking down at Jeff and brother. he's saying, brother, get up. Don't do this. Come on, dude. Let's have a match, brother. Let's work this thing out, dude. Brother, come on, brother. What's going on, dude? He's not moving. I Maybe Hogan's watched this and like back and that's well obviously look i'm, I'm saying he's got to get up brother well if you watch it back he's obviously he's not me, saying dude. anything that's yeah. the problem i'm saying it brother i'm just saying it with my mind dude oh interesting nuance yeah. there and uh madden madden says something that just is so fucking irritating i think we're deviating from the from the norm here deviating from the script i hesitate to say that but what the hell is going on awesome Yes, we're deviating from the script. Brother, just get up to have a match, dude. We're deviating from the script, brother. Brother. Brother, why are you? Brother. Did you? Why are you deviating, dude? Who's deviating, brother? Said, can I Can I deviate? Is it just deviation at the beach, dude? Are we? If I, if I put my foot on your chest, brother, are you going to? Wait a minute. Let's have a this, match, dude. Let's, no, 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 no. Let's have a match, on, brother, Let's just have a match, dude. Let's I wasn't not, born yesterday, brother. Uh, brother, you're going to. Listen, dude. I'll tell you what, brother, I'm, I'm fine laying down, like pinning you, brother, but don't try to roll me up. Don't try to, you know, small package me, dude. I, I section 11, subparagraph E, brother. That's all I want to say. Brother, you know what? How about this, brother? Before I pin you, brother, let's put a vending machine on top of you, dude, just to be safe. I got an idea, dude. What if I actually knocked you out, brother? <laughs> what if we use some kind of like a uh, horse tranquilizer, dude? Put you out, brother, and then I pin you, dude. Because I put my foot on your chest, brother. I don't know if you're going to Matsuda me. I don't. I mean, I've been Matsuda, dude. By Matsuda, brother. Have you been? Have you ever I, met Matsuda? Wait, are you talking to Matsuda, dude? Have you? Have you, have we you are, been? We are I mean, in Florida, we're, we're in Florida, brother. And, I, and that's where I trained with Matsuda. Did you train with Matsuda this week, brother? Did you go to Matsuda, dude? <laughs> are you? Is Matsuda here, brother? Is he booking this, dude? Where's Matsuda, brother? I want to talk to him right now, dude. 
Russo, get Matsuda out here, brother. I need to talk to him right now. Dude. This is all taking, I'm not going for this, brother. This is all taking place with Jarrett laying on the mat on a live pay-per-view. Brother, I heard Jared just told me that Matsuda's here, dude. Go get him, brother. He's been training with him for three months, brother. <laughs> brother, get up. He's going to shoot on me, Russo. See, this is what the problem is, brother, with this whole company. This kind of bullshit, dude. Yeah. You pulling Matsuda out from the back, brother. Now get his ass out of here, dude. <laughs> I'm going to pin both Jared and Matsuda right here, brother. And nobody's fucking moving, dude. Brother. You're going to shoot on me? I'm shooting on you, dude. Brother. Brother, get up. Please don't do this. So Jarrett gets up. Brother, what are you doing? <laughs> Come on. Let's have a ma- whoa, 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 brother. What are you doing, dude? Why? He's like backing, up. Down, He's backing up in the room. <laughs> brother, you're supposed to lay down, dude. What are you doing, brother? All right. All right. But dude, why are you laying down, dude? Brother, we should get, whoa, brother, what, what, what? <laughs> he's just like, he's barely climbing up. He's snail's pace, and Hogan's freaking out. He admit, His back immediately hits the ropes in case Jared tries to take him down. <laughs> brother, you get- <laughs> He wraps his forearm around one of the ropes. I ain't laying down, dude. Section 11, subparagraph E, I'm not laying down, brother. <laughs> Brother, get what? up. Let's have a match. Jared have starts match. stirring up, gets up, and then and then Hogan. Oh, brother, what are you doing? Dude? And then Hogan shoots him with a Glock. <laughs> brother, why don't we have a match, dude? Just stand up, brother. We'll have a match. <laughs> it was right. a shoot, huh? it, brother. It was a shoot. That was good. <laughs> well, that's not what happened. Um. Russo comes up in the apron, screaming things like cover him at Hulk Hogan, holds up the world title belt that Vince Russo has in his hands. Like, do you want the belt? Pin the man. Hogan, still with his bandana on, looks down at Jeff Jarrett disgustedly. Russo up to the apron, throws the belt, chucks it haphazardly into the ring, makes a big show out of it, walks up the aisle in his Vince Russo power walk. Madden says, I think we're deviating from the script like you played. Russo sucks chant, breaks out. Hogan looking for a mic. Russo's up to the apron. Yells something else. They miss it. Russo storms off. Hogan, is this your deal, Russo? Here, I got it for you, because you can't not play this. Correct. Is this your deal, Russo? Russo? Wow. That's why this company's in the damn shape it's in, because of bullshit like this. Wow. My God, this is real life. One, two, three. I mean... You know, I, I know that this was all, you know, planned and stuff, but it's so, to me, there's nothing more fitting than Hogan taking the pin. Right. He still gets it. He still takes like the it. Fact that, the fact that they're, they're treating like a shoot, Hogan needs to still get the pin. He wouldn't just walk out, right? Right. Like, you know, why don't you just fucking walk out? But Hogan needs that fucking pin. Yeah. That's why we're here anyways, because he needs to leave with the belt because he thinks that's his negotiation leverage, you know? Right. He's just, he's drawn a line. He's saying like, you know. I've said basically yes to everything Russo wanted to do with me. Uh, I felt like I gave it a good faith effort to see if his booking philosophy was going to light a spark under things. We kind of heard at the beginning of part two that WCW Magazine interview where he sounds sort of optimistic about the direction. He's kind of half kayfabe in that interview, but anyway. And now he's like, you know what? Fuck this. Like, Russo clearly doesn't have my best interests at heart. He clearly isn't going to book me in a way that's going to enhance me and get me a fatter contract. So fuck it. I'm just going to... Get that win. I'm going to get the belt. 
And if I have the belt, they can't fuck that much with me. And that's the bottom mm-hmm. line. So I'm just not yeah. leaving without it because I'm going to look Russo in the eye and say, you know, like, no, this is like, uh, you're going to do this. You know, I'm going to be the world champion. Like, you're going to be, you're going to learn that when I decide I'm going to be the champion, I'm going to be the champion. That's kind of what I feel like is going on here. Yeah. It's kind of like yeah. Hogan drawing a line and saying, all right, you know, I've, up to this point, it's been me humoring you more than it's been you convincing right. me of anything. One, two, three. My God, this is real life. Jarrett immediately gets up from his back and walks to the back, yep. leaves the ring. Quite a look on Jeff Jarrett's face. What here. a fucking, I mean, what a, what a, what a, I mean, just everybody looks like a, sh- look like shit here. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. nobody came out of this looking okay and, you know, worked or not worked. It just is a bad, it's bad business. Correct. Correct. That this is the, this is what came out when they put all that shit in a blender, you know? Hogan looks around like brother, hands on his hips. Hudson says, oh, this sport dude. has never seen anything like this. Cut to the announcers. They, again, Tony, clued into Tony, nothing. Tony is like in a, in, a, in a state of just visual peril. All right. He says, that this, is, he says this is a slice of real life and goes here. Fans, I want to tell you, what we have seen is a slice of real life. There's a, there's a meaning here. We do not know what to say or how to explain it to you, but there's something very deep. We've all been swerved. He's, yeah, because he's trying to cling to like kayfabe still somehow. He's still trying to yeah. be like, you know, if I explain this to you, I'd be breaking the fourth wall. You know, he's trying to not do that. Right. But again, no direction. I mean, Tony has said like, he remembers saying, because they weren't told this was going to happen, saying to the guys in the back, you guys need to lead me through this on how I'm supposed to position this, what just happened, how I'm supposed to frame it. But he gets no answer from the truck at all. So he doesn't know what to tell them. It was not a happy time, he said on his podcast. It pissed me off because I always wanted to do the right thing in terms of how I talked about what had just happened. He says, uh, you know, typically Russo would have gotten with me one-on-one earlier in the day, and the fact that he didn't and no one was talking to me made me even more confused. All we could do is do some nervous laughter because we had no idea what we're doing here. Um, One thing he said, Hogan said, did resonate. He is tired of the politics in the backstage area. This is one thing um, Russo said that resonated. Um, he said people were shitting on my work anyway, so <laughs> I kind of felt liberated to just, you know, <laughs> joke my way through it and, uh, and perhaps a little less guilty about not knowing where to take it. It's a moment, he says, I won't forget. Afterwards, Tony recalls talking to Jimmy Hart, who, of course, was working at the gorilla position, WCW. Do you think it was real? And um, Hart says, no, from what I heard, it was not. But again, the announcer has no idea that the foot on the chest cover thing was going to happen. And again, if we're to believe Vince Russo and Jeff Jarrett, Jarrett doesn't think Hogan knows that's coming, which is wild to me. So crazy. So uh, that's that. I mean, you know, in, in reality, you know, based on, on the, I, I feel like there might be truth to like all of it in a weird way. You know what they say? Like, you know, there's one ver- person's version and there's another person's version and in the middle is the truth. Yeah. Like maybe in a weird way, Hogan doesn't know What's going to happen because they have they've had so many scenarios that's been presented in front of them. Yeah, maybe he thinks that in the moment they'll call they'll call an audible and still have a match, right? Because Jared's like, talking, you know, he's running scenarios through his head. Like, do I just like start wrestling him? You know, but like you said, you can't have a match with someone that doesn't want to have a match. Right, exactly. I mean, then you're getting into real dangerous territory. But it's weird because Jeff, if you don't, well, if if your thought is that Hogan doesn't know you're going to lay down. 
right? Then what do you mean he doesn't want to have a match, right? If Hogan doesn't, if you don't know Hogan's expecting the foot on the chest, what do you mean when you say he doesn't want to have a match? Right. Because you worked out this big, long, involved DQ finish with him in the back beforehand with Johnny Ace writing in the notepad, and that was how you left it with him. It's not like you re, you got back together with Hulk and talked about the DQ. Right. So I feel like that might that might be a glitch in the matrix there in Jeff Jarrett's story. Um, yeah, he didn't... I mean, Hogan said he didn't want to lose to you, but he laid out a detailed match with you. What do you mean he didn't want to have a match? I don't right. know. It's kind of weird. Kind of weird. I don't know. Uh, I feel like... I want to entertain and leave open the possibility that Russo clued Jeff in on everything, but had to somehow, for sake of some part of the story I'm not appreciating, pretend that he didn't tell Jarrett. You know what I mean? That he didn't tell Jarrett that Hogan knew the fall was coming. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. You know, because it's really... Russo has been a little too forthcoming, I feel like, in interviews about how, how he didn't tell Jarrett. I feel like he kind of volunteers it almost. So as to like make sure to settle a certain fact pattern in that 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 might obscure something that would uh, be unflattering. I, I don't know. It's just it's 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 just it strikes me as odd how he talks about how Jeff was so mad and Jared's like I wasn't mad. Like there's these like these things that don't add up on that side on what Jarrett really knew. I feel like anyway um, that'll that'll never get resolved. Nope. Cut to the announcers, Tony looking to his book like, what have we seen? This is a slice of real life. Madden with his mouth agape. And Tony says, we don't know how to explain it That's because he's you. waiting. He's, he's about to be fed. Yeah, he, does. he looks like he, he looks like a conveyor belt. Is there's, a, there's a PA off camera who's got a, 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 like an Italian sub. Tony says, there are swerves and there are swerves. And we've all been swerved. Hudson says, I don't think anybody agreed, agreed to that. Oh my God, we've all been swerved. I know. Madden says, well, Hulk got to win and we all know that's what's important. Cut to Vampiro entering the building. And as he does. Oh, my God. Who cares? Oh, this is guessing Hogan walk right out. As he walks through the backstage area, we see Hogan walking by with his son, Nick, and one of his friends. His son has the world title in his hand. And Hogan, he's not really power walking. It's not in a huff. It's just like he's moving through the backstage area. Yeah, he kind of looks like, get the fuck out of here. Pretty much. Yeah, he's moving at a a leisurely pace. But think about how fateful that walk is. He walks right out to the uh, limo. They go to the airplane. and They're gone. Him and Bischoff. That's it. Last time, isn't that crazy? I, I I still can't get over that. I just cannot get over the idea of a guy leaving as soon as you're done. I know, not staying for the whole show, not watching the rest of the show. Well, to his point, I mean, you know, the reason that was done was not because that was Hulk Hogan's practice, although he probably did do it often. It was because you know they wanted to keep up the idea that this was a shoot, work the boys, and if if Hogan stuck yeah. around afterwards and didn't attack Vince Russo, yeah, I guess that's you know, true. Would be a problem. So. Uh, cut to Vampiro entering the building, and as he does, Hogan walks by. And, and, you know, Bischoff gives Russo credit at the end of the day for figuring out that piece of it because it did create sure. this moment that Russo could take advantage of and go out there and spew his venom on Hogan and then pull the Jeff Jarrett Booker T scenario, which, you know, Vince says Hogan knew about. Bischoff sort of frames it like Hogan didn't know about the Booker T part. And, um, and yeah, kind of realized you know, that this whole idea of like pushing, if it were real, you would leave the building was a self-serving move to get Hogan totally out of the right. equation. So he could go into business for himself. Uh, so yeah, Vampiro walking in Dillager and some other jabrones are escorting Hogan and his family out of there back to the desk. Hudson says, we're getting more TV time than anybody else because they, they just keep going back they to the keep desk. Going back to, I know it's really funny. 
And then Vampiro's music hits, so I guess Vampiro is ready to make uh, an entrance here. Uh, he's this the winner. Is so stupid. He's the winner. He's now in he the building. He's the winner. Um, they say Hulk Hogan makes the graveyard match look sane, that situation. The graveyard match is recorded as eight minutes and seven seconds. I don't know how they time that, but oh well. It's over I now. I guess the second, the, 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 just the segment that's on TV, maybe, or maybe from his walk, maybe they count. Maybe they add maybe. the um. Oh maybe God. they add the the walk from when he gets to the arena to the to the ring as part of it. It's a riot. What um, a stupid thing. The Hogan Jarrett match is listed as a minute nineteen. By the way, didn't seem that long, but wow. I guess you include the Russo. That's what this bullshit's all about. Well, from when, right from the, when the bell rings, you know, you go from when the bell rings. Yep. So bell Vampiro grabs like, a microphone. Just like Jr. likes to do. <laughs> Vampiro, the dark circle has now been completed. He's in a blue light special lighting with pink accents and smoke. Pink accents oh, and smoking. The demon is dead. Fucking I, piece of shit. I promise I'd destroy that pain in the ass Torborg and Sting, and I did it. Torborg chose to walk on the dark side, and he got buried alive. We want Sting chant. Random cutaway to druids now with the casket. They're all wearing Sting masks. Madden says, yes. are, they, are they disciples of Sting? <laughs> Such a fucking idiot. I'm not saying rip off Taker, but rip off Taker. <laughs> you know, I'm just... Here, you know, I got this idea, you know. What if we just rip off fucking Taker, you know, man? But don't rip off Taker, you know, and be the sting, man. There's, yeah, that's my fantasy booking scenario. <sighs> the Jared Hogan thing goes down. Hogan, is, oh, that's a good, that's good. That's him. That's him on the, um, the, so, the, the muscle relaxers are <sighs> a video interview. Yeah, it's perfect. <sighs> oh, my God, it's perfect. Hey, yo. Oh, my God. So my alternate reality is Hogan does the thing with Jarrett. He stomps through the back, and as he's walking and passing Vampiro, suddenly Hulk, just before he steps out of frame, is stopped by a hand. It's Scott Hall's hand. And he says, hey, Hulk, you should be the crow, man. <laughs> Brother. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I can dig that, dude. Brother. Brother. I say that all day. I I, I say it all the time under my breath. Hulk, Hulk Krogan, dude. Right. <laughs> Sounds like a country music singer. Not to be, not to be confused with Hulk Kroger. Right. Supermarkets. <laughs> Hulk, Kroger. Hulk Kroger, dude. Hulk Kroger, brother. Hulk Krogan, dude. Vampiro, I told you Sting is dead. I finished Sting. Madden says, "Isn't Sting in the hospital?" I picture you. I wish. I, I wish I had like access. I wish I had a camera in your house that I could fucking <laughs> to see you. You should be the crow, man. Oh my god. Hey yo. <laughs> hey Sting. His face. His face. His like the way he carries his shoulders. You know. Thing, I mean, I always picture for some reason. This is, I always picture him giving the idea as the Scott Hall in that in that that match, that awful match where he's drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> barely able to stand. <sighs> yes. You know, you should be the crow, man. Vampiro, I told you Sting is dead. I finished Sting. Madden says, isn't Sting still in the hospital undergoing treatment for severe burns? 
He's dead. He'd been lit a flame in the Human Torch match at the Great American Bash. Uh, then the masked guy sits up in the casket. Strobe lights break out. Vampiro um, hit with a bat, and they play Sting's music. Uh, they put Vampiro into the casket. The music switches over to a new sound, and the lights go out. Disappeared, and Vampiro comes out in the casket. They're all pointing bats at him, and Tony says... Um, Sting strikes under a mask and quickly disappears. So they act like the real Sting was among the people attacking Vampiro in the strobe light. Uh, the Sting that actually did the attacking was Chris Harris, future uh, wow. member of the America's Most Wanted tag team. Uh, he remembers uh, in an interview, Sting was on board, man. Back in 2000 at WCW, they obviously had taken a look at me because I was getting a lot of matches and I just had the, uh, the look. I guess the same kind of build and the hair obviously made a difference. He was doing something with Vampiro at the time and so there were a lot of shots that we were doing. I did some coffin shots where I came out of the coffin as Sting and beat the hell out of Vampiro with a bat. There was even some of those where I was in the rafters and got some shots up there. Then the big one was Halloween Havoc 2000 when I came from out under the ring with Sting and got to battle him one-on-one uh, -on -one with that. So I think Sting was on board with it. Some of the past Stings, it kind of turned out to be a little bit of a joke, but mine, I feel like, was more serious, which is why they gave me more of a run with it. Very good. Or because you had Russo, who doesn't know any better. It could be. Vampiro in a U-Shoot interview oh. basically said Sting pulled the plug on this whole program abruptly between him and Sting. Uh, remember, yeah, you suck. The cold shoulder from Sting night one when he came into the company, and then all of a sudden, good. Sting ended up warming up to him randomly, and then... You're bullshit. Right, You're a fucking idiot. Bullshit, and he pulled the plug. He's such a fucking idiot, he Vampiro. He, he said the heat was because, you know, Sting didn't like another guy coming in with white face paint. That was the problem. That was his thing. How about he didn't like you, you fucking <laughs> ugly prick? said he'd been doing it since like, you know, for like 12 years by that point. So he'd been doing the face paint longer than Sting had uh, like that. Um, but eventually he, he, he says Sting started complaining God, to the a, office. What an annoying motherfucker. Like looking at his face, it is so annoying. He's so punk. He's so not like no one cares, dude. So as a camera, no one hovers, thinks you're all right. Vampiro hovers on Vampiro's face. Think about Bischoff and Hogan taking off in the plane as this is going. Oh yeah. On. Oh yeah. The real story is just beginning to unfold. Yeah. As, oh yeah. As they turn their phones to airplane mode. That's right, brother. Um, and here, Tony Schiavone clarifies the winner of the graveyard match was indeed Vampiro. And it's, it's an odd conclusion. I mean, we talked on part one about Vampiro pinning Hogan on one of those crazy F-U-N-B vest-wearing Hogan nitros. Brother, I'm, I'm putting over the new talent, dude, like you asked, brother. And Vampiro said in interviews, you know, I couldn't believe when they said that. He said that to, uh, I think, uh, Hannibal. You know, I was just like, I, when they told me I was winning, I literally went to Hogan and said, I don't, I don't agree with this, but, you know, you're a legend and all that. And he said Hogan was really cool with him, so... Hogan was not putting up a big fuss to his face about the way he was being booked at that particular point in time. But it's a small wrinkle in this story that really concludes here at Bash at the Beach 2000. Yeah. Gene is with Goldberg with the pump-up tracks over his neck. And they say, tonight your personal vendetta against the Outsiders is about to come to an end. I know you can hardly uh, wait to tear up that Scott Hall contract, but first you must beat Kevin Nash. Goldberg chews gum and looks at him and goes, you finished? Gene goes, yes. Because he's a heel. That's right. He says, you know, it's Ooh. taken all the professional courtesy I got uh, not to rip this contract up because the person you see in front of you is more intense and pissed off than I've ever been in my entire life. But I want to make Nash suffer post to post. And then the outsiders, as everyone knows it, are history. Tonight, I personally end Scott Hall's career. And they're in a damn thing Scott can do about it. As a matter of fact, in a damn thing Kevin Nash can do about it either. And here all comes right. Russo. He comes down and we get Hudson, Scott Hudson. He sees something different. He's something different than what he's used to. That's uh, not Vince Russo, the character. That's Vince Russo, the boss. Look at his face. 
That didn't help the lawsuit. Uh, yeah, right. Surprised didn't play that up more. You know, I know. I'm surprised Hogan didn't. He's probably never seen this show. That's why Hogan probably never, never watched this thing. I mean, Russo's entire lawsuit, his affidavit, and everything is is rife with the word character. We made fun of it. How it's Russo the character talking about Hogan the character, the character, the character, the character. This is all Vince Russo the character. Why don't you play that Scott Hudson clip again for me? All right. That's uh, not Vince Russo the character. That's Vince Russo the boss. Vince Look Russo. at his face. Vince Russo the character. Vince Russo the character. Play it one last time. <laughs> That's uh, not Vince Russo the character. That's Vince Russo the boss. Look at his face. Oh, well, I guess we just, we don't believe Scott Hudson, but we don't believe what was said on the broadcast. Like we, we don't, believe, what's funny is we don't believe the guys who actually think it's real. Right. Who actually don't know, know. what's going on. Oh, shit. Yeah, good thing they weren't deposed. So we're not supposed to, when it comes to figuring out what is character and what isn't, we're not supposed to believe what's said on the broadcast. We're supposed to believe what isn't said at all. Right. Well, which is, of course, that's, what, that's, that's wrestling. So Russo comes out to kind of a chorus of groans, and Hudson even Ugh. says, who's laying down on this one? Russo sucks uh. chance. Russo gets in the ring. He does this famous thing where he puts his neck, his, his like forehead down on the ropes, and that's one of the famous shots of Bass, at Bash at the Beach 2000. It's him just sitting there soaking in the hatred of the fans for the way that turned out. Oh, my out. God. I can't stand him. He's so annoying. Shivani, it's real life here, fans. A few guys do pop when he says, that belt don't mean shit. Here, I got, I got, we'll play it again. We played it before, but we got to play it. it again. It's right here. Here's his whole fucking speech. There's only one way for me to do this, and that's for me to tell it like it is. Here we go. All right, we need to hear this. Let's lay out. You know, three weeks ago, I left WCW. Real life here, fans. And it is. More real than I thought it would Three be Three weeks ago, I left WCW, and quite frankly, I didn't know if I was going to come back. And the reason I didn't know I was going to come back or not is because from day one, that I've been in WCW, I've done nothing, nothing, but deal with the bullshit of the politics behind that curtain. The fact of the matter is, I've got a wife, I've got three kids at home, and I really don't need this shit. why I did come back I came back for every one of the guys in that locker room that week in week out bust their ass for WCW I came back for the Booker T's shit about this company that goddamn policy 
with Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan tonight wants to play his creative control card. And to Hulk Hogan, that meant that tonight in the middle of this ring, when he knew it was bullshit, he beats Jeff Jarrett. Well, guess what? Hogan got his wish. Hogan got his belt and he went the hell home. And I promise everybody or else I'll go in the goddamn grave. You will never see that piece of shit again. Amen. But I also, I sat out there with the people just like you. And I know you paid good money to come here tonight, and nobody is going to be ripped off here tonight. So Hulk Hogan now has the WCW belt. And Hulk, let's refer to that as the Hulk Hogan Memorial Belt, because from here on in, that belt don't mean shit! There will be a new WCW belt, and as far as I'm concerned, that belt still belongs to the one guy that busts his ass week in and week out in the middle of this ring. And you people can love him and hate him, but he doesn't screw anybody back there, and that's Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett is still the official WCW champion, but he will defend that title in this ring tonight. And he will defend that title against the son of a bitch back there who for 14 years has been busting his ass in WCW and can't get a goddamn break because of the Hulk Hogan. And I'm talking about Booker T. Booker T and Jeff Jarrett are the two reasons why I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with. So tonight in this ring for the WCW title, two deserving guys, Jarrett and Booker, will compete for the WCW and they'll tear this goddamn out down. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass! To shoot. You know, he's shooting. He's shooting. Yeah, great, great. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> can't tell you how excited I am that he's shooting. Um, yeah, this is shooting. <laughs> Not shooting. No, but you know, I, I, it's like he he lists off all these guys that he's there for, and I'm like, okay, I'm not impressed by that. I'm not impressed that you're here for these fucking clowns because most of them suck. <laughs> well, I'm not. I don't care about like the writers' favorite wrestlers on the TV show. Like, I don't care right. to hear about it on, right. on the TV show. Just show me. Don't tell me. Show me. He's got a huge right. show me. Tell me problem. Huge. Ugh. He always has. 
Huge problem with that. Such a fucking ass clown. It's quite a moment, though. I'll tell you. Yeah, it is. I mean, also bringing up my the fucking family and who cares? Yeah, that really triggers you. I'm curious about that because it doesn't like like I don't care that it affects your family. Do your fucking job. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I don't he's care. not saying it affects his family. He's saying like I, I don't need this. Like it, then it's quit. He did, and then he came back for the Jeff Jarrett. Then don't come back, you fucking idiot. He sniffed an opportunity here. Clearly. Oh, I think I, I think I can't stand it. It's so annoying. Bischoff's onto something. I think when he says that he kind of hints that you know the t- the timing of his father's death and the fact that he was going to be out of the sort of pocket for the week before Hogan no shows the last Nitro. It's like hmm, maybe I can get in there, get my fingers in the pie, and really, you know what I mean, direct things in a way. And and that's right. the week where he proposes right. Booker, where he has Booker wrestle Jeff Jarrett in the Go Home Thunder and almost win the championship, get people thinking that way. You know, put it does the fat lady Ugh. thing instead of driving home the Hogan program on that nitro. It's very interesting. In that no, regard. it's not. It's not actually. It's I mean, kind like of if Hogan was on that bullshit. last nitro, I don't think he shows up. I don't know if Hogan, I don't know if Russo comes back. If uh, Bischoff returns as planned from the July 4th with his family in Wyoming and is back on the ground and working throughout the week for WCW, I'm not sure he comes back. Yeah. I'm not sure he senses that chance to get everybody in a room and say, who is the guy? I mean, I, I, can we get that to happen? That'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> Different Don't reality. come back. Don't come back. Imagine the look on Russo's face when he parts the curtain after cutting that promo. Oh. And starts to see people and people start trying to oh, read I am, I'm sure he is so happy with himself. I'm sure he thinks he just fucking, yeah. I'm sure he goes home. He goes back to the hotel and he jerks off and goes to bed. Well, <laughs> He definitely, in one way or other, gets word, I mean, that kind of was word, actually, to Booker T, that he's up. It's going to happen. And, uh, again, Booker not not sure after losing to uh, Canyon earlier in the evening what would happen. But uh, he writes in his book, in a live turn of events, Russo decided to supersede everything Hulk wanted to do. It was more real than anyone would ever imagine. After Hulk and Jarrett made their entrances and introductions, it was time to lock up. Instead, Jeff simply lay down on his back in the middle of the ring, making everyone, especially me, watch and wonder what was going on. Hogan was visibly shocked and walking around the ring, looking at the announcers in the crowd. Russo came stomping down a ringside and grabbed the big gold, yelling, is this what you want? Then pin him and get it over with. He threw the belt in the ring next to Jarrett, who lay there like a corpse. As Russo made his way backstage, Hogan grabbed the microphone and yelled, is this your deal, Russo? That's why the company's in the damn shape it's in, because of bullshit like this. With his hands on his hips, Hogan walked over, put his foot on Jarrett's chest, and scored the pinfall. The moment the three count was made, Jarrett jumped up and ran through the ropes as quickly as possible, hightailing it backstage, never even making eye contact with Hogan. Shivani Madden and Scott Hudson sat at the announcer's table with their mouths wide open, scrambling for something to say. After Hogan finally left the ring, he went to the back with the belt, grabbed his gear bag, and walked out of the door in WCW for the last time. One thing many people don't realize, Booker writes, is that Hogan walked out of WCW with one of a few exact cast replicas of the big gold belt that the company had made for the boys. When Hulk had grabbed it from the ring and stormed from the building, he successfully took one of the new belts Jared had been given. Jeff had come out that night wearing his fresh copy, the original, the actual 20-pound gold belt with the belt, the bent top nodule and missing jewels was in the back. Finally, Russo came down to the microphone and explained the actions everyone had just witnessed. There's only one way for me to do this, and that's to tell it like it is. He went silent, rested his head against uh, crossed arms on the top rope. The crowd chanted, Russo sucks, Russo sucks. Commentary seen in silence, went off on the the the, the, um, the rant he did um, 
I was shocked, he wrote. Uh, Russo was uh, committing career suicide. Then Russo suddenly announced Jarrett was defending the world title against the one guy who deserved a shot more than anybody, me. I looked around at the other guys thinking, this is out of control. Booker and T and Jeff Jarrett are the two reasons why I'm in this damn stinking business to begin with, Russo said. And Hogan, you big bald son of a bitch, kiss my ass. My heart was pounding, Booker says. The moment happened so fast that it was hard to grasp the announcement. I was about to face Jarrett to go over for the belt as he'd proclaimed a week earlier. I grabbed my gloves from the bench, realizing it was a good thing I'd left my boots on. Let's do it. So we go from there to a package. Goldberg says, I've carried this damn company on my back for two years. This is the heel turn story of Goldberg. Right. Highly intriguing shit. Right. Him turning heel at Bash, uh, Great American Bash, giving you people. Well, hold on. We got it. Before that, though, we do have, we do have, uh, uh, I want to hear Tony say the words. That really, yeah. That's re up. Regardless of what side you take, we've seen a man. Vince Russo, who we all know, we all have worked for for many months, who has busted his rear end for this company, pour his heart out for you in a shoot, that, as we uh, call it in the wrestling business. That was, that was never, not on the format. That was not in the production meeting. That was nowhere to be found anywhere until this. A shoot. Yes, he said it. He a said it. shoot. Madden also says, if Russo were a woman, I'd marry him. Oh, he's such a such a worthless little Tony has no idea what's next. So he goes, I know I hear the count, but I don't know, have any idea where we're going. And they go to the package. Yeah, neither do I. Goldberg talking about carrying the damn company is back for two years, turning heel at the bash, giving you people something to believe in a hero. And what did you do? You spit on it, etc. Nash in his hockey jersey. Poor pitiful Bill. Oh, I know. Since you walked in the door, this company's given up on everything, on a, giving you everything on a silver platter. They show them mixing it up. Russo says, this is the contract of one Scott Hall. Goldberg, your little girlfriend's contract. Come claim it at Bash at the Beach. That's what Goldberg says to Nash. I got your girlfriend's contract. Come claim it at Bash at the Beach. And then he eats it. He proceeds to eat the contract. Why the fuck is he eating the contract? What is he doing? What is he doing? A clip of Scott Hall. They say only one Why person. Why is he eating it? It's a great question. It's all Why are you food. putting that in your mouth, you fucking moron? Only one person I despise more than you. Scott Hall has been nothing but a cancer. Goldberg says they show him using a taser on Goldberg in the past and trying to undermine and destroy WCW. Goldberg says of Hall, you idiots have cheered him week after week. It's my time and their blood is on your hands. Wolfpack noise and Nash steps out before the people. Kind of funny after the Russo promo. Kevin Nash, the first guy to step in front yeah, of the right? crowd. I wonder what yeah, he's thinking. seriously. And uh, here is the rubber match. That's correct. That is exactly correct. Um, we get Also, Nash is getting the Goldberg entrance, by the way. That's true. Yeah, I'm wondering. My notes are confusing me. That's because they start in the back. Because he comes, yeah, he comes, he, he gets, uh, they, they pick up uh, with uh, Nash in the locker room, in his, in his dressing room, and he starts walking t- with music, then he has an exchange with Scott Steiner before walking by catering, and then he comes out. And yeah, he says, hey, Scotty, watch my back, babe. And he goes, I'm busy, man. And it looks like what they're trying to get across is that Scott Steiner's like making out with a girl in the corner. You can't yeah, see yeah, the girl, yeah. but he's got his back to him, and he's too preoccupied yeah. with it. Um, so he just goes out by himself. He goes, it's for mm. Scott's contract. Get in the game, all right? And Scott Steiner says, I'm in the game. This is my game right here. Fucking the game. So Nash Triple walks H. by Gatorade. You, you, you pull back and reveal Triple H is getting <laughs> fucked in the ass. By. Imagine. Sign Scott Hall is my role model. Sign Greenberg uh, is a sellout. Sign Scott Alcohol. Oh my God. That's good. 
Oh, boy. So what I uh, I still don't get what Goldberg did to sell out and be a heel. At the end of the Great American Bash, he came out and speared. uh, Oh, yeah. You did talk about this, but tell me again. He came out and speared Kevin Nash, and then he Russo and uh, Bischoff raised his hand, and he was now uh, doing their bidding. That's all it really was. It's and money they, right there, huh? Yeah, and they built it up as like there's going to be an industry-shaking thing to happen at the Great American Bash, and that's what it was. Goldberg turning heel. So they built it up for weeks, like what could it be, what could it be? And it lasted like, you know, four months. Um, he did, um, Booker coming off this title win, did immediately kind of mix it up with Goldberg, and it did help Booker a little bit because Goldberg gave him a little, I don't he didn't pin him or anything, but he, he was very competitive with Goldberg. So that okay. But then I think he hurt him. I think um, Booker was going for a leapfrog, and Goldberg didn't duck enough, and he kind of like clipped Goldberg up, uh, Booker T in midair, and flipped him over and busted up his knee, and that was a problem. But wow, that's rules of the road with Bill Goldberg. That's just the the toll you pay. So uh, yes, um, Nash steps out to a big pop from the crowd. Madden says Goldberg takes every second of every day in this business totally seriously. Um, so what might seem like a small thing to fight over is a big thing, and it's escalated until right now for Goldberg. Sign, Nash is diesel-powered. <laughs> That's funny. Tony says, this is the biggest thing to fight for, his own essence. Kevin Nash's own essence. We'll fight what, for essence. What he stands for. I'm thinking, hmm, what does Kevin Nash stand for? Essence. Doing as little as possible and making as much as possible. I think my essence is more important than the actual character, you know. Goldberg music, sign, Soldberg. <laughs> That's funny. Hudson like called that. Goldberg. That's a good one. Fug Life. That was his name after we turned heel. <laughs> Fug Life. So stupid. That's what uh, the first coming of John Cena, Goldberg. Goldberg comes out and he literally has the Hall contract sticking out of his underwear. He's, okay, seriously. He's got it. It's not even just sticking out of his underwear. It's like he's got a heart on. Right in his crotch. It's like his cock is out. Unreal. And then, and then the best part is he walks down to the fucking announce table and he puts it on the table his, and then they touch it after it was rubbing up against Goldberg's cock. Smelling like his balls, no question. Like smelling like his fucking sweaty ass pubic hair, you know, like balls with probably, you know, peppered with some yes. leftover piss and cum. Yes. What a fucking freak. Tony says, maybe Scott Hall's contract has given Kevin Nash the motivation he needs. I wouldn't count on it, Tony. <laughs> Listen, tell you what, Jackhammer, one, two, three, call it a night. It's kind of funny. Right. Hudson gets the contract and he pretends to like notice like some rich clauses in it. And he goes, some of these caveats in here. Are you kidding me? Nash looks at it all crinkly and wet. Uh, <laughs> Actually, that's not Madden thought it was caviar that he saw. <laughs> And then Kevin Nash tosses the contract to Mark Madden. He doesn't trust Scott Hudson with it. Hudson goes, good call. Tony, never has one document held so much on the line in one match. Well, actually, in the Hogan-Jarrett match, there's another contract that held a lot more significance. Yeah, I was going to say, there's certainly, uh, actually, not even a document, not even a whole document, just one little section, section 11, subparagraph E, actually, held a lot of weight. (laughs) Yes. So, let alone the whole fucking contract, so. Never has one document held so much on the line, Tony. Wait till the lawsuit gets filed. Yeah, right. It's kind of ironic that he would say that uh, the, right after the Vince Russo promo. But here, wait we are. till the company. Wait till the company shuts down. Yeah. Sign Goldberg, the real game. Ooh, is when those two are going back and forth. Hilarious. What are they doing? Ah, 
Triple H was doing the Goldberg can't work thing. He said something derogatory about him on Tough Enough. That might have been subsequent in, to this. In 2000? Yeah, around that late 2000, people were comparing Goldberg and Triple H because Triple H was, you know, 2000 was his year. Yeah, okay. And yeah, there was some back and forth about him saying he couldn't work and all that shit. Goldberg would have fucking killed him. Killed him. He'd have, oh, I know. He would have grabbed his, his bitch ass and killed I mean, That's him. the thing. Like, the thing is, yeah, maybe maybe he's not a, maybe he can't actually quote unquote work, but he's he's dangerous and he's more of a threat than you are. Correct. Triple H. Triple H. Triple H could not, I mean, this is not something to brag about. It's just, I'm just making a point. Triple H could not concuss Bret Hart into a career-ending injury if he kicked him in the head 30 times unprotected. I agree. So here comes, uh, yeah, Russo, thinking back on the, on the Goldberg heel turn for what it's worth, um, says, you know, first of all, this was kind of a way to get Hall, this contract stipulation, kind of out of the picture, put a period at the end of the sentence, if you will, like, if, you know, the, the contract match is lost, then people will stop speculating about is Scott Hall coming back, is Scott it's Hall like, coming back? That was his thought. It's just kind of like, I mean, again, his his need to oust everybody who who people care about yeah. is really is really dumbfounding to me. Yeah. Like, how stupid can you be? Well, I mean, with Hall, it was, it was hopeless. Well, I agree. I agree with that. But, like... You know, you can still, in a weird way, sell stuff. People are talking about it. That's better than not talking about it. That's what he's doing. That's what he's doing. He's selling it. He's including him in a storyline, and there's yeah, but he wants he doesn't want people to be talking about him. And to me, I I think think the opposite. I think talking is more is better because let them speculate. Let you know, tease it. You know. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, kind of. It's it's sort of like how long do you let them talk about it? You know, as long as the fucking. You know, gets uh, to me as long as it takes. I think it starts to get in the way. Like every time I want to tease something big is about to happen, I've got to deal with people thinking it's Scott Hall again. It's kind of frustrating. If more people, if more people come in and try to look at it and think it's Scott Hall, what's wrong with that? Yeah, it's interesting. Well, that that that's how he explained it. He he said Goldberg told him he didn't like the heel turn, and if a talent's heart isn't in a heel turn, it's never going to work. Russo said he never would have tried it. if he would have known how Goldberg would end up feeling about it. Um, but he says, you know, what do you do with a guy, a baby face that goes 150 and 0? You let him go 151 and 0. Correct. Or 151 uh, 1, whatever. Like you just keep on going with it. You keep going until you can point to month over month declines in key metrics. That's what right. you do. And I mean, it's I, fine. You know, he crowd, lost. So, so get him back on board. Get him, you know, winning again. And the decibel level of a crowd pop in two or three cities does not count. I'm talking about pay-per-views are going down with yes. him on top. Yes. Ratings are going Agreed. down with him on TV. Until that happens, shut the fuck it up. It doesn't matter that horse. New York doesn't like him. Yeah, right? I know. Exactly. Until that happens, shut the fuck up and ride the horse. And stop being a bitch about it. That, that's the problem. Yep. Everyone's got to be a Bitches. bitch about Goldberg getting over. Because he showed that it actually doesn't take much to be takes, a big player. You know, winning. Exactly. And that's what that that's what makes you that's why people create all these false rules in their head about how you're not really over unless you lose. It's like give me a fucking break. Every guy who's ever made millions in this business won on a huge fucking win streak or at the very least had such overwhelming talent to be dozed over by the guy on the win streak. Right. And still remain entertaining and relevant to the audience, you know? Like, Flair had to do Flair because whoever he was doing Flair against was winning all of his matches at the, that year. Yeah. You know? Fuck off. 
So here comes uh, Nash versus Goldberg. Lockup struggle to the corner. Mickey J presiding. Goldberg hulls off in the corner, but Nash fires off a knee to the gut, cutting him off. Elbow to the back, corners him. More knees to the gut by Big Sexy. Nash digs in, boot to the throat now to choke Goldberg, but Goldberg grabs the ankle and pulls Ooh. out with a back heel trip. So he's turning that Kevin Bob Nash Sand foot never choke. pulls out. That's right, unlike us. So he's turning that uh, Kevin Nash foot choke into a back heel trip. And... Uh, Good. Why didn't everybody do that to Nash when he put his foot in their face? I don't know. Uh, Creative control. Goldberg. <laughs> yeah. Goldberg with a big butterfly suplex taking over Nash for two. Spot always worked. Goldberg ducks wild hands by Nash. Standing sidekick. The same one yeah. that hit Bret Hart. Puts down Nash. Um, big up yours and a fuck you from Goldberg when he gets back to yeah. his feet. God, Nash. He's, he's so, you know, uh, uh, Goldberg is such a weird character to me. Yeah. In his, like, in his... You know, he, 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 I, he takes a lot, so much shit, at least he's, he, he takes everything seemingly so personally. Yeah. You know, yeah, that's the whole backdrop of this thing. Yeah. He takes everything very seriously. Yeah, I mean, but that's not, I mean, in general, I mean, you know, he, he's so, he's so fucking weird. Like I remember when, when, when we did the, um, New Blood uh, Santa Slay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Santa Slay. And he's like, yeah, it's cool that the, you know, I get to kill the Santa Claus kills people and, you know, and, and he, I don't know, he's just, someone about him rubs me, rubs me the wrong way. I think he's very, um, he ended up in the lion's den. He, he, he ended up having to deal with like undercutting and backstabbing way before he had anywhere near the amount of spirit experience in the business. To sure. What, what was happening to him. So he was very easily convinced, um, that, yeah. you know what I mean? That if he let his guard down, people would take advantage of him and take his, the food off his plate, which was yeah. the truth. Yeah. And so he overcorrected, right? And he just became like preemptively miserable. He's like, I'm going to be a total fucking, I'm going to be totally miserable so that no one tries to take advantage of me. And everyone always right. assumes I'm unhappy and no one ever assumes they're going to get one over on me. You know what I mean? So he might as well just be unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if it, when he went home, if he took it home or not, but in a professional setting, he was kind of like, cause you know, People are giving you advice, and when you're young in the business, you're like listening to everybody and trying to assume everyone has goodwill. And then you look around, you're like, "Well, actually, that guy ended up winning in the scenario at the end." Like, right? You know what I mean? He ended up. I can see how he actually avoided something that would have benefited me and hurt him, but making it seem like it was good for me. I feel like he went through a lot of that, um, and especially with Holland Nash in the very beginning. That's why he had such sour feelings towards him at the end because. He was convinced that, you know, losing to Nash was the right thing. And he looks around yep. and he's like, no, yep. it wasn't. Kind of fucking totally wasn't. So uh, Nash then goozle, Google, Googles Goldberg and finds Indeed. pictures from the Falcons days. Now, uh, goozle, goozles them and chokeslams Goldberg to hell for a one-two. Here comes Scott Steiner and Medasia to the ring. Oh, boy. Nash tries a hangman's noose neckbreaker, of all things, but Goldberg gets free and puts on a sleeper hold. Steiner with the contract now, the Scott Hall contract. Come on, let's go. Gets the crowd clapping for Nash. To the yeah. corner, Goldberg with kicks, jaw jacking with Steiner a bit. Corner to corner whip, boot up on the charge. Nash ducks the right hand of Goldberg and hits him with a big sidewalk slam. But he doesn't jump. He just falls down, does Kevin Nash. Yeah. <laughs> the knees must have been rickety. Come on, you know better. One, two. And then uh, Goldberg fires up, goes for a spear. Nash dodges it, and Goldberg goes into the middle turnbuckle to a big pop. Nash drops the straps. Well, not those straps. He never drops those. That's right. And he hooks the jackknife, and 
Scott Swerve blindsides Kevin Nash. It's Swerve. A, it's a no DQ environment. And Swerve. Whip reverse. Nash boots him. Turns around. And that's so funny. Like the guy turns on you, and then like yeah. immediately you're kicking his ass. Like can't we? Uh, what's can't, wrong with that? Can Kevin Nash big boot Steiner tomorrow night on Nitro? Like, why is yes. it to be immediate? No, it's going to be right now. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with you? He takes the ste- wind out of the sails right away. What's wrong with you? Come on. It makes sense. He's Kevin Nash. Yeah. So when he turns around from addressing Scott Steiner, Goldberg runs him over with a spear, lifts him for the jackhammer. It's a tough slog, but he gets him over. One, two, and three. Goldberg defeats Kevin Nash. Five minutes. Yeah, and it, would be fit, it would be fitting that in a in a match where Nash jobs that it's also Goldberg's job to get him over. Absolutely. <laughs> so Goldberg takes the trilogy. It's yes, over, he does. Tony he does. Declares. He wins L Rubber match. It's over. Tony Schiavone declares, and Scott hands Goldberg the contract, and Goldberg tears up the deal over Nash's carcass. It's over, Johnny. It's over. Tony said this, which began in 1996, which revolutionized WCW Nitro has come to an end. So they're saying this is the end of the NWO. And it's interesting. It's kind of is bash at the beach, man. It's where it all happens. All the story is kind of true. Four years later. Wild Steiner Steiner recliner by Steiner and Nash as Goldberg throws the scraps of contract in Nash's face. And Madden says, Scott uh, just does stuff like this because he enjoys it. Steiner. That is, that's why he would have turned heel. Goldberg extends a fist at a fan talking tough. Uh, but that fan flinches when Goldberg kind of feigns an attack. Security comes over to the fan, gets in his face for throwing something. It, you know, Goldberg and Steiner, that's an interesting tag team. It sure is. Yeah, it's why we never got that. Reign of terror right there. Seriously. Got to know what was actually printed on the pages of that fake Scott Hall contract. Got to know what they type. Oh, I know. What, what do they type in there? Uh, to the ramp, fist bump between Goldberg and Scott Hope Steiner. Hope it's a recipe for Hoppin' John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a big up yours. Yeah. And, uh, Tony says Nash has lost his two best friends, Hall and Scott Steiner. To the back, Gene Okerlund is with Booker T. This has been perhaps, Gene says, one of the most emotional evenings I've ever experienced at World Championship Wrestling, as I understand it from Vince uh, let's Russo. Let's also keep in, keep in mind, Gene is still in the company. I know. Right. Let's yeah. just think about that for a moment. Yep, he's like this afterthought in Hawaiian shirt backstage. As I understand from Vince sure. Russo, Booker. Hey, you forgot a comma in there. Vince Russo, comma, Booker. <laughs> And Book says, this all came as a surprise to me. I really don't know what's going on. Vince has made the decision. An opportunity is knocked, and I'll be damned if I don't answer that door. I'm going to do what I have to do to take that gold home around my waist and take it to the next millennium. We go to ringside. Scott Hudson says, the show is supposed to be over by now. Good night. We were gone. But Hudson says, we're The got- show's, oh, I guess because the match happened. But like, yeah, Nash Goldberg supposed was supposed to, to end it, yeah. We've got Jeff Jarrett defending the title. I thought he lost earlier tonight. Madden says, let's not mince words. The winner of this, like Mr. Russo said, is indeed the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. These are the kind of men Hogan kept down, and whoever wins, that's your champion. Shivani's sitting there with his hand on his chin. He refuses I mean, to how did? Him. I mean, it's like curiosity. How did uh, Hogan keep Jeff Jarrett down? I know, huh? Jarrett's been in the company less than a year. And Hogan was really never really in the locker room when Jeff was, except for like- Right. Two months prior. So, okay. Steve Austin held Jeff Jarrett down. That's true. That's true. That um, is very true. So, Tony is interesting because, you know, he's he's kind of playing and did he, along. And did Hogan, did Hogan really hold Booker T down? I know. Well, that was in his lawsuit. You're saying I'm a racist brother? <laughs> I mean, but like, is there any evidence that he actually did anything no, like that? No, no, no. no. 
He probably didn't even know who Booker T was. Yeah, he doesn't have to hold you down until you, until someone actually proposes a program and he shoots it down and no one knows about that or I doubt someone. Right. And he's not going to work with anybody but, you know, Flair and Savage and Sting and Goldberg. Yeah, well, I mean, he just worked with Kidman and Vampiro, for God's sakes. I mean, Yeah, not really. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Tony's like interesting because he's playing along a bit with, with Hudson and Madden on this whole thing, but he never bites when Madden says something derogatory about Hulk Hogan. He always never. Hogan, you know he's what such I mean? a he's such a Hogan mark. Totally, he's being very smart about that. Uh, with his hand on his chin, his Hudson. I, mean, I think and, about I, I think about whenever I think of Tony Schiavone and Hulk Hogan, I think of SummerSlam '89. Sure, and and Shivani calling his first Hulk Hogan pay per view main event. And how crazy he went for him. He was over the moon. It was like he saw the most exciting thing of his entire life. Wow. Good point. Like it feel it sounds like and I don't think it is, but it, it, he sounded more excited about seeing Hulk Hogan than he did about anything having to do with Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah. I I believe that. I mean consider just how much of like an outside bigger than life entity from the world Shivani knew, the wrestling world he knew Hogan was. Having never experienced that before, that's yeah, yeah, that's big. But yeah, um, we're going to go right to Michael Buffer, and we do tonight. We have been witness to one of the most amazing nights in the history of professional wrestling, sports, oh, and entertainment. Boy. And tonight, and they started to boo him when he said that. <laughs> the history making continues. As for the second time in the same evening, you will see a match for the world heavyweight for the heavyweight championship of the world. So for the second time tonight, let's get ready to rumble. I wonder if he could invoice twice for that one. I bet he does. I would, I, that, that, to me, you know what? That's the ultimate. Really, that right there is the ultimate. Did if we if this match, you know, whatever, you know, uh, happens, whatever Booker says, whatever. If Buffer was scheduled for a two, like you know, if Buffer knew about it, that's the person to ask. Yeah, right. Buffer is the key because you know damn well. That if Buffer didn't know about it, he's getting a second payday. Yeah, he's not going out there again for the same rate. Right. That's You're damn fucking right. That's an interesting point. Tony says, I've been told uh, the winner, by the way, of our Play to Power MasterCard sweepstakes is a Norman Counter of San Diego. So your prize is in the mail, son. Book steps out, game face on. He's watered down. He's ready to go. Still putting his gloves on as he makes his way to the ring. Buffer still doing the intro over Jeff Jarrett's music. Hudson points out you train in different ways for Jeff Jarrett than you do Canyon. So this is uh, an interesting position that one Booker T finds himself in. Jeff Jarrett steps out with the title and the guitar high. Uh, and it is indeed the world title because it's dented on the top of the crown. And yep. Tony Schiavone points that out on the broadcast. I always wow. knew that was known, but I had forgotten that Schiavone actually calls it out on the, on the show. So I it's something that. that Schiavone says that everybody acts like they notice themselves to sound smart. Uh, this is a belt that... Um, I think Conrad Thompson actually owns this belt. This oh, really? Original world title. Yep. Uh, and Madden says uh, he's wearing it now. Although I guess technically he's not the champion; it's vacant. And they go, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! No, wait!" Vince Russo said Jeff Jarrett is the champ. And then Madden says, "I'm so flustered by everything weird that's going on here. They can't tell and, if the title's held up or not." And 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 uh, <laughs> Tony says this. I don't know if this was happening during the match or during an entrance, but he says this and. It seems appropriate just to say it right now. I want to tell you, we, I've had more fun tonight than I've had in a hundred different shows. This has been 
This has been wild. This has been worth every moment that we put in this, to this this company that we do. Yep, that was right just the as match. the bell sounds. Yep. yep, just the bell sounds. So a little bit after where we As, are. I don't know if he's being truthful there or if he's kind of being sarcastic know. about it, you know. I don't know. I mean, I, I suppose I suppose if you can, and I feel like Tony Schiavone can do this. I feel like he has the ability to just kind of say, oh, okay, so fuck it. All right, fuck it. Let's just go with it. And Oh, totally. You know, and I, and I feel like he, I feel like he can do that. And I feel like he probably meant that because in a weird way with all the shit that happened on this show, how can it not be the most craziest and most fun to have when everything is going, when you're not aware of anything and everything in your mind is going wrong and you just have to fucking sit there and just call it like, fuck it. That's great. I love it. It's definitely not boring. Yeah. It's definitely not boring. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, the fan who hassled Goldberg earlier gets to Jarrett and he called him a slap ass. So that's worth noting. Um, right. Madden says, these are guys who can go. Guys who didn't stay past last call, who go in there and just oh wrestle their tails off for as long as they have to. These two are what WCW should have been about a long time ago. Can, can somebody please just take away that big pot of Kool-Aid that he's uh, got in front of him? Jeff Jarrett versus Booker T in the main event and final match. Oh, don't tell Hogan it was the main event of Bash. Like Beach it's one thing. Yeah, right. It's one thing. It's one thing to have to, to like play up the heel characters, which I'm totally down for in a commentator. It's another thing to play up the booking. Oh yeah. Like he's doing. And that's, I find that so annoying. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, it's the story to tell. I mean, that's, the story of the match, you know, it's not, a, no, but I don't, but I don't, but you know what? I don't, I don't care. You know, it just, it just seems so stupid to me to, to, to be, to be going for that part of it. I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm off my rocker. I don't know. Well, you know, what's weird about it is it's like, what if Jarrett wins? Then it's not the beginning of a new era. It's the same guy who's already had the belt. They're sort of telegraphing that Booker's going to win. They're like, they're declaring it a it, new era before, you know, the but guy but, but, he, but he's basically talking about Hogan. He's commenting on Hogan burying yeah, yeah. other talent. I just I think that's, you know, let Russo do that and look like a fool, but don't join in on that because it doesn't look good. Oh, yeah. Well, Madden hated Hogan. He would say it all on the air all the time. I mean, he, he loved being able to go in on Hogan when he was, you know, and that was actually his character, you know, of a guy that. Why did he hate Hogan? He was a flare mark and probably until. Two weeks ago, still was, but you know, <laughs> right? I heard about that. So you're either pro Flair or pro Hogan in the '80s and early '90s, and that's it. You had to hate the other guy. I mean, you didn't hate Ric Flair if you loved Hulk Hogan. That's not exactly it, but you were indifferent to Flair, which is the same thing as hating when it comes to. I wasn't indifferent if I liked Flair. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm sure you know? there, there were exceptions, but the people who loved Flair and hated Hogan hated Hogan, and they especially hated him when he came to WCW and and big leagued Ric Flair, you know, and put him in his place. Um. So there's a lot of resentment about that. A lot of resentment about Hogan coming in and New Yorking up their precious WCW. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know. Well, I think, you know, what Madden's saying there is, yeah, it's kind of another dig at Hogan, but it's also like for all the years WCW has been in the spotlight, they've pushed guys that have been WWF, you know, guys that were 40, as opposed to ever pushing people as world title contenders uh, that were homegrown 
and still had their best years ahead of them as in-ring workers. Jeff Jarrett was a WWE guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's not a homegrown now, guy. I, if I had to draw the distinction, it would be guys that even if they weren't WWF before, tasted yeah. the main event for the first time in WCW. I see. You know, I think that's the, the distinction. So here we go. Uh, Booker claps to get them going. Good for here him. Go. He's out there going for it. He's not going to be like, you know, caught up in the drama. It's like, shit, no, we're going to win the world yeah. title. Let's fucking go. Uh, Madden, Madden says, uh, well, Madden basically says that uh, Hulk Hogan uh, should be playing Bret Hart. I guess technically Hogan should punch out Ted Turner backstage now. Stay, Tony, stay the course. Yeah, Tony's not going there. <laughs> I enjoyed that one. I was like, yeah, it'd be hilarious, Hogan. Turner, brother. That's kind of wrapped up in, you know, the the whole thing. If this were real, you would come out and punch me in the face. Like, because right. Russo can say, this is basically what happened to Brett, and he punched Vince out. So you got to leave if we're going to have a reason, right, for me to be able to uh, cut this promo without you killing yeah. me. Yeah. So uh, Jeff Jarrett hoists that original big gold for the last time in his, in his career. As yes. uh, Tony mentions, you can see uh, top of it, is bent. This is where he mentions that about the belt. That's the real belt. I've seen that for many, many years. And uh, this is where he says the more fun tonight than 100 different shows long. All right, yeah. And when the bell sounds, Booker jumps sky high before they lock up, signaling he's ready. And he, when yeah. he's done watch alongs. He's on. He's on for sure. Oh, yeah. He's feeling it. When he's done watch alongs of the match, he's talked about how that big leap is very significant in the beginning of the match. It's not something he usually did, but it really signals how eager he is to, to tie up and consummate this thing. Uh, Madden says, I think. Uh, technically, Hogan should punch out Ted Turner, like you said. Yep. Lock up Jarrett to the side, headlock, take over Booker with the head scissors, back up Booker with his hands extended, like he's just like gauging mm. the distance. It's very intense for him. Lock up Jeff Jarrett, headlock, take over, um, and uh, shove down on Jarrett. They're chanting something derogatory, Jeff Jarrett. I don't know if it's chosen, chosen bitch. Chosen bitch. That's what they're saying, right? Chosen bitch is okay. what they're saying. I agree. Waist lock, standing switch, side headlock for Booker Chosen T. bitch. Chosen bitch. <laughs> Jared to the top, wrist lock, pulled into a side headlock, push off, back slap, tackle down, goes Booker T. Over the top, leapfrog, Booker T lands, turns, drop kicks, just as we like, and Jarrett bails. Back in Jarrett with the right hand through the knuckle lock. To the ropes they go into the buckle. Jarrett with the right hands, whip reversed, baseball slide from Jeff Jarrett up, and he eats a Harlem side kick and is tossed to the floor. Mark Batten briefly calls Booker T. Stevie Ray. <laughs> Again, you know, they call them the new blood, yet both these men have been in the business for 14 years each. That's correct. That's right. That's about as new blood. That's as new as the blood gets at WCW. I mean, I guess I guess in a way that that, that kind of plays out okay, given if you think about the new generation, the WWE being headed by uh, Roddy Piper and <laughs> oh my God. Jerry Lawler in 94, yeah. uh, yeah, 94 King of the Ring. Your your new generation stalwarts and Brett Diesel and Sean. Not sure they're much younger than that. I know, so true. Um, then much younger than uh, Booker and uh, and Jared are here. Over the rail into the people. Madden says WCW has given fans everything they bargained for. Bash at the beach and a little more, and frankly, a little bit more than that. Booker and Jeff Jarrett brawl through the crowd into the doors that that they hit during the hardcore match back at the back of the building. Security in the mix, shoving around and, like, and clearing yes, a path the, for them. The days of the brawl in the crowd. I know, right? So fucking 2000, I know. You know, that's like, that's such a 99, that's such a, ni- a late 90s thing is the the brawl in the crowd. I never you know, liked it. For it. every fucking main event too, huh? Never liked it. 
it depended. I liked it if it was if it was tight and succinct. Yeah. If it went on too long, like some of them did, it's just like, oh god, just fucking get in there. Yeah, it's like it's a main event on pay per view, so it's got to be twenty five minutes. So how the hell do we get twenty five minutes? Well, let's kill ten of them in the crowd. Uh, that I don't like. Yeah, if yeah. if they go out there and they do kind of a fun little spot. I'm okay with that. Yeah. But I do not like it when they just are out there and they just stay out there and just punch and kick and, and punch come back. and kick. Right. And then just come back. Yeah. Uh, reverse whip into the wall goes Jeff Jarrett and back to the ring they go. They got basically a full tour of the Ocean Center. Tony says, this is WCW. Think what you will at its finest. We will never forget Bash at the Beach 2000. Madden says the Bash at the Beach pay-per-view is where something strange happens every single time, whether it's planned or not. Jarrett with a chair to the back of Booker T. Buffer standing up to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, he's not. Over the table into Madden and Tony goes... uh, What was weird in 99? mm, Let me look. Not weird enough to remember. That's like the weakest Bash at the Beach for sure in terms of... At least in terms of noteworthy happenings. Yeah. That wasn't the show with Rodman and... Savage. No. That was yeah, that was Road Wild. Oh, that was a shit show. I'm remembering this now. <laughs> maybe I that's maybe that's sucked. why it worked. Oh, it was terrible. Oh my god, I'm getting post traumatic stress. Wow, so bad. Savage and Sid. Yeah, that because that was during the um, that was during the tail end of Kevin Nash's booking ring. ring yeah, when Bischoff quit and it's fucking disaster. Good times. Oh. So uh, let's see. Over into the uh, the table they go, fighting into Madden and Tony. Both stand up. You can see their jeans. They're, they're definitely not in the dress slacks here. Uh, yeah. Booker uh, tied up in all the TV cords. They climb up on the top of the table, and Jarrett comes with an old Memphis pile driver under the top yes. of the announce desk, and that thing does not give. Not at all. Not at all. Uh, Scott Hudson said they finally figured out the construction on this thing. Uh, <laughs> Jared takes a swig of water, throws the bottle, and the cameraman covers his lens with his hand. Do you see the cover- cameraman? That was pretty funny. Hand yeah, I got, a, I got a kick out of that. Got to know whose hand that was. Someone in WCW must know. Someone is like, okay, that's, you know, this is an expensive piece of equipment. $20,000 here, guys. Yeah, well, if you get water in your lens during a live broadcast, you're fucked. Like, what if you of can't course. get it off and it's foggy? Is that a whole, it's a whole camera. Oh, I mean, there's a million different things that could, you know, they could cause a lot of problems. So uh, back in, Jeff Jarrett stomping on him. Book starts firing back. Whip reversed into a sleeper by Jeff Jarrett. Starts to wear Book down on the canvas. Booker's hand drops twice. Jarrett says, get ready to ring the bell. Like, this is Survivor Series. Nope. Uh, the hand doesn't drop a third time. Madden says, this is what it's like to vie for the title in the ring. Not in the mm. boardroom. Not in the back room. Not to politic for it. Shut the fuck up. Boss, this is athleticism to decide a oh. world champion. Not who you are, but what you can do. <laughs> Back up, Booker rises, back elbows, corner to corner, runs into the boot of Jarrett. Jarrett grabs another sleeper, Book pushes off, grabs a sleeper of his own. Jarrett counters with a shin breaker, and Book lets out an ah shit as he starts selling the light. <laughs> I missed that one. That's funny. Jarrett steps over. I usually like to get those. I love having. The, I love when they swear in the ring. Oh, yeah. Jarrett steps over for the figure four, Booker with an inside cradle for two. Crowd wants it. Crowd wants Booker to pull this off. Jarrett back to it, and this time locks out the figure four. I mean, I'm sure they're like, what the fuck is Jarrett doing in a fucking, right. you know, with a championship? <laughs> That's for part sakes. of it, too, yeah. <laughs> Hudson calls back to Canyon, wrestling positively Canyon earlier, and uh, no reference at all to why Jeff Jarrett interfered there. Um, 
if he didn't know he was going to wrestle book later like why are you worried about yeah they didn't actually make it that's true they didn't make a connection there that's very true why 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 would you injure booker t for no reason did you know he's wrestling him later or not do you know russo is going to do this or not ask Um, michael buffer he knows ah, great point he's the answer man he's the person we haven't heard from here the announcers didn't drive home that jarrett said he'd disrupt ernest miller's show if he didn't produce hulk hogan so maybe that was why he attacked booker when he did but other than that, it just looks like he's softening him up for a match that he wasn't supposed to know was happening yet. Right. Uh, Booker thrashing about, turns over the figure four. Jarrett grabs the rope. Tony really intense on the call here. He kind of rises to the occasion, Tony. He's like, he okay, this is chicken salad, chicken shit situation, but I'm going to act like this is the biggest thing to ever happen. He really gets it over. Uh, Jarrett drapes him on the rope. You suck chance while you swallow, bitch. That's right. So don't, don't, don't ever shortchange Tony Schiavone. He, he knows oh, what yeah. to do. When the time is right. Oh, yeah. Like, we saw the whole Tony Schiavone career renaissance coming before he even went to AEW because we went back and actually listened to the shit he did. Yeah. It's like you listen to him and, and, you know, years ago, we're talking like way at the beginning when we would do some of the earlier, some of the mid 90s shows and how it just, it was, it was warm to me. Like hearing him on the call in WCW for some reason produced more warm and fuzzy feelings than the stuff that I actually watched. Absolutely. Absolutely. The criticisms people used to have of him were just like necessary preconditions of his job. You realize later it wasn't, it wasn't that he lacked the instinct to like focus on the great workers and the great moments and talk about other shit or, you know, kind of lay out on certain things. He just knew that that's, what WCW wanted him to do that that's where right. WCW wanted him to train his focus. And he was, he was excellent at calling, calling out the high points and building things when it was a lull in the action. He was just really good. And he continues yeah, he to be really good. Yep. So, um, so yes, let's see. Uh, Jared drapes him across the ropes. Someone says, you suck. He says, well, you swallow bitch. And he shouts him and sits down on Booker T uh, tries again and misses, this time slamming yes, his swallow bitch. Yes. <gasps> Booker blocks and throws, whip reversed. Booker pulls him into a double, uh, into a knee that doubles him over. Axe mm. kick across the back of Jarrett's head in a spin rooney Irish whip up for the spine buster. He lifts one leg of Jarrett for the one, the two, and Jarrett does Oof. that thing that I hate so much where he just points his hand at the ceiling, and that's supposed to be a kick out. I don't mind that. You don't like that when no, they just lift one shoulder up? Shoulder isn't enough off the mat. Huh? Yeah, it doesn't count. Shoulder, what are you talking about? Shoulder needs to turn. Shoulder needs to turn. The shoulder isn't just the tip of it. Like, you know, if I lift my hand at the ceiling, my shoulder is If there is down. air, if there is air. Nonsense. No nonsense. No, it has, that's, it has, that's what it is. If you can slide your, if you can slide your hand underneath there. Well, I don't understand why everyone else kicks out so forcefully. If that's a, that's an option just to fucking lift your hand up. I, I like the fact that he is that far out of it. That he is that far down that he just like barely can move. So all he can do is lift his shoulder like that with as little energy. Oh, I love that. Okay. Shawn Michaels used to do that all the time. Yeah. All right. And in, in like 92 and stuff, it used to irritate the fuck out of me. Interesting. Because it was like he, he would never, it was like he could never lose. And that really always irritated me with Shawn Michaels that he, he wanted would, to see it happen. Yeah. He'd like he'd come so close and all he would do is just lift the shoulder up and like just have the arm up shoulder and that's it and i was like oh fuck me yes but all right fine well hey look you can you you, those listening you can you can jot this down this is a moment where we disagree and you agree on something jeff jarrett does on top of it 
Um, but I think if you watch enough of his TNA run when he was sort of like a tyrannical world champion slash owner and every single title Triple defense. H. Yeah. yeah. Everyone wants to be Triple H. Everyone wants every to be Triple H. Every single title defense. He did it like four times. I think wow. that's, it's the scar tissue of that more than this individual instance. So Irish whip, um, Jeff Jarrett set into the ropes, but he holds on, doesn't bounce off. Book comes at him with the Harlem sidekick, but he whiffs. Jarrett sidesteps and Booker crotches himself on the top rope. Jarrett comes with some corner. I mean, it also punches. comes, sorry to interrupt, but it also comes with, do you have the ability to make the fans believe that their guy is going to win? Right. And, it, and, and that, that is a, that is a very, very careful thing where you're not doing it in a weird way to annoy people. You're doing it to make, to make this guy look phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it you know? does. It does. But it I'm does. saying, does it do that? Did it do that in TNA? It doesn't sound like it did that in TNA. It sounded like it was more well, just like. Because so much of the reaction to Jared's world title defenses in TNA were like, really? Like, can we get over Jeff being the champ by now? Like, that's long enough, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. When he did that, it's like, oh, Jesus. Like, it's still not over. Like, he's still going to do a fucking 30-minute, 14 kick-out match, you know? We don't need another one of these. That That's what I remember. I don't know. Maybe you do. Maybe I did. Maybe I was wrong about it all along. Yep. Jarrett follows up with some corner mount punches, gets to nine. Does it mean, how's your territory doing? That's question. Wait, doing quite well. <laughs> if you consider a lapsed fan my territory, it's doing quite well. <laughs> That's a good point. Pretty good territory, actually. They're going on about heart determination, reversed whip, Booker sent in. Billy Silverman uh, crashes into Booker out cold is the referee. Jarrett comes in, whiffs with a title belt shot, and Booker grabs it and nails Jarrett in the head with the belt and covers him, but no ref. Oh, no, 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 no. Silverman's slow to get there. One, two, no. Jarrett again lifts that shoulder the same way. They're on their feet on the hard cam side. They're into this. Yes. Yes, Jar- they are. Jarrett with They're a low blow that fells Book to the floor. He grabs a chair, wedges it in the corner between the ropes. Rules do not apply. Correct. Booker then runs Jarrett into the chair and stacks him up for the one, the two, not enough. Book makes a really great exhausted cover for what it's worth. Yes, he does. You know what I mean? Yes. yes. He's not hooking it with full verve, but he's just so exhausted. It's the best he can do. It's great. Tony says, how much more can these guys give? Hudson says, we are seeing the cream of WCW's crop. Nice to hear them will this moment into existence here. Yes. They, Hudson sure. says, this is what it's supposed to be like. Whip and an uppercut from Jeff Jarrett. Uh, he kicks Silverman um, and strokes him just like that. He just attacks the referee. Yeah. <laughs> And, and and Madden, I'll give him this. Madden does sell that pretty well. I think it's pretty funny what he does here. That seems somewhat accidental. I think Silverman got in the way. Accidental. He's a full-on stroke. Executed full, move. He full-on fucking waffles him. And then Madden, I don't know. I think that was accidental. And then Jarrett kicks Book square in the nuts, uh, gets the acoustic equalizer, goes to the top rope, and he's going to smash the- acoustic equalizer. He's going to smash oh. the guitar on Booker's head. He comes raining down with it, but no. Booker snatches him on the way down in the bookend, lifts and dumps. Slick Johnson hits the ring as a fresh referee. One, two, three. Quite the pop for the win, too. Oh, it's wonderful. 13 minutes, 41 seconds. Booker T, for the first time, becomes WCW World Heavyweight Champion, pinning Jeff Jarrett in the main event of Bash at the Beach 2000. Strong match. Strong finish, too, for the show. Correct. All things considered. Considering that the majority of it, it's so weird. It's so... You know, you think about it, you, you had, this was a good match. The, um, chronic, uh, chronic was, was, I wouldn't say it was a good match, but it was exciting. It was involving. And then the, uh, the Mike Austin, you know, th- there was some decent stuff, but it's overshadowed by, by the Hogan. Oh, to say Jarrett the least. and stuff. And it's just like, it just makes it, 
it just feels like a complete disaster. It's like a complete bomb. Yeah, but yeah, they're still. I mean, this is a this is it for Booker. I mean, he doesn't yeah. even go to WWF with half the juice he does if not for this moment. Yes, exactly. Agreed. You know, when they came, when they came sniffing around trying to make that purchase, he was the guy with the world title. You Agreed. Know? Yep. And he wasn't one of those guys with this huge, ridiculous contract that they had to buy out that just made him undesirable. They were like, you know, we can actually get the WWE World Champion. Let's fucking do it. Yep. And he yep. made a great impression over there and worked hard. Um, and, you know, um, kind of accepted that uh, he didn't want to sit at home and collect money he was entitled to under the WWE contract and do nothing. Yep. Uh, he chose instead to get uh, bought out and brought in kind of at a different structure and rate than he could have made doing nothing. So we've got a new champion. Madden, oh my God, Booker is the world champion. Crowd with it. He's handed the dented gold. Hudson said he's yes. the top man in this sport. Trying raising the roof on the hard cam side. Great visual for him as the crowd all raises the roof. Oh, that's great stuff. It's a huge tribute because, you know, very often, as we know, wrestling crowds, when they see it, I don't care if it's the biggest star in the world, they see him for the second time on the same night. They're going to react in a kind of a more detached way. Here with you, Booker, Usually you do. But I think if you're going, if you're going for a surprise title match, I think they, I think you, they, you, you know, they elevate, you got them. I think you're, yeah. Hudson yeah. says hard work pays off. Booker T busted his ass for 14 years. You can see the loose plates on that original world title. They're kind of like, you know, he folds the belt. Yes. Hard work pays off. Bad times don't last. Oh, blah, God. blah, 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 blah. Madden says, this is what it should be like. Oh, should have been like a long time ago. Finally, the oh new WCW really is the new uh, WCW. Uh, Tony says, we're going to go into cardiac arrest out here. Seriously, Booker me too. The championship, um, and uh, Tony says anybody who knows Book behind the scenes like we do know that he's a hard work. He's hardworking, a gentleman, a great athlete, and damn deserving of not only the title shot but deserving of this moment. Tony detects emotion on Booker T's face, and it's a great go home call by Tony Schiavone. Yeah, agreed. On this night of July of two thousand, Booker T earned it and has lived it here tonight. He gives a hug and I love you to referee Billy Silverman does Booker T and Tony says, we love bringing you bash at the beach. There has never been anything like it ever. Booker called it his proudest moment in wrestling. All the shit I went through in wrestling scumbags. I had to work with that one moment made it worth it. He felt he was kept down for years, was never going to speak up for himself though. That's the thing. That's what this moment mm. represents as a guy who was never going to complain about the position he was in, right. but had this right. in him, you know, had a run like this in him. He said, that was a great day. It was hell to go through, but to end that night the way it was supposed to end, I could have folded like a tent, but it would not have been the right thing to do. I'm relieved and happy it ended the way it was supposed to end, but I knew the nightmare was going to continue, and it did at WCW. <laughs> um, this is uh, Vince Russo saying this. It was his proudest moment in wrestling. All the shit he went through, the scumbags he had to work with, for this one moment, it was worth it. Uh, he said, you know, I... At the end of the day, I got sued over it simply because I did the right thing. Well, you can get sued over that. You can get sued over fucking putting over Booker. You got sued over calling Hulk Hogan a piece of shit to set up the match. Fucking idiot. I can't stand him. But he, 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 you know, this is one thing he can point to that he did, you know, that he, that wouldn't have happened without Vince Russo. So there's that. Um, but yeah, you would have taken the arrows you took is because of the, your, your word choice in that promo and how you worked yourself into a shoot. Or shot yourself right. into a work, depending how you right. look at it. Or shot yourself. And Jarrett feels the same way, looking back on it. He did a watch-along in 2020 with the WWE backstage show that used to be on Fox, where him and oh, yeah. like kind of you know remote Zooms watching it. And he says, that was a silver lining, giving people something they didn't expect, but 
I had to go through a lot of bad taste and a lot of muck to get there on that night. Um, he did come out having a fear of a lack of crowd reaction or chance because they'd already seen him in an unflattering light and Booker as well earlier. Surprised he was at the pop Booker T got for his win. And um, he's glad sure. he can say in the history of uh, two-time Hall of Famer that he beat me to become his first world champion. Um, Booker said, uh, I think it was Jarrett, said he can't even watch this match again until spring of 2020 for WWE Backstage. Um. You know, Booker says he didn't know anything yeah. that was going to happen with Hogan and Jared and Russo. It was surreal. Remembers jumping as high as he could at the opening bell to tell, let Jeff know I was ready to go as long as we needed. He puts Jared over as a true professional, having no time to prepare. Right? They went out there and put a hell of a match together. Yeah, for sure. Jared says after the, the the pinfall with Hogan, he gets through the curtain immediately, goes to find Book because they got a match to work out. They have no time. Um, Booker says he led. I reacted on this night. So Jarrett called the match. Wow. Title didn't mean much to me before I got it, he says. I talked to Russo before. He said it was going to happen. Can I just take my boots off and go home is what he thought. He was like, no, man, you're going to wrestle tonight for the title. I pondered if this was going to happen or not, so I just waited. He'd been there eight years, didn't know if fans would cheer him or want him to win the world title. That's a big thing here, you see, with Booker. You see him realizing this crowd is actually really happy I won. They're not like, oh, really? This guy's the champion? Yeah, no, they're, they're excited. And you can tell yourself everything in the world, but you don't know until you do it if the crowd's going to react that way or not. Totally. But those people told him right here he belonged there. And, uh, you know, with Jarrett, never the best of friends. They never broke bread so much, but he respected the way he handled his business and uh, does credit Russo. If it wasn't for him, perhaps I never would have been world champion. He needed the right place, right time. Cosmos working for you. Booker said all this on his own podcast. You needed Russo to pull the trigger, though. If Hogan had won six months and dropped to someone else, the company uh, would have went down just the same. Once you crash the glass ceiling, man, you're a made man. And that was Mm. my legitimizer. But I had to go out and be the world champion after that and walk the walk and talk like a world champion in order for it to come back to me once I lost it. That's another key. Like, once you win it for the first time, you have to conduct yourself in a way where you're going to get it again, as opposed to be this Ronnie Garvin champion. Yeah. I try to make sure once I go with the world title, I'm going to try to deliver like no other world champion ever defend on every TV, every house show. And that was indeed a rarity for WCW. Something uh, champs do. Um, And uh, yeah, they didn't talk about anything before the match. Um, It became real at that moment. He's watched it. Booker did about three times after it happened. And uh, that is that. He says, it's not the belt, it's the title of being world champion in the company that means so much. And to close this off, this mm-hmm. long journey, boss, we do turn to yeah. Booker's, Booker's book, because it does turn out to be his night, and we sure. shouldn't ignore totally. that, you know, totally. for all the legal back and forth and mumbo jumbo. Um, it's worth it. As soon as I had my r- remaining gear in hand, I heard ring announcer Michael Buffer yell, let's get ready to rumble. My music hit, and my mind went blank as I walked to the curtain. Jared and I had never even seen each other, let alone had a minute to discuss what we were doing out there. So again, suspicious of Jared's story that he went and found Booker right away. I, We'd have to call I, it on the fly. I took a deep breath and burst out to the ramp, psyching myself up. This is it. Everything you've been working so hard for is happening here in Living Color. Be cool. You've got this. 
I made it down the aisle to the ring, still trying to put my gloves on. Instead of using my usual brawling style, I wrestled Jarrett very technically with a ton of grappling moves and counter moves, taking the time to rest by working outside of the ring as well. The action moved from inside the ring to deep into the audience and all the way up to the concession area. A sea of fans patted me on the back and cheered for both of us. I had control of Jarrett the entire way until he took advantage, led me back through the audience and over the railing where I landed at ringside. Giving everything he had, Jared hit me with a chair, threw me the announcer's table for a pile driver. When he picked me up vertically and dropped backward, the table didn't break and I bounced onto the floor. We made it back into the ring and went back and forth until the referee got knocked down. Jarrett went for his guitar. Once he had it gripped, he climbed to the top turnbuckle to attempt to smash me over the head. But as Jeff leaped off and landed, I caught him with the bookend to pin, score my first WCW World Heavyweight Championship. The entire mm-hmm. Ocean Center and Daytona Beach erupted, raising the roof in unison. At the same time, Mark Madden, the guy who predicted my world title a year earlier, was busy announcing on TV. Hard work pays off. Booker T busted his ass for 14 years and is now the heavyweight champion of the world. This is what it should have been like a long time ago. Finally, the new WCW is the new WCW. I was never sure where Madden got the part about the 14 years because in total it was going on 10 with the last seven being in WCW, but it sounded good anyway. I just couldn't believe I held Flair's original big gold belt custom made for Jim Crockett promotions in 1986 by the late Nevada belt maker Charles Crumrine on behalf of the NWA. It was an unforgettable moment as my emotions took over and the show closed out on a close-up of me perched on the ropes, the look of disbelief captured on my face and the belt Mm -hmm. on my shoulder. Backstage, everyone, Lash, Sting, Steiner, and even Flair himself, came up to congratulate me, but I was still too overwhelmed to really grasp it all. I'm not sure Flair was there, Book. I don't think he was in the building. Uh, yeah. Rick grabbed my shoulders and, in an unexpected and humbling moment, said, I'm passing the torch of this belt to you, Booker. You deserve it, and you're the man. Wait, who said that? He says Rick Flair said that to him. Mm. That night was a series of flashing images, as if I were under a strobe light. I would have to piece it together later. Right then, I was physically and emotionally exhausted and went straight to my hotel room. As I sat on the edge of the bed with the big gold across my lap, I pondered my career up until that point. I was now representing WCW at its very top rung. Sure, wrestling is a work and a business, but the enormity of and fake. the trusted figurehead is as real as it gets. I was grateful beyond words. And we are grateful beyond words for you joining us on this Lapsed Fan Special Report. Indeed. Put it on the fucking shelf. Bash at the Beach, 2000. We'll see you next time.